Our new partner who I'm really, really excited to announce we are working with. Super, super stoked. Thank you, Angie Huberman, for this connect. It's incredible. Uh, AG1 Athletic Greens. I've been using them for a while. I have them every morning on an empty stomach. Basically, take one scoop and you put it into a uh, cup or glass or mug of eight ounces of cold water. And this is all your greens for the day. You're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. Every day I take this, it's so good for my digestion, my energy. It's simple. It's easy. I don't like taking a lot of vitamins. This has been really, really helpful for me. I've had a lot of stomach issues my whole life, and ever since I've been gluten-free and taking the AG1s, it's really helped me in my stomach in the mornings. I love it. I'm so psyched that they're part of the One Life, One Chance podcast. I'm sure a lot of people don't like eating greens, let alone drinking your greens, but I can tell you straight up, it's got a mild tropical taste, and the taste is actually really refreshing, and I really look forward to it each morning. Don't, don't think it's just going to be just straight bland. Um, it tastes really, really good, um, and it's good for you, so remember that. This one blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's incredible, just one scoop, especially for musicians who are vegans or just musicians in general who want to get those daily greens. You can get the packets. It's incredible. I just gave some to my friend Derek from Sepultura. He traveled the whole entire world this summer, and he had, he had those every single day. He said it saved him. I bring AG1s with me when I travel. It helps me stay healthy. You know the deal. If you're on tour and you are uh, a picky eater, but you need to have your greens, sometimes catering doesn't have greens. Sometimes you miss the catering. Sometimes you miss the backstage food. Sometimes it's too late after the show to go get food that you like. So if you just have a, a scoop of uh, AG1s in your hotel room before you go to bed or you're in the hotel room at night and you're starving and you want something healthy, boom, life changer. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with some convenient daily nutrition. That's all you need. One scoop in a cup every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. This is it. I'm super psyched. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash OLLC. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash OLLC to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. This is incredible. I love it. It's just basic greens. For me personally, this has changed my life tremendously. I'm not a junk food vegan. I don't eat a lot of fake meat, so I'm strictly, strictly greens. And this has been a wonderful, wonderful new addition to my life. So once again, visit athleticgreens.com slash OLLC. And get one free year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Athleticgreens.com slash OLOC. Yo, yo, Liquid Death, thank you so much for hydrating all my guests, taking care of me and my family and my friends. Love your water, love your brand, love what you stand for, love what you give back to the community. If you want to learn more about Liquid Death and how it started, listen to episode 115 with the co-founder, owner, and creator of Liquid Death, Mike Cesario. Just a punk rock skateboarding kid from Delaware with a dream. It's an incredible story, incredible journey. So if you go liquiddeath.com slash Toby, you get free shipping on any items you order from liquiddeath.com. And if you want to get water, liquid death water, go to amazon.com. But for merchandise and other things that's not water, go to liquiddeath.com slash Toby and get free shipping. Thank you so much, Liquid Death. Death to plastic, murder your thirst, stay hydrated. You know H2O saves lives. Check, check, check. Welcome to the One Life, One Chance podcast. I'm your host, Toby Morse. 
I have a couple people here today uh, surrounding our guest. Uh, my man, Hakim, he's here again today. He was here. This will be a part two. I'll put these back to back. Um, thanks for being here, my man. Hey, thank you for having me, mate. You have a wonderful voice. Uh, <laughs> my man, Chappelle Lacey. Yeah. Back on the fucking, it's like the mafia. You try to leave, but always bring you back. Yeah, it is the true. World saw a couple, <laughs> the world saw a couple months ago that Chappelle is no longer the podcast where he's just focusing on his comedy, which he's killing right now. He's like my... My fucking, I'm proud of my son. And so I've been having come over here for the podcast, <laughs> and jumping back on the mic. So yeah, you got black kids, man. <laughs> <laughs> he just snuck it in real quick, yeah. just like my son. My it son. is. I mean, I pretty much fucking naps here, everything. Yeah. Um, and then the man, the myth, the fucking legend. We go back many, many, many years. Uh, Mr. Dante Ross, thank you for being here. Good to be here, Toby. This is awesome, man. How's mm. everybody doing? Um, so I had Hakim on a couple weeks ago, and your name came up a lot during the podcast about New York and hip hop and all this stuff because we grew up in the same era. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to have you on here. So welcome. Good to be here, man. Um, so uh, were you born and raised in New York? I was raised in New York. I was born in San Francisco. I moved to New York when I was three. Okay. So um, I'm a New Yorker. You're a New Yeah, yeah, that counts. And, and it's weird too because where I was born in San Francisco, like I grew up in the Lower East Side, a Puerto Rican neighborhood, and I, I was born in a mission, like a Mexican neighborhood. Oh, yeah. And my dad stayed there. He, he stayed there my whole life pretty much. So I had these like two very different Latin places where I was kind of raised him from. Yeah. And how? And so where in the city did you grow up? I grew up on 2nd Street between Avenue A and B. Wow. 171 when it was Buck Way Wild. different, dude. I mean, there was, there was me and one other white family on my block. It was all Puerto Rican. Wow. And my mom was a school teacher in the neighborhood. So she ran the kindergarten, the biggest kindergarten um, in my neighborhood. She, she ran it and she started a credit union. So she was a community activist. So she knew basically everyone in the neighborhood, which was a real blessing because I, I got spared a lot of beatings because my mom knew everybody in everyone's family. So people loved my mom. They were nice to me. Wow. I was very lucky. Mm. And your dad was like a political activist too. He as was well, and, right? a, and a writer. Yeah, he wrote like uh, eleven books, and he wrote for like the Village Voice, the Chronicle, Examiner, the New York Times. He um, he was a political activist and a pretty wild guy. And how and how are you as a kid? Um, I was I was a good kid till I hit a certain age, and then I think um, the call of where I lived kind of I just wanted to be outside all the time with my friends and and just we were wild little kids. It was the seventies in New York. It was very lawless. People were selling heroin all around my block, my neighborhood. I grew up on top of a social club um, where they sold drugs. And uh, I just came up, I, I grew up in a really crazy environment. I'm a latchkey kid too, so I'm left on my own devices a lot. Yeah. So you have siblings? I do. I have two. I have a sister, an older sister I was raised with, and a younger sister um, who has a different mother than me. And I have a brother too, and I didn't know I had a brother till. My father passed away, and I found that I had another another wow. sibling. When was that? <laughs> that was uh, ten years ago. Wow, eleven years ago, yeah. And so, wh where was where was he living? He was living in Seattle, but he grew up in Long Island. Okay, yeah. so you guys are in touch now. And stuff? Yeah, yeah, it's my man. He's great. That's Dan. amazing. Shout and out to my brother Dan. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, did you go to school in Lower East Side too? I went to school on the West Side. So when I was young, I was uh, deemed academically gifted. So they um, sent me to. Uh, was called an open school for kids who were academically gifted and me and a bunch of kids from my neighborhood who, who were all black and Spanish because that's all that lived in my neighborhood. Um, we took the bus to school together on the west side and it was it was it was a, an eye opening experience. Yeah. What were you gifted? Like what was your what were you into? Um, I was I was really good at uh, at anything that had to do with English writing and anything with language reading. I was um, always really advanced in in reading and and somewhat in math, but more in reading. Yeah. And so uh, 
So did you focus on that a lot? Did you want to do something with that? When you well, get my dad was a writer, so um, I love to read. It's just always been my, my favorite thing to do. It's the best free vacation you can have. So, you know, I've always been a big reader. So, you know, I guess it was this extension of the fact I love to read. And I could read since I was like maybe four years old. I started to read Jeez. very young. Um, so, and, and I started to read because my mom wouldn't read Dick Tracy to me in the paper because Dick Tracy was a, a pig. My mom was like, <laughs> she hated cops. She was like a political activist too. And she's like, I'm not reading you anything about a cop pig. So I <laughs> taught myself to read so I could read Dick Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty amazing. Um, and so, did you get? Were you getting into music and graffiti and all that stuff, skateboarding, like in high school or really a early? little earlier? I yeah. was always into music um, as a kid. Like I said, I grew up on top of a social club, and so there was a jukebox literally right under my bedroom. And this was the seventies, early seventies. So they're playing the Stylistics and Al Green and Bill Withers and and all the 70s classic shit. So I grew up listening to all of that music, and my mom loved music. She loved um, Otis Redding and Bob Dylan and Van Morrison and, and all this other stuff. So my house was very musical. My dad, on the other hand, he loved jazz. So he was into Miles Davis and John Coltrane. So my house always had music it's on. Great music, my, yeah. my My family was always playing music. My, friend, my dad was friends with a lot of jazz musicians. Um, so there was always like music in my life. Yeah. And did you want to play music? I did play a little music, and I did want to play music, but I wasn't very good. Um, I played drums, <laughs> and I played a little guitar, and I wasn't particularly gifted. Mm -hmm. So so I, I um, was fascinated by music, but so much technically challenged. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I certainly couldn't sing. Um, and so uh, are you, are just, is just, when did skateboarding really kick off in New York City? So I started skating when I was maybe 10 or 11. With Mackie. Yeah, I started skating before... I, I met Mac. I, I started skating literally right when Precision Wheels came out. Wow. Like, I remember when, like, the first skateboard, I had loose ball bearings. And then I, I after that, shortly after that, I got a, I think I got a, a Fiber Flex later on with Roadrider 4s and ACS trucks sure. or Bennett trucks. And this is when I started skating. And I met a lot of other kids who skateboarded at that time. And not so much from my neighborhood. There were kids who were from the West Side, the West Village more where I went to school and it was kind of those kids who I met who skateboarded. Was that eighties? Seventies. Damn. Yeah. This is this is um skateboarder magazine before white people cut their hair. Every white kid had long hair. Yeah, see, all had afros. Mm. Right. And that's I was one of those kids. I had like, you know, like um if you ever saw Sean Penn and Bad Boys, I kinda had that kind of hair. <laughs> yeah. And I like was like you know, like look, look retarded. Like I was like, you know, that's and that's how you looked if you're a white kid in the '70s. I don't care what anyone says in New York. Like there was no other way to look. We all looked kind of like, you know, rejects from dazed and confused. Yeah. And so when does um hip hop like it hit your life? So hip hop. So so first um, via skateboarding, I I uh, I start to think about punk rock and new wave. I saw Devo. Yeah, I, rock, I see yeah. Devo on Saturday Night Live in 1978. And I go to school that Monday, and Saturday Night Live, I don't know if you guys know this, it was like the cultural zeitgeist of like the world at that time. Like everyone got their information. What was cool was from Saturday Night Live. Wow. Especially when you're like a 10, 11-year-old, 12-year-old kid. I think I was 11 or 12, and, and I go to school on Monday, and the first thing we always talk about on Monday is, did you see Saturday Night Live? Like it's like a drug to us. And, <laughs> and, it was, and we always talk about the bands. She said, I live. I was like, yeah, that band was so fucking cool. Devo, that was crazy. And everyone's like, yo, what are you like? Are you sniffing glue? <laughs> like all the other kids are like, because we're listening to like Ted Nugent and ZZ Top or whatever, Led Zeppelin. Yeah. And, 
And so I start to think there's there's something bigger out there. And I was one of those kids who, my sister liked Led Zeppelin. I didn't particularly like Led Zeppelin. They were like, the songs were too long. It sounded like listening to The Hobbit. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, it, was just, it wasn't for me. And I was like looking for something different. I love the Beatles and some other stuff. I was looking for something, The Who I liked a lot. Something that was an extension of that. Yeah. And New Wave hinted at that. So I um I was a great shoplifter as a child. And I, I shoplifted <laughs> I started shoplifting many records, including Devo's first album. And wow. um the song Mongoloid yes. blew my mind. Crazy. I was listening to it over and over and over. I eventually made my way to the Clash and the Sex Pistols. Um and I, I literally shoplifted the Sex Pistols album. And I hid it behind my bed like a porno mag. And my mom found it. Oh, and my mom, being the hippie she was, was like, oh, I heard this is really groovy. And I was like, I, <laughs> I, was like, I hate you. Like, I, you're, you're the worst. Like, I can't rebel anyway. You, you yeah, right. Nothing I do can be bad. So <laughs> it's all, you know, my mom was kind of a tree hugger. So, so um, you know, from there, I, I found a subculture, right? Yeah. And, and um. I always, me and Olsen always make fun of this. So, so I had the Tony Hawk like guy haircut, you know, the like, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, it's like before I was punk rock. And, <laughs> and uh, in 1981, I saw The Clash. Damn. I saw him in 80 in junior high school. Then I saw him in 81, and I was like a new wave kid. I had like, uh, like a cheap trick button or something, you know, I was like kind of new wave. And, um, I went to see the Bad Brains in 1981 at 171A where they recorded with my friend who I skated with, John Potatoes, a.k.a. John Paredes, who was like the first kid I ever knew who went punk rock. His sister, Melissa, went out with Daryl, and I saw the Bad oh, wow. Brains the same summer I saw The Clash at Bonds. I went to two of those shows. Jesus, man. And I decided I was cutting my hair and all the, sl- all the sleeves off my T-shirts. That was it. That was it. It was all over. Life-changing. Life-changing. Blew my mind. I never saw anything like it before. Plus, I didn't know they were black. And I was like, what the... It, this, the whole thing was so fucking wild to me. You knew and, the name, but I haven't seen him yet. Right. right. Yeah. And and um, I was fucking blown away. And uh, I just... That was it. That Did was you get like, a backflip in there? There was a backflip in there. And this is when HR wore the tie. Yeah. Before, you know, when he was like mod looking. Mm-hmm. Like, and he's just like... It reminded me of like a punk rock James Brown, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, like it was sure. like, that's a great, yeah, it was, great, it was yeah. some shit I'd never seen before. And I think maybe cause, cause they were like black cats. Like, you know, I always liked funk music a lot. I like, I love Parliament Funkadelic as a kid. Like I thought they were the, they were like probably my favorite band. Cause I look at the albums and you know, they're cartoons. Yeah. So I'd read every inch of them. They were like mm-hmm. so cool to me. They had this, all this cryptic weird shit mm-hmm. going on. So, so they, kind of just were an extension of because parliament was kind of punk rock in a weird way they were so yeah, they different were. Mm-hmm. so yeah, were. The, there was some correlation between the two and there was like devo and these other things i liked like blondie like yeah these things were creeping around the talking heads and the bad brains were like that on steroids and this is before like i even knew the term hardcore i didn't know what that wasn't really a term yet yeah right it was like and before the bad brains there was this other band we used to go see i'd see him in junior high school when i was still a new wave kid and they were called the Stimulators. Yes. And Nick Martin was in the Stimulators, and he was became a friend of ours. And he was a really nice guy. And um, surprisingly to me, punk rock was almost wholesome compared to where I grew up and lived, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Because mm-hmm. yeah. kids I was growing up with were fucking all going to jail and selling drugs, and their parents might be on drugs. Shit was fucked up. So like this punk rock world was kind of like safer. 
in a in a way. So I, I kind of just gravitated towards that thing, and it fit in with like skateboarding. Yeah. And the other thing was there was like girls, and there was like cute girls, and I was like, oh, there's girls. It's like <laughs> I can skateboard. <laughs> Everyone's nice. You can like, walk the Stevies from your crib, right? Uh, you and it lived, was like yeah. it was like a sense of community. Like everyone's really yeah. like nice, and and then of course. My mom moved to Brooklyn because <laughs> oh, wow. my neighbor got so bad. Between 14 and 15, we moved. We we had moved to Avenue B and 13th Street, and it was like there was like a dude selling heroin in our building, and it was, it was dudes tried to rob him. It was fucking crazy. Wow. And my mom was like, oh, "We're out," and we went to Brooklyn. Can you break down the avenues real quick? A, B, C, and D. I always mess it up. So it was, it was um, A is is uh, aware, B is bad, C is crazy, and D is dead. Yes. That's so my, that's my favorite. I love when people break it. Down. You know, and there's all there's all different ones. You know, you know, and and a lot of kids who I went to school with on the west side, they're not allowed to go below First Avenue. So dudes couldn't really come to my house. Really? Like dudes couldn't come. I lived on Avenue B. They couldn't come to my house. Like it was like they weren't allowed to go over there. They were like, oh, we can't. I can't go that far east. Oh, the families wouldn't let them go that yeah. far. Wow. Yeah, because I mean, dudes, you know, in the '70s in New York, the early '80s, dudes were getting what we call getting taken off everywhere. Dudes would rob anyone anywhere, like for anything. Like yeah. it was just really treacherous man you had to you know you develop like a spidey sense you know yeah like i was never like i wasn't the toughest kid but i could fucking run mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and i and you know i got like i was scrappy and like i you know i'm not a punk but like you know like there's always everywhere i got my whole life there's someone who could kick my ass yeah, there's always somebody out there's there. There's always yeah, someone who can fuck me up. Not. Like, you go to fucking anywhere and there's some guy tougher than you. So, and I had no <laughs> illusions about that, you know? Um, so, what, what were your goals in high school? Like, what did you want to do when you get out? Not go to jail. Okay. That was really it. Like, Spence. I didn't, you know, I just didn't want to fucking end up like all the other kids I know. Like, you know, because where I grew up, a lot of kids, it was like a rite of passage to go to prison, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and we don't really go to college, a lot of kids. And uh, I think I maybe wanted to go to college, and I did for a quick second. I just, you know, like, it's funny. We look back, and people are like, High school is the greatest days of your life. I remember consciously thinking to myself, if these are the greatest days of my life, fucking kill me. <laughs> You're like, fuck all that. You know what I mean? Like, shit was, like, my house was dysfunctional. My mom was an alcoholic. Um, um, my father's, you know, like, not really around. And I had a really dysfunctional household that became more dysfunctional as I get older. And I just wanted to get the fuck out of my house. Yeah. You know, I wanted to like have enough money to not have to answer to my mom anymore and, and like be my own person. So for me, like I was just looking forward to getting out of school and, and I didn't have huge aspirations beyond that, to be honest. Yeah. What were you into at that time? Like your senior year, like what were you doing? I mean, I was working a job or I wasn't, I, I I sold weed. That was my job. Okay. <laughs> um, and I literally went to school um, to sell weed. That was like one of my reasons oh, for going yeah. to school. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I could go to school and I'm going to sell a bunch of weed today. Yeah. And we, we would literally buy a quarter pound of dirt weed for $90 and get like six million nickel bags. And there was a thing called a tray bag. I don't know if you yep. know that. Yep. That's a $3 bag. Okay. So, so when all the kids thought they're slick, they're like, yo, give me two trays for five. It's always like trying to bargain with you. And I'd be like, two, I'd always make sure the two trays were not as big as one $5 bag. That was like my secret sauce science. So I was good at math early on. Um, so, so, so that was like, I didn't have big aspirations. I just wanted to, you know, get out of my house in one piece. And, yeah. and I was lucky enough to do that. Yeah. So what wh- does it get into the music for you? So the music kind of starts to me with the bad brains. Yeah. I'm around them a lot. Daryl kind of adopts me. Nice. Like I become his like boy. We had this crew. We're from these kids from the West Side, the West Bed Posse. If you look at the Bad Brains record, they thank them on the cassette. Wow. So they had a band called Frontline. 
Yeah, I remember front line. Mackie was in front line. Mackie was in front line. Yes. So and and Mackie goes back before punk rock. Mackie was Mackie was like the coolest guy in the whole world. Like when I was like twelve years old, Mackie was like he was like a legend. He was probably only fourteen or fifteen, (laughs) but he was like a legendary guy. Ready graffiti, right? Yeah, graffiti, skateboarding, playing the drums, and he also had the longest hair in the world. He had hair down to his his back, like, and he had the world's longest ponytail. He was ill. He's also Asian. Right, so that's really weird. Like to all of us, well, you know, it's like cool. He's like he was like to me like, not to exoticize Asian people, but he was like the Bruce Lee of graffiti or something. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. He was like an ill dude. So yeah, M- big props to Mackie who who taught me all the stuff I probably should have forgot because it was half it was <laughs> half it was terrible. Um, but but so they had this band Frontline and and my my boy Gibi was the singer who who I ended up making music with. And, yeah, rest and, in peace, and yeah. all these guys like. Um, and that was our crew and we followed the bad brains around and the beasties were like the beastie posse was like, um, adjacent to us. Ad rock grew up across the street from West Beth. Mm. My best friend was a guy named John Barry who was in the beastie boys, John Barry, rest in peace. Yes. He's the guy who ad rock replaced. He was the guitar player and he quit the beasties cause he wasn't really into hip hop was ironic. He was my best friend, but he was like a skateboarder and a super smart cat. Um, all the girls loved him. He was like the heartthrob of New York punk rock. Wow. He was like a, a genius. He looked like John Lydon, kind of. Mm. He's on the Beastie Boys on Pollywog Stew cover. He's the one cross-eyed looking at the ground. Okay. He looks he looks bizarre. <laughs> um, so I, en- I ended up moving in with John, and music was at, you know, music was at the center of everything we did. Yeah. And, and punk rock, like, and this is no knock on, you know, all the guys from Queens who were in the hardcore. They're all my friends. And Agnostic Front, my friends, too. But it got like too tough for us. Like, and we were. Got more violent, right? Right. And we're yeah. not, that wasn't, I'm trying to get away from violence. Yeah. You know, like honestly. And yeah. And so it got, you know, which is funny because like, I'm fucking, I was a known troublemaker when I was younger, but, but you know, like I was just trying, that shit was too macho. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that wasn't, wasn't like the girls were disappearing and like hardcore girls weren't cute to me. And, and I remember we're all hanging out after, <laughs> a, after a bad rain show, we go to the rehearsal studio in West Beth. With the frontline guys and we're drunk we're wrestling around and bugging out it's like 90 degrees in there john has his shirt off and, and he's like you know you ever think hardcore is like i don't want to offend anyone you ever think hardcore is kind of gay and i was like what and he's like we run around their shirts off we're jumping on each other's backs the, i guess the proper term is homoerotic but we didn't have that in our vocabulary yet <laughs> and and i'm all for like you know everyone like so please don't don't misconstrue this as me being like homophobic. I'm not. I could care less. My my niece is gay and whatever, whatever. Anyway, um, hard to be homophobic and grow up in New York when I grew up. So John was right. He's like, it's like it's all these egghead dudes and there's no girls and like we're fucking. It's weird and we're all like, yo, you might be right. And we started going to fucking to Danceteria to meet chicks and to be cool. And that was when we all, everything changed. And, wow. you know, hip-hop, it shows up. It's adjacent to graffiti. Yes. Hardcore is not filling the void for us anymore. And we decide that we're um, into lots of other stuff, whether it's New Wave or Reggae or Ska, whatever it is, all these other influences yeah. are infiltrated. And Dan Satira played all this kind of music. Roxy too, right? Yeah, this is before the Roxy. Okay. So the first hip-hop club in New York was called Negril. It was at on 2nd Avenue. It was at, reggae club that did a, a party once a week it was by lady blue and it was called the wheels of steel that party became the roxy party mm. i was at the fun gallery and i saw ramal z who i knew rest in peace genius 
And he was like, yo, we're doing this thing at the grill. You and your boys should come. So we went to the grill. It was the second time they did it. It was the first time I saw it live. I'd seen rap acts before. I'd seen Jimmy Spicer, The Fearless Four, a couple of things, but I never saw hip hop, not mm. just, you know, I never saw people breaking in front of me to the DJ Same. with a guy just, you know, crowd rocking, yeah. right? I'd never seen that. And that shit blew my mind. It was like discovering punk rock again. Like seeing the bad it was brains. just like yeah. seeing the bad brains. Yeah. It was the exact same feeling. I was like, whoa. And I think it had that effect on all of us who saw it at that point, right? And we're downtown kids. We're forward thinking. So this became our new punk rock. Yeah. Right? So we, you know, we decided that like we were gonna check this out as to the fullest and we all were going to graffiti everything. We started going to the party moves to Dance Interior, then it moves to Roxy. And we go every week. That's in the eighties? Eighties. It's it's in high school still, 80, 82, 83, I think. Damn. And so I you're kinda young going to that, yeah. I was going out to to see bands when I was thirteen, fourteen years old. I wow. saw Sham sixty nine when I was fourteen. Oh, Jesus. Fourteen at a club called Haraz with my friend John Potatoes. And we I love John Potatoes, man, by they, the way. <laughs> they we skateboarded up and the doorman was like, who are you kids? And we're like, we bought tickets. And he was like, how old are you? And he was like, ticket was $6, which I, which was outrageous to us. We <laughs> saved up our money to get it. And, and he was like, if you tell me how old you are, I'll let you in. And I was like, I'm 16. And he goes, tell me how old you really are. I said, I'll be 15 in October. <laughs> and he goes, you guys are really cool. Come on in. Wow. And that guy ended up being the doorman at Danceteria. Nice. And he let me and all my friends into the club for free forever. Because he remembered us from being little, little wow. kids. That's amazing. Yeah, wow. Howie Montauk, he died of HIV like like lots of people I knew back then. He was a wonderful, wonderful guy. He was um, much older than us, but there were people like him and Keith Herring or Ramal Z and Patty Astor and all those people who I think somehow knew that we were cool before we did. Mm. So they'd see us. There's no internet or anything that back then, and they would invite us to things. Hey, we're doing this thing here. Hey, I'm doing this thing here. Come to this gallery opening. Hey, there's some over here. So we somehow end up being like these cool little kids who are in the mix because we bring some energy to everything. Yeah. And that's like the girls from Luscious Jackson, um, guys who ended up being in Cro-Mags, um, the Beasties, and and our crew, you know, and it's like we're just these this crew of loosely aligned kids from downtown. Yeah, and did you start working for the Beasties first, kind of? I as did. Like a runner, I like did. stuff for them? Yeah, or? I was a messenger at messenger, Def yeah. Jam. Ricky Powell goes on tour at the Beasties. I take... I, <laughs> I steal his job. Are you a teenager then still? I'm, I'm out of school. Okay. I'm, I'm a grown-up. I'm, I'm a grown-up. I'm 21, I think, or 20. I worked in a restaurant. Um, I was a waiter, and I worked in a really trendy restaurant. This is the other thing that's super weird. I was like, I was a good-looking kid when I was young. Hard I remember to, you had hard the to hair, down. too. You had that yeah, I did. I, I was like, a, I was a, <laughs> so I was a baby model. Yeah, so you I, had that look. I remember, I was dude. like, you know, I was like, you know, I was in a Stussy ad, an Agnes B I mean, ad. Yeah. I was in all these, like, I was, so, like, people would be like, stop getting in trouble, kid. You're like, you could be a model. And, like, mm. so I was, like, a part-time model waiter. Um, I had I had lots of game with the chicks, so I always knew a lot of girls and whatever. <laughs> so um, I ended up stealing Ricky's job. Damn. At Def Jam, because Lior is hitting on my girlfriend, and I tell him, like, relax and we become friends so he gives me a job when ricky wow. goes away i steal ricky's job but i am really into music ricky's really into getting stoned and snapping so i ingratiate myself to everybody and i already knew jam master j from the beasties and run dmc love you guys rest in peace jam master j coolest guy ever 
And they were like friends of mine, kind of like Jay was my friend. And um, I met everyone. That I worked at Rush Productions, which was the Mandarin side of Rush Def Jam. Management, yeah. And I'm, um, mm. I'm the office messenger. So I go to every record label all the time to deliver shit. So I meet everybody Damn. who works at the labels. And then I'm obsessed with rap music. And there's not a, lot, a, a ton of white guys around then. And I meet everyone who comes through the door at Rush. Yeah. And I know all their music. And I have this thing, I still do this. Um, if I like your music, or I appreciate what you do, I always tell people that. I am not ashamed to be a fan. Yeah. And like, you know, I, and I always like do it in a, in a not lurky way, right? Like, oh man, I really dig what you do. Like, thanks. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. respect. And, and I think because I was forthcoming with people, um, a lot of people liked me. You know, I was like mm -hmm. a funny kid. I was like a goofy kid. So, you know, the goofy kid with a skateboard and backwards baseball hat. So yeah. these guys all kind of were nice to me. I ended up um, from there becoming a road manager. I road manager at being Rakim for a minute. What? Yeah. Um, ho, 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 hang on. What? What era? What era? What album? Oh, Paid in Full, right after Paid in Full. What? The second so record. Let's, and let's... and I'm, I'm their road manager by default, kind of. So I, I do it... Um, that's way better. Yeah. Only only a handful of times, but out of default because I'm. Oh, that's the other thing. I'm um, I'm really responsible. I'm a anal person, and I am very responsible. And I they, Leo knew that. Money, budgets, and all that. I'm just, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm like yeah. I'm on time. Like yeah, you know, like when it's work, I don't fuck around. Um, and you know that was another quality I had that I took this shit serious. And I took it serious. Like you asked me earlier, what did I want to do in high school? I had no idea but I found what I wanted to do, mm. right? I want, I couldn't really play an instrument. Yeah. I couldn't rap. Um, Did you try to rap ever? I was not good. Okay. <laughs> I never, I never, I never got out of the bedroom with the rap. You know? um, and, and um, that's what the beasties did too. Like, you know, what am I, I'm a rapper too. It was weird. So um, I saw what I wanted to do. So I decided I was going to try to do it. Yeah. The best I could. And um, so I ended up working with Eric B and Rakim a little bit, Jeez. but more than that, I, I take Eric B and Rakim to L.A. when they are about to sign. Well, there's a bidding war between Warner Brothers and Universal. They had a one-off deal with with Island Records with Worth and Broadway. So I take them out there while they're shuttling between labels to figure out what they're going to do. Damn. And and so this is the best. I was always a sneakerhead. I had. Not only the silver and white AF ones that I copped at Jew Man, I had the brown and cream ones, which no one had. Mm. And I wore those things when I had to pick up Rakim, and he lost his fucking mind. <laughs> and we became really good friends because of that. Wow. He's still my boy to this day. Mm. And it's because of those, and he always talks about the sneakers every time he sees me. And, and that was like one of my calling cards. AF ones had just gotten re put out on the market. And me, Pete Uptowns. Nice, Uptowns, exactly. Mm. Me, Pete, uh, Pete Nice, my boy Sake, Bobito, we would troop uptown to Jew Man or this other spot, Choice, and we'd go cop them when no one had them. So we had them. I had, all, I had, I had the on. flavors. Because <laughs> real quick, this guy is like dropping all these like hip-hop yeah. hierarchy like Dude. names like Bobito and... Uh, and that's just his Pete homies nice. growing up. And yeah. these are just the homies, right? Yeah, yeah. these are just my right. boys. These are so, just my people. So let's preface something back real quick because... <laughs> Rush management, for anyone who doesn't know, yeah. when we talk about hip-hop and we're talking about like juggernaut management companies that were like, like Rush management, there's nothing that has 
I mean, maybe Death Row Bad Boy might be on that type of level. I mean, I mean Rush Management is basically the management arm of Def Jam, but they manage Houdini and Run DMC who are not on Def Jam. Mm-hmm. So, and the BC, so LL. They manage all the big acts. Exactly. And there's no other game in town. Exactly. When, what no one knows is that everyone was making it up as they went along. There was no mm-hmm. rules yet. So it's all kind of getting invented in front of you. Yeah. Right? And they're the guys who are doing it. And yeah. that was, I mean, literally, that was the blueprint for everything. Everything. Yeah. Now. yeah. Everything. Yeah. I mean, and, the other thing about hip hop is you got to remember it was small. It was still yeah. a small culture. When you think about the amount of groups and it was small still and very accessible. Mm-hmm. You could still like literally walk in the front door and meet everyone in like a year, yeah. six months. And that was my experience. Yeah. And it didn't, it didn't hurt that I was friends with the beasties. And yeah. there was a couple of us who came along with the BC, say Adams, Dave Skilkin, me, a couple, Ricky Powell. We were there, kind of part of their crew. And, yeah. and you know, we all kind of just, I don't want to say rode their coattails, but we saw opportunity and we all kind of became part of this thing. Yeah. Mm. And what was also interesting in, in that period, too, and I mean, your voice I was sounds a, wonderful, by the way. The mic. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I, know, I was like, bro. the English voice just sounds Come so much on, better mate. than ours. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, dude, we, we sound all rugged. <laughs> yeah, yeah right? I got real calm. And shit. <laughs> I was like, yo, this dude just sounds so cool. It's crazy. You said <laughs> that. Yeah. everything. <laughs> but so I'm looking at this. So I remember you, you're talking about rush management because I'm looking at it from a a, a, a teeny eye kid in England, mm. and I'm I'm you know I remember one of the very first shows that I remember was LL Cool J, Beastie Boys, Eric B and Rakim at Hammersmith Odeon. That's a famous show. Bro, that show right there. See, I'm, I'm getting chills even thinking about it. How old were you then it. when you saw that? Oh, God, probably 14. Damn, Damn. like him going to show. Yeah. 14. Yeah, but that was really, you know, and at that time, if being from England and we're hearing about rush management, rush management, rush management's always in the Eric B and Rakim lyrics and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. And, and we were just like in awe, like... And then the fact that you would have Beastie Boys on the same tour as Eric B and Rakim, and 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 then at that time, in yo, England, a, a little known secret: Eric B and Rakim loved the Beastie Boys. Oh, oh. like loved them, me. like yeah. loved them. They were like, you know, they were big fans. Like, yeah, you know, they were they were people. So but cool. you could see it. You could somewhat see it on the shows, mm, in the shows, of course, because. The Beasties would be hanging out, and you could kind of see the Beasties hanging out, watching the shows. Right. You know, Eric Ben, Rakim, LL Cool J. This was when LL had the the stereo and came out. Came out the box. That's Yo, radio. I saw him on. T- I remember it. when he did that. Like he, I saw it at the Garden. I saw it a couple of places. But I remember at the Garden, he had the two DJs on top of the yep. the, yep. the boombox, and, and he kicked it open, and yep. the shit came down, and he had his shirt off. He was like, "I'm bad." That yep. shit was. Crazy, right? or his radio? He did one of some. Became yeah, I was like, radio. Yeah. yo, he was like a Superman. Yeah, like it was like superhero yeah. style. It was, was it was so movie. crazy. Yeah, I, I can't. It was like, it was some epic shit to see him kick down the radio. The tape comes down. That's where he comes in. Yeah, that shit was wild. Yeah, and and in England when he did that, and 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 this is, you know, and, and I want to say public enemy. They were the one that took it worldwide the most. They yeah. were the global. They were yeah. the biggest. They had the biggest global impact. I think Public Enemy, and particularly in England, it's funny you say that because they were always in. So, like another thing is what people don't know. Like there was a couple of places in America that got hip hop. 
but London got it before a lot of America yes, did. Because London so is always a very, a very hip place. Yeah. So they tuned into hip hop very early. Because yeah. I went to London in, when I got out of high school in 1984, I went to London with my English friends and they were playing hip hop everywhere we went and everyone had fat laces yep. and dudes were breakdancing yep. and, and Mo2 was doing yep. graffiti. It was really? it was part yeah. of it. Wow. They they yeah. got it real Paris too, but London really got they had B boys out there and everything. Yep. yep, yep. And and we had and we had Tim Westwood. You had Tim Westwood. And, and Tim, he was coming back and forth exactly, all the time. Exactly. So bringing the music from America. To bring yeah. the music from America. So mm. for me, I would listen to Capital well, at the time, I, I can't remember if he was Pirate or if he was on He Capitol. started Pirate. Yeah. But then he went to Capitol. Capitol. And we would, I remember my dad got a special antenna because we lived in Ipswich. We didn't live in London mm. at the time. We had a special antenna that would would get receiving from London. And I would, I would be up from 12 o'clock to 3 o'clock. This was before the TV show. Because you remember he had a TV mm-hmm. show where he'd bring rappers from. Yeah. And... That's how we listened to Ultramagnetic MCs. That's how Ooh. we knew about third base. Everything new that came, we'd probably get it before somebody in Detroit got it. That's crazy. We'd probably it's get true. it before, before somebody in, in Idaho. Yeah, because this yeah. guy was going to New York and yeah. getting it and then coming back to And Tim was good friends with Red Alert. Exactly. And Red Alert and him would, he, Red Alert did a satellite show in England exactly. later on because of Tim. Gotcha. Um, so, so Tim was like, he was a big ambassador and we all knew him. Like, you know, he's a big, tall, goofy dude. Like, yeah. <laughs> he's stoned out of his mind. He was my man back in the day. Yep, that's that's true story. So that's how wow. we, that's how we got to kind of know about Rush Management. The shows, I mean, we can go forever about the I shows. I mean, I, I'll tell you another were, thing. It was like, this is later, but when we went over there, these guys called the Wild Bunch were like the DJs. Mm-hmm. So that was like, they became soul to soul. And they had this guy with them, this white guy who was really fucking annoying. And his name was Nelly. And he yep, became Nelly, Nelly Hooper. Yep, Nelly wow. Hooper. Yep. And he was like a yep. super B-boy, annoying, extra yep. B-boy guy. So you, I make beats. And you, we were like, get out of here already. So he had like his Adidas <laughs> yeah. suit on. We're like, so, enough, True buddy. story. So was, uh, was Westwood the main pipeline for... He was the getting, only, he's the pipeline. only pipeline. He opened the floodgates in Europe, you could say. Like, yeah. he was the guy. Really? And, and okay. I got to say that, though. Like, the English always have, like, a big affinity for black American music. You know, whether it's, like, bands like Frankie Mev- Beverly and Maze, who are yep. much bigger in England yep. than America, yep. things like that. So it's just kind of an extension of that that thought. And they took to it very naturally. Very like, I never... So. The, the rapping was always very specifically English-sounding, but... The culture and and everything else, they got it right away. It was like they were hipper than, I mean, they were hipper than L.A. at that point to me. Mm-hmm. Wow. It well, was, yeah, I was just curious because, like, you know, you saying LL coming over there, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, that's like early on. Like, so, like, he had we that traction. We had access out, to that, out that stuff. Way. That's early. I mean, they I mean, had Run DMC like this virtually right after because Electro was really big in England. Like all the Electra? Electro, like the, all the um, Planet Rock shit, yeah. that shit was all popping out there. Yeah. Like, and they had these compilations, Electro One, Electro Two, exactly. and they were from England, and they were compilations to have all the Electro records, and we used to get those tapes. Yeah, like someone would buy it, and we'd all tape it from them. So they were, you know, yeah. they were on it early, man. They were like pre pre like Beastie Boys. Hip hop was already in the in the water in London. Wow. It, yeah, I mean, you're That's pretty awesome. much giving me chills when you're talking about the Electro compilations. That was how I found out about Nucleus. Mm. And I Jam remember on it. Jam on it. I remember being a young kid coming to Brooklyn when I was probably mm, 11 or 12 going to Flatbush Avenue and buying Nucleus Jam on it on 12 inch from Sick. 
dude, I can't remember from where, but that's how I got hit to a lot of hip hop. I would come over every summer mm. and kick it with my family in Flatbush. And I would wow. just walk Flatbush Avenue by myself. That's how I brought fat laces back to, Kay. you know, Lee jeans and all that yeah, stuff that yeah. we talked about I mean, we went week. there and these dudes would have all the shit we'd bug out. I'd be like, yo, I was really good friends with these, this guy, this band called 23 Skidoo. And my friend Alex Turnbull was like a really great mm -hmm. DJ, English guy. And he was like, you know, he was into all that shit way yeah. back. Yeah. Him and I guess Simon Harris and there's yeah. a bunch of cats yeah. out there. Like it was, it was cool. Like I, and I went there when I was, I went there this embarrassing enough to model. No, you did for a minute, and nice. and uh, I met all these English like hip hop b boys, and I was walking down the street with my friend Trisha Ronan, who married Paul Simonon later. Wow, she was like my big sister, who I was madly in love with, who wasn't looking at me like I was <laughs> like I was a male. I, I didn't exist as a male to her. I was strictly in friend zone. We were walking down the street by the Hammersmith Odeon. Oh, Hammersmith Odeon, yep. And I look up and my friend Sharp is about to start piecing on a billboard. And he's like, yo, D, I'm like, Aaron. And he's like, yo, I'm gonna do this, I'm doing this big piece, why don't you help me do it? I'll pay you some money. And I was like, bet. So we do this big piece at Hammersmith Odeon. I help him do the background and the color. And then we meet these other graffiti kids and we literally, 1984, 85, I think, mm. we end up doing a piece in London between train stations that ends up in the newspaper. We just wow. do block letters, but it was like, it's me and him, like me and Sharp. And and just like, dudes like Mo to be like, yo, I remember when your pieces were there by like, the in Islington, I think was yep, the station. Yep, yep. And he was like, it was in the paper. He's like, that was one of the first times we saw real New York graffiti. That, that is wild. Yep. Yeah. I always loved, I always loved London. I spent a a lot of time in my life there. It's one of my favorite places. Is it safe to say you're the first New Yorkers to go to a big piece like no, that? No, other okay. guys had gone there first. Okay. Other guys had done it. I think um, there's a B-Boy tour that goes there in 1983 or 82, and it's Rocksteady Crew, Futura, wow. Gandhi, Fab Five yep. Freddy, all those guys. Yep. Yeah. Damn. Because so I remember I actually, excuse me, I actually had like the books the graffiti books. Subway art. That's what everyone learned yeah, how to piece. That's the classic. Yeah, because everyone would just like look at that and like that's how everyone got outlines. That yeah. spread, that spread vandalism around the world more than anything ever. <laughs> True story. True story. Wait, so, so yeah. So uh, when hip hop was first starting, uh, is it good? That's, that's better. Pull it to your face. Thank you, yeah. sir. <laughs> that sounds so <laughs> paused. Uh, I know, right? Yeah, right? I was like, why you say it like that? Thanks, <laughs> anyway, so, Go, Lacey. So when hip hop, you know, was first starting, first coming out in New York, all that stuff, it was coming to London pretty quick. Real like, quick. I think it like, came like, within within a, a year or so. Yeah. Within a year like yeah. that? A year or two, yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. fast. And and as uh, as Dante said, you know, you got to remember, like, you had cats like Tim Westwood, who was hip-hop, and then you had cats like David Rodigan, right. who was for reggae. Yeah. Right. These were the two pillars that brought New York to London. 100%. So when you're talking about dancehall and you're talking about reggae music... David Rodigan. So it's down. funny that you say that because I was I was um, talking to my friend about this yesterday. So I love dancehall. I love, but I really love rockers, like lovers rock and rockers. And I learned about that music from my English friends when I went there. I knew about it before. I was I was that's what it was. I was posting about Frankie Paul yesterday because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I love Frankie Paul. Yeah. So I go to England in '85, maybe. My two friends who lived in the East Village, photographers, they're in England, and um, I totally get 
enamored by Lover's Rock. Yeah. Whether it's Barrington Levy or Michael Palmer or any of these cats, I am completely fascinated by the yeah. sounds I'm hearing. And, and to this day, Rockers is still like, Lover's Rock and Rockers are my favorite. You know, that's like my mm. peace music. Yeah. I'm in a car, that's what I listen to. And, and my love of that music doesn't come from really Jamaican people it comes from going to England and mm -hmm. hanging out with my boys who that's what they listen pretty to pretty much pretty yeah. much yeah that's uh I mean that was hip-hop that uh, that's literally like my teenage years or my upbringing was coming up with my dad and sound systems and then coming up with a whole bunch of cats who were in the hip-hop so we were you know we were kind of blessed with both and then you know as I was talking about with the Windrush a lot of West Indian families we're in London. Labrador Grove. Yeah. And the, way, and the ways that, you know, because we can go to the pubs in those certain areas to party, we yeah. have blues parties, mm -hmm. which was where they play the rockers. 100%. And that's where the Ross, basically, I mean, it was kind of hip hop. It yeah. was. It was really kind of hip hop when yeah. you think about They're it. It's very similar. It's like, you know, these dudes pull up with their ho their homemade crazy systems mm -hmm. and they rock out. Like it was like, you know, and they also, they always have like, you know, they have like, carnival and all that shit yeah. like which they do in brooklyn too but that's like a real english tradition and and um it's it's amazing to me that's like my favorite part of like english music culture probably that's the thing mm. that sticks to me the most and i remember it was weird we go to england and barrington levy was on top of the pops yep. he's wow. doing yes exactly. he's doing he's doing like broader than broad yeah, exactly. i'm like what the hell is going on here smiley culture was big yes. tonto irie all this stuff yep. and that stuff stuck with me I, I love rockers to this day because of the time i spent in england as a kid mm. Damn. wow we, we, we're gonna have to deep dive when we, when we yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> what's crazy is sunday i'm djing in long beach that's what i'm playing mm. oh wow I'm playing out right. outdoors that's all i'm gonna play okay i might have to step out i'm gonna long pull beach up my frankie paul records yeah. 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 wow so let's go let's oh yeah we're diverted let's go back <laughs> well, let's, yeah. get, let's get so they so you start doing stuff you're at rush management you're doing stuff at bc he's been a yeah. runner and then leor uh leor cohen you, he's almost like a mentor to you how does that kick off so Lior is like completely abusive to me, like <laughs> yells at me. Is he? He's like legit bad. Is he legit? Like not anymore. Badass? Okay. He was legitimately. He seems abusive. scary back then. Yeah, he's six five Israeli guy. Yeah. And I, yeah. and he he um he talked like in b boy speak with an Israeli accent. Mm -hmm. Fucked up. <laughs> Just, Can you do it at all? You, no. you are not fresh. <laughs> 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 this is the freshest. <laughs> like that. Oh, he'd always be like you. You have whack juice all over you. Wow. And we were like, what the hell is whack juice? Where did you come into hip hop and how? Like, oh, he he um he booked Run DMC to do a show with the Chili Peppers and they didn't show up and they kept his money. And it, he went to New York and showed up at Russell's office to get his money back and he wouldn't go away. So Russell hired him. That sounds just like that sounds like a, a probable Lior story. Wow. Yeah. Just some gangster For sure. Yeah. He was like, that's Lior in a nutshell. Yeah. Um, so, so, um, <laughs> Look at Chappelle. My, head's like my job was, was one of my jobs was getting Leo lunch every day and I fuck his lunch up all the time. And he'd always be like, I said, shrimp fried rice, not pork fried rice, you asshole. <laughs> and, and it started to wear really thin on me. Mm. Um, and when we had one blow up, I threw an eraser at, he threw an eraser at my head and I was like, it was just bad. It was bad juju in the air. And, um, I, he puts me in the satellite office working for Norby Walters Agency, the booking agent with, with Kara Lewis, who Eric B. and Rakim check and mm -hmm. name check. Mm -hmm. I'm working in Kara Lewis. I was Kara, Kara Lewis. Kara Lewis is like the hip-hop Bobby Fleckman. 
If you ever saw a Spinal Tap, yeah. mm, okay. you the you the cute one. Don't talk so much. That yeah. lady, okay. the po- she's like that. It's like Jewish yenta, yeah. like kind of hot, really really bossy. Um, and my friend Daddyo um, from Stetsasonic. Stetsasonic. Yeah, I love like how he just name Yeah, exactly. Go Stetsasonic. Go. <laughs> so that's my man, and. <laughs> I, that's my man who used to use me at Rush to get him a cab if he needed a cab. Yo, D, come get him a cab for me. And I go hail a cab for him, literally. But he's my boy. Like, he's a super hip dude. Um, and he tells me, yo, they're trying to hire... He sees me at Carol Lewis's office. He said, like, yo, D, they're looking for an A&R guy up, up at Tommy Boy. Is it cool if I throw your name in the mix? And I was like, hell yeah. So Daddy-O puts the word in for me because they offered, they offered Daddy-O the job. He didn't want the job. So Daddy-O um, throws my name in the ring. I know Monica a little bit. She s- hits me. I see her. She's like, oh, Daddy-O said, like, you, you really know what's up. Like, maybe you want to do a shop. You're what, in the streets. You're going I'm to the show. So I was about there. to say, I left this out. So the Beasties go on tour. The second one, I'm not on tour with them. They're traveling the world. And I am going to this club called the Latin Quarter. Yeah. Non-stop. Legit spot, man. Yo, crazy Hip-hop. spot. Gnarly spot. I, I, Iconic. Gnarly. Iconic. So, so I went there in Union Square. Union Square is so crazy, I was scared there. Like, I didn't even Union like going Square, there. yeah. That was first. It gets shut down because of violence. The party goes... To, first was Latin Quarter, the first edition I didn't go to. Then Union Square jumps off. Union Square gets shut down by violence. They reopen Latin Quarter. I start going to Latin Quarter because that's where everyone performs. And we didn't have... The internet, you couldn't network. You network by going to the club. Yeah. So I had the um, honor of giving test pressings to people. Like when I worked at Rush, I gave Red Alert Rebel Without a Pause. Mm. Oh my God. So I gave him the test pressing. Which, by the way, test pressings are sick. They're like, I still have all, I still have them all. Promos, wow. right? Yeah, promos. So first you get Dude. what what they're yeah, first you I, get I, your, I got a bunch. I'll, I'll, I'll explain to you. First you get a lacquer. The lacquer yeah. is your acetate. They only make a couple of those, two or three of them. Yes. They yeah. only play maybe ten times. Then you get a test press, then you get the record. Yes. So the test press is for the special DJs. Exactly. So I had the test press of Rebel Without a Pause and I'm take I took it to a bunch of stations, but I gave it to Red Alert. And Red Alert, I got there early, gave it to him. He doesn't remember this either. It fucks me up. I'm like, damn, Red. This is why this is why you were nice to me my whole life. Um, I gave it to him and he listened to it in headphones before the club started. He was like, "Yo, I'm gonna play this." So I think he's gonna play it like in a week or so. He played it like an hour later when the club's popping, Damn. and the record comes on, and the horn in the beginning yeah. and and the crowd froze, and then it dropped. Yo, they went crazy. They went crazy. They went fucking crazy. Like dudes was like. Like, I'm like, someone's going to get their chain snatched. It was <laughs> fucked up. It was, like, violent. Like, it yeah. felt violent. Wow. And I was like, wow. Um, so, and I was a huge Public Enemy fan already. I knew I Chuck and I. super him. punk rock, by the way. The most punk rock. That's why, that's why skateboarders all like them, because they're so yeah. aggressive, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, That's why. And yeah. um, when I first met Chuck D, he, 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 me and him always laugh about this. I didn't believe he was Chuck D, because he wasn't 6'5". Because his voice sounded like he was 6'5". Yes. But he was like a smaller dude. And I was like, you're Chuck D? And he, But he opened his voice. He talks just like he raps. Yeah, man, what's up? What's your name? You know, with that voice. Yeah. And it was obviously Chuck D. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is crazy. I had, the, I had their tape 
close to a year before it came out because Flavor Flav was in jail and they had finished the album maybe it was eight months, six months and they couldn't put it out till it came out to jail. Mm. So that's when they put yeah. it, it was. Yeah. But we all had the tape and we were rocking the tape. So I was a big fan before it was bon- brand name. So I gave that to Red and so people knew me. I, I knew Red Alert. I, I met MC Search there who was the only other, him and a guy named Dave Funk and Klein, maybe Pete Nice later, Pete Nice, very few Caucasians there. Mm. My friend Blake, but you know, we stood out like sore thumbs. But if you're there, you're good. I never got hassled because only thing you could rob from me was like a swatch. Which <laughs> were big back then. A boot, Swatches were sick back then. Switches, a bootleg yeah. Fila hat. Like I had nothing. Like I had no, I had $11 and a, a joint maybe. Like a dirt a Train weed. token, whatever. Yeah, yeah, nothing. Like, you know, so. Wow. I, I wasn't a target. So, man, I met everyone in Monica interviewed me for the job. And I ended up, she played me De La Soul at the interview. Oh, and that shit sounded like insane. drugs. That shit sounded like drugs to me. They played like, a three feet high record for you? No, it was just a single. It was plug tuning. Mm, and it sounded man. like angel dust to me. Because like it was like so, it was beyond, to me at that point, Ultramagnetic was maybe as far as anyone had gone. Yeah. Right? Yes. There, there was no alternative rap. Weirdo mm-hmm. rap mm-hmm. wasn't is invented. Is that Cool Keith, right? Yeah. 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 So Ultramagnetic was like, they were talking, Sam is on trombone. Shit didn't make sense. Yeah. All non sequiturs, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Trapping at the speed of light. Yeah, yeah. it was so ego tripping part two. Yeah, exactly. You know, it was like yeah. so left field, but like incredible though. And and there was that in Slick Rick. That was like yeah. the only really bugged out shit mm. that had ever happened in rap yet. Yeah. And then I hear De La Soul and I'm like, it's like the child of that. It's like even beyond that. Beyond, right, and especially mm-hmm. plug tuning too. Yeah, and, and it's so was, psychedelic almost, yes, you know. Yeah, and I knew the sample. That was the other thing. I was like, "Oh shit, mm-hmm. that's Eric Burden and War." Mm-hmm. Right, so I was like, "Oh, I know that record. I have that record." And so, um, and she's like, "Oh, do you know Prince Paul?" I was like, "Oh yeah, I know him a little bit." He's the like, because he was like in Sets of Sonic, but he was the baby. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, "Oh yeah, the baby DJ in Sets of Sonic." <laughs> like, because there's two DJs, and she's like, "Yeah, Paul produced this. We're gonna sign this." And that's my first interview. And I'm like, I love it. And then she calls me right before Christmas. And she tells me, uh, hey, can you come to my office? So I'm like, oh, this might be good. And I go to Australia. How long has it been since you went? Like maybe only a, six weeks, a month, maybe okay. a month. And she gives me the job. Wow. So I go into Christmas vacation knowing I'm going to get the A&R job. And she tells me De La Soul will be my first group. Oh, my so God. I get the, I have which, the, we, which we have here. I have the honor of... of De La Soul. Check out my fingers you, you, too. De La Soul. My oh, that's fingers. sick. Yeah. You know what this interview reminds me of? What? You guys ever watch those Inside the Actor Studio? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he like, he's sitting there with a guest and then he goes, like you sit there with Eddie Murphy and he's like, all right, Nutty Professor. And the crowd's like, oh my God. That's how I feel right now. <laughs> he's like, De La Soul. And I'm like, I mean, oh my God. <laughs> De La Soul to me that's is like, they're like. one of the greatest who ever did it. It's like a life changer for me. 100%. Because I loved all that. The positive aspects of hardcore and seven seconds, and then there's this positive hip hop right. because I was yeah. always listening to KRS right. One and stuff. Right. And yeah. It's like, yeah, right, dude. So in the album cover, look at that shit. Bro. Oh, I mean, it's so it's fresh. like how I ran away from hardcore because it got too tough, right? Mm. So punk rock, the is, native tongues, right? Native tongues is hip hop's all macho, and you got this other side of it, right? It's and, still hard too, though. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, as much as I, I don't really like hippies. My parents were hippies, and I'm. You know, I'm a child of hippies, so that shit all appeals to me, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, there is a part of me that is, like, peace, love, and fucking, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Smoke a joint and all that. So, so you know, that's like... And De La Soul hit that on the head. Like, they were, like, so cool. And I met them shortly thereafter. We put the record out. I also sent it to Red Alert. 
because they know I'm friends with Red. Mm-hmm. Red plays that shit the next day after he gets it. And he's like, yo, uh, he's, he hit me up. He said, yo, I'm feeling that record. I'm going to play it. Played it the next day on the radio. So wow. We got a record that's going to go. Mm. It's, what it's song they play? Like, Plug uh, Tuning. He yeah, play, it's, yeah. he's, it's the only one they had. So he's playing it, and we're like, Jesus Christ. Like, this is, this is, I'm in my head like, it's that easy? Wow. But remember, I'll tell you, hip-hop was small. Yeah. Hip-hop was small. We're all connected. Yeah. We're all in the same, on that same line, you know, we're in that. Yeah. You know, it's like we're on the same clothesline. It's like, they talk about the sound of the drum from Africa. Hip-hop was like the sound of the drum in New York. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like the same thing, man. We're all, we all got that same rhythm going through us. And, and like, look, man, I, I always say it, I'm super honored to, to be a white cat who was allowed to be part of this, right? Mm-hmm. That's just really cool. But I also say that, like, my upbringing was like perfect training for it because yeah. I was always yeah. the only white kid on my block. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I mean, I thought my name was White Boy until I was like 13. So, <laughs> you know, for me, it was just like another day on the block. So, so are, you, are you with him during the recording of that record? So they recorded it beforehand. I'm there wow. when they mix it. I was there when they mixed it. Mm. Um, and like and how many did they have the whole record done when they got the signed? whole record done? Damn. The whole song's done. Prince Paul is a genius. He's the first person I ever seen who came to the studio with like discs mm-hmm. and like didn't make shit in the studio. He already had it done kind of mm-hmm. like he did pre-production. Um, and Prince Paul and being around a record was such, I think your dog farted by the way. I'm sorry. She's done it to everybody. Oh, <laughs> I'm in the club. I'm in the club now. She just farted on Nandi. She farted on Josh she Brolin. Farted, she yeah. did. She farted the best people. Yeah. So better, better her than Better her than me. Can I can I say something real quick? Yeah, go, and you go. brought up such a great point, Dante. And 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 it, there was a there was a changing of the guard at that time. And Red Alert ushers it in. Yeah, big time. Red Alert is from the old school, and he brings in all the new school. It was mm. really it's, crazy. It starts with to me. It always starts. And the reason I'm so versatile is too is I have a book coming out, top of the year with Rare Bird Books. So I my chronological order is pretty good because I've been working on this book I'm, pr- I'm okay That's in the exciting, right man. now so Jokes. I worked on it for like five years there should be like, a documentary yeah. on you too as well man. I, I'm kind of tentative I don't think doing a documentary but like I'm weird because I like it's very self-serving true and part of my my gift I always think is if I have any gift at all is recognizing greatness in others so it's not my shit is never man. about myself but I'm gonna say something though and and, and I don't wanna blow you you can your, say it cause you got the voice well I'm alright cool. <laughs> beautiful well the, voice for it. the thing is is that I as somebody who has been knee deep in this culture mm. and seen it from from decades ago and actually have cause we're gonna go through cause I've got a lot of pieces that say <laughs> executive produced by Dante <laughs> Ross but I, I was talking to Toby about it and, I, and, and I've told other people, but you are one of the gatekeepers and one of the pillars and the architects of this golden I, I don't like, But hip-hop. I don't like being called the gatekeeper. I'll say this why, because I, I am no one to keep a gate on anyone, never have been the be end all of anything. I just have my personal opinions about what I like, but I never want to be thought of as a gatekeeper. How about integral part? Yeah. That's yeah. better. Okay. So I, I, I like even the plug. Can I don't want to be. architect? Yes. You architect, can say that. Yeah. Man. I don't, yeah. Gatekeeper is weird. And I, I always respect say that the humbleness. Because, I respect Because it. I don't think um, it's, it, no one should be a gatekeeper and no one is anyone to tell someone their art isn't valid. Mm. I can just give you my opinion. That does not mean your art isn't valid. Okay. We're giving you but, your flowers well, right l- now. Let me give you your flowers. I, I get it. I get <laughs> it. Just let me give you your flowers. Okay. <laughs> Take the flowers, man. Okay. Because the fact of the matter is, is, is that there are a lot of us that got raised on hip hop and we wouldn't 
like I, I can't even imagine that. Well, I can't imagine because it's happening now. But just the fact that I'm sitting in front of the guy who I remember when this album came. I went and bought this album the day it came out. I remember at that time because I, I was really big into Ultramagnetic MCs. They were right? they were my favorite. And and there was a really it was a it was a really pivotal time because back then it was like the brick phones, the mad dookie chain, MCM suits, yeah, MCM suits, and then these guys came, dude, and the medallions, then, like really. And then for me, because I w- I had just discovered the autobiography of Malcolm X. Oh man, mm, one of the best books right? ever written. So then these guys come out, and then you have the JBs, and then. JB's we'll came, we'll, came first. Well, Tiger JB's Brothers came did? first. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. JB's. But then, but then these guys, and then there was a whole like movement. That's right. A conscious movement. And yeah. Public Enemy kind of starts it. They do. And Rebel Without a Pause, I'm going to tell you, when that came to England, that shit was it massive. shut it down. That shit, they were so big in England. They were like, they were superstars in England. Damn. Like, they, but, that damn. track, that track though, that Rebel Without a Pause, I mean, yo, I've seen people get beat up when that song comes on. Yeah, <laughs> dead ass. No, I've seen people just get the ass. It yeah. came on and bong. Someone's getting beat up. Facts, but I mean, you know, again, as I said, there was a ushering. There was a, a ushering of a new era, and I, I got to tell you, man, to be in front of you and just to say this, like, I, I don't think. Um, I would be the person I am today if I didn't hear De La Soul, if I didn't hear Brand Newbie, if I didn't hear KMD. And you were... Part of that, man. Yeah, you were part of that. I always say, like, I'm just blessed that my antenna was sharp. My sword was sharp. I I could pick up vibes. And I was lucky enough to be in a place to empower people. But that's all God. That really has very little to do with me. I'm just the person who was the conduit I was put in that place to be able to help some cats who had strong voices get heard we appreciate you though for that thank truly, you truly truly because your fucking name's on the record bro. I mean all of, that's, oh, all of that stuff is a reflection also of my parents political ideologies mm-hmm. you know I was always yeah. I was taught that um, people like the Black Panthers and Malcolm X and obviously Martin Luther King and and black radicals, radicalism and activism was um, Bobby Seale and and people of that mm, nature were always wow. people that you look, you know, they were, that's what being black is to me. Mm. That's black, that's black culture, John Coltrane. And it wasn't being a pimp or mm-hmm. a dope dealer or a super fly. And I love all that, but that's not really what, what it yeah. was to me. You know, look, Bobby Seale was friends with my dad. He would come to my house, Stokely Carmichael, you, you know, Kwame Toure. We call him Kwame. Like he was a friend of ours. Mm. So I knew these people as a kid. So my, my perspective is very different on a lot of things. You know, I, I just always... The stuff I was attracted to that I want to have my name on mm-hmm. were things like these records, and I never signed a gangster rap group. That's just not what I. That's not what I want my name on. Mm. Yeah, mm. it's interesting hearing all this uh, because I was I grew up in Arizona. You know what I mean? And what you can't hear me that's for real? Yeah, 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 you know, you know I talk loud. What's up? Because you use your headphones. That's why. Oh, that's why. Let's try to be professional. You're right. You're right. You're right. I love you. Um, it's interesting. You <laughs> know, just hearing so this. Juke. And, and uh, uh, I know I got all the guys. My bad. That was aggressive. My bad. <laughs> but you know, growing up in Ari- I grew up in Arizona. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And so all that you just got, and all, all everything that you just named. I mean, I didn't get I didn't get to learn all that as a, as a, you know in my youth. Right. I had to like learn it later on in life, mm. you know, just by traveling. 
Right. You know, the the world of travel has been beautiful for me to be able to discover all this stuff. And, you know, when you talk about, you know, the Black Panthers and, and, be, and being like around all, all these things, you know, from the black culture and with you being a white dude and me being this black kid. But it's just where I grew up. It just wasn't a it. thing mm. that yeah. so it's so it's cool to like hear, you know, mm. th- that that you you have the knowledge of this. And and yeah, like I said, like I didn't really start ho- hopping on that train to to learn all this stuff until I went to different cities and right. you yeah. know, seen different right, right. cities. And, you know, because there's not really a black neighborhood in right. Arizona. There's right. no, there's right. no, like, there's no, <laughs> there's, that just doesn't yeah. exist. You know what I mean? Like you have pockets of black people right. in, in different areas, but there's not really like a black neighborhood to be able to really understand mm. a lot of that stuff. You know what I mean? And due to my, you know, the way I grew up, I just think it just wasn't a thing that right. we were really, really taught. I so. mean, I'm lucky I'm from New York, right? And when yeah. I was born, like mm-hmm. New York is always like one of those places where, you know, people are intellectual we know about a lot of shit and because of my parents political activism I was exposed to a lot and I can't even tell you it was by choice it was just there it's like osmosis mm-hmm. it's just part of the way I was raised mm-hmm. so you know it's like I'm very blessed that way and I think it also gave me a lot of common ground um, with people like Rakim or Daddy-O I could talk about it. I should look look I, I'm from New York I went to high school in the 80s and the gods that's when the gods all came to be so I had a lot of friends who became God body when I was in high school you know, my friend John's name became K. Born, and I saw the lessons, even though I'm not supposed to. But I knew mm-hmm. a lot about mm-hmm. about five percent mm-hmm. stuff and about the nation of gods and earths. So for me, you know, I could talk to a lot about this stuff, and and not be intimidated by it or feel like I was or looked upon like I'm a devil or something. I I really kind of knew about it just because I was around all these people. So for me, that, that's it was very natural yeah. for me to be in the environments I'm in. Like I was never like a super duper wigger dude. Like I never wanted mm-hmm. to try to be anything I'm not. I never thought that was respectful. I'm always, mm. I'm pretty consistent in the way I've appeared or carried myself my whole life. Um, and, and I think that that always does me favors too in, in situations because mm-hmm. I don't try to be something I'm not. I'm not patronizing or a cartoon character. Yeah. Yes, um, my, no, my knowledge of this stuff is just stuff that was implanted in me as a child. Well, it's interesting you say that because, um, you know, I do stand-up comedy, right? And for the most part, most people think the best audiences are black audiences. They're not? Right. No, they they are. I think they are. Yeah, the, no, everyone thinks that they are. You know, but also the toughest. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the what meanest. I mean? The, tough, the mm. meanest. Yeah, yeah. Because it's right there. Like, if, they're, if, they're, mm-hmm. you, I mean, that's really, how it is with rap you know, music. If you're whack, they're going to kill you. Exactly. <laughs> but, but you know, a lot of times certain comics, they get scared to perform for black people because they, they, they just see the honesty. You better bring but, your A game. You got to bring your mm-hmm. A game. But a lot of times what people don't realize when you perform for black people, if you're just yourself and you're not trying to be anything different, if you're the nerdy white dude, then you're the nerdy white right, dude. But you got to own yourself you, no matter you gotta, what you, you do. You got to own who you are as mm-hmm. the nerdy white dude that's, or, that's or whatever it is. And, and, you know, like, and I own who I am. Right. Like, I know, like, I know as soon as I walk on stage. Most black people are looking at me like he's different. <laughs> They're like he he is. He's wearing an Oasis shirt. Yeah, there's something <laughs> that I knew as soon as like I walk on stage and I feel it. They know it. They know a they, they, like they, they can read me yeah. immediately. Right. But right. also, yeah. I don't try to do anything that's different and try to make it like okay, I'm performing for black people. Right. Let me talk. Mm-hmm. Let me talk this way. Yeah, and it's yeah, like yeah. I know that's not me. Yeah, that's I, just not the guys you know, with my that DNA. like. 
White dudes who talk abonics freak me out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> I'm always so, like, so, so it's cool weird. that you, you, I mean, and you, you're deep in the culture. Yes. And, and for you to still to this day be like, hey, I'm just who I am. That's I'm it. not trying to do any, you know, I'm not trying to act this way or act that way or, you know, talk like this. I'm just being who I am and, and appreciative of what it is. I mean, the know? beasties are the same exact way. Mm. Yeah. You know, like they never try to be nothing but the guys they are. So, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and I always just like, we're also from New York. The other thing is if you're full of shit in New York, you get punched in the face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, better, yeah. you better be who you are. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, New York is bugged out. Like it's just a different pl- way to grow up. So, yeah. you know, I always thank like, I mean, my book's called Son of the City. I live in LA, but nice. New York is like so, so much a part of all of this because in New York also, we, Everyone lives together. Yeah. Right? Like, I tripped out when I first moved to L.A. because black people and Mexican people aren't really, like, it's not the, you know, they don't fuck with each other like they do in Puerto Rican people in, in New York. New York, I, wow. I didn't know that until I spent a lot of time out here, like, maybe in the 90s. I was like, huh? Really? That's bugged out. You know, it's just different, right? Because yeah. yeah. Puerto Rican people and black people, they, like, is you know, same. we live the same. 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 Like, it's the same. same. Like, it's just yeah. how it is. And, and. And I think even blue collar people in general in New York, we all live how we live. We don't trip on that shit like the rest of the world does, you know? Yeah. Wow. We don't have the same lines. Like, it's just different. Because we it's a vertical city. We live in a building that has everybody in it. I got a Chinese neighbor yeah. and a black neighbor. Yeah. Uh-huh. And a Puerto Rican neighbor, Dominican neighbor. So you got to handle that. Wow. You're going to smell everyone's food and... That's just how it is. The cultures, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I didn't. I just didn't grow up that way. London is kind of like that yeah, as well. London is exactly it's the same, same as that too. Yeah. Uh-huh. But I was gonna say, I was gonna ask you, like, it's really because as I think about it and I look at the history, and you touched upon it, and you kind of answered the question anyway. But I was gonna be like, how does a a white dude get to be in the midst of? Because I went through, I went through the the five percent nation and and got knowledge itself, so I know how you know the the rights and wrongs and yada yada and for you to come in up through the era and that was back in the day for anyone who's seen the wu-tang series they know Mm -hmm. that's how the gods were you had to know your lessons and you had to be on your 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 p's and q's and you're not your dean you're in trouble if you're not on the square you're gonna get checked physical justice yeah so how was it being around those i mean it was we were an ex-clan too I knew X-Clan a little wow. bit. Um, I was friends with Paradise Gray. Mm-hmm. Um, I never really had a problem with anyone on any of that shit. Like, if anything, the brand newbie is busting my balls the most of anyone. <laughs> um, but mm-hmm. but that was only because, you know, trust is earned, not given. So, you sure. know, that's just what that's about. And and look, man, it was I never really had a problem. Like, I never I never really have any of those problems. And, and I think maybe the other thing is I'm not afraid to conf- confront to mm-hmm. race mm-hmm. a lot of white people tiptoe around these issues i'm not mm-hmm. that scared to talk about it because you know it's like it's the reality of what we live in we have to mm-hmm. look at these things we we know that systemic racism has been there forever and that like white privilege does exist mm-hmm. and like you know i think it's our duty of, of anything to recognize it when it when we are given white privilege and to acknowledge that that shit is just not right we just have to look at all these things and if anything that happened in the last two or three years that had any positive effect was that I am more conscious, more conscious than I've ever been before of things like this. Mm-hmm. It has reawakened um, like kind of an internal 
um, moral compass in me where I just see things a little clearer now. Yeah, well, you got yeah. your black card 25 years ago, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, let me tell you. I'm still working I mean, on mine. I'm still working on mine. Well, you're all right, mate. You're all right. You're still getting okay, there. I'll get there. <laughs> you're still getting there. But I mean, dude, you, 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 I mean, and I'm sure we'll, Toby will get to this, but I mean, for me, one of my favorite albums is One For All by Brand New. Amazing, man. One of my favorite one, records I ever worked on. One For All Perfect is... Perfect album. And I mean, that was one of the, the, the one of the records that really wanted me to understand what American black culture was, mm. understand mm. what really the 5% was, all yeah. this stuff. And you were the executive producer. I mean, God album. bless. Yeah, I was. I mean, I was like with those guys as much as I've been with any group I've ever worked with. Um, it's, it's funny, man. When Doom died, Buster called me and he was like, we talked for like hours. He was, he was really... Uh, you know, he was upset. We're all mm -hmm. upset. And he was saying, yo, how did you end up being in the center of all the gods? Like, you ever did you ever realize that you were in the center of it when it was going down? I was like, nope, I never realized mm -hmm. it because it was just my everyday existence. And he was like, yo, you know, that's like, that's a lot blessing you, right? Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah, I guess I do know that. But I never have said it out loud. But I guess it was a blessing from from Allah to mm -hmm. to be in this place, to be a conduit for all these powerful black men and their messages. Mm -hmm. um, and I look at God in a very abstract way. Like, I believe in something bigger than myself. That's probably as much as I know about God. Like, I, I have no understanding of God. I have a misunderstanding of God. And whatever your God is, as long as that helps you you prosper and, you know, has like a beneficial effect in your life, your chosen faith, you know, God bless that. Mm. And um, I grew up with people who are Muslim. My friends growing up, my friend Kimball and his family were Muslim. I have um, been to Juma as a youth. Mm -hmm. Like, so I know a lot mm -hmm. of this stuff. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mean, to me, it's just the way life is. I don't really, it's nothing, never a conscious decision. I end up in these places because there's something bigger going on. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't question. I just, I try to practice acceptance in everything in life. Mm. That's, I mean, that's real deep, that Buster. Because for anyone who knows, Buster is a, a well-known 5%er, but... I mean, that's really deep. I mean, you talk about KMD, you're talking about He's Brand a, Nubian. You're talking leaders. about... Yeah, yes. like, dude, you're talking about... Aeson Unique. Yeah, Aeson Unique. And we haven't even talked... We haven't Woo. even talked about ODB yet. I know. My dog farted too, I'm sorry. He did. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, uh, so when, well, I have a question. When that De La Soul record comes out for that time in that era, is it accepted as much as we all loved it? It is. so excited it about is. it? It is. It was a hit. The album is a hit because the first is two hit singles before it. Though they're relatively, I don't want to say regional, but they're New York-centric hits. Yeah. So Plug Tuning is a hit. Yep. And so is Pottles in My Lawn. Mm -hmm. Those, are, lawn, those yeah. are hits. Mm -hmm. Those are hit records. Like, oh, by the way, Pottles in My Lawn was the Eric Burden sample, not Plug Tuning. Yeah. So... Plug Tune is, is a parliament, a funkadelic sample. So anyway. Um, and the three is the magic number is big. Too. Oh, it's amazing. Dude. Johnny Cash. Yeah. Like, yeah. come on. And that's the genius of Prince Paul. But yes, the record is a hit. I took them to LA the first time we ever went to LA. I'm plug tuning. We played at World on Wheels, the, the Crip Club. That's wow. not far from here. It's right close to here. Street. Right yeah. down the street. Yeah. And we played there. And um, fuck, 783, Mugs and yep. Be Real were yep. hanging out with us before the show. The first time we played and be real told me not to wear my red st john sweatshirt 
And I said, you, okay, he said, you can't wear that over there. I said, oh, I got you. And then he also, I was like, you coming to the show? He's like, I can't go over there. Mm-hmm. I didn't know why he told yep. me that. Wow. Yep. I didn't know any of that. His name was Louie then. Mm-hmm. And Muggs was our man. I met Muggs way back. 73 was his band. Yep. There wasn't even a band yet. There was no Cypress mm-hmm. So They were called mm-hmm. DV8. Wow. And that, oh, so 783 never existed? No, they, they existed, but obviously Be Real and, and Sen had their own group yeah, yeah. with Muggs. That was yeah. his real group. DVA and um and and those I think it was DVA um and and they were like not to digress but yeah we traveled on that record we went and did shows like and mm. I would road manage them because they didn't have a road manager and I was like they were like yo I I literally yo the call would come to my office I would book the show they'd pay me a little bit of money yep. to road manage and book the show and I did that for them and Latifah so Ooh. to go to go back to your question Latifah, those man. were those were hit records. Yeah. Those were popping records. We played every club. Oh, we played yes. this, All Hill the Queen, incredible album. Yo, we man. played everywhere with this shit. We played a club called the Zodiac in the Bronx that smelled like angel dust when we walked in the door. <laughs> that shit was wild. Wow. Like we played hood spots, um, sensations in Newark where we, where, we, where we met Bismarck. They met Biz, already knew Biz because wow. he's from Newark. Do It All was the DJ. Yeah. Like we, we literally like, I mean, you know, we we went to all the hood spots. That was a hood. That was because there, there wasn't the division yet. Yeah, there wasn't this side offense or that's offense. Yeah. I mean, their first big tour after album came out, they went to our NWA. Yeah, wow. so just I remember think that. about yeah. that. Daylight and NWA. Yes. Yeah. Wow. wow. Think Dude, about that. that. There were, there were, there, you got to remember it's there cool. was tours like that back uh, yeah. then. There's only you got to remember. Like I said, it was small. Yeah. Like you know okay. what's funny? L.A. played all New York records on K-Day, the first all-rap station, because there was no L.A. records. Yep. They had yep. five, ten records. They had the L.A. Dream Team and, Egyptian you know. Egyptian Lover. Right, so like and that, that shit was like, yeah. and, and that shit was like two years behind New York. Yeah. Mm. New York wasn't making Electro no more. Yeah. New York was making Run DMC. Yeah. Right, so, yep. so you know, and so all the new records came from New York. There was really no L.A. There was no L.A. record to Battle Ram by Toddy T. And yeah. Six in the Morning came right after that. Yeah. Those are the first L.A. records. There was no... There was like L.A. records that emulated New York mm, records. They sound like Electro records. Yes. The first L.A. records that sound like L.A. was Battle Ram and Six in the Morning. And Six in the Morning is basically Schooly D. It's Ice-T yep, doing yep, school. Yep, oh, yeah. Yep, yep, you know, yep, but, exactly. but like L.A. didn't even have an identity then. That's how, And I say all this because rap was still so small. Yep. Mm. You had Luke in Miami. Yep. And, and sh- that was it. Shy D and them. There was yep. nothing else. Everything sounded like Miami. I don't even think there was anything coming out of the South at that time. The, Shy D's from Atlanta, but he yeah. was signed to Luke. Yeah. That was it. Wow. There wasn't enough. And there was, you're, there was, you're absolutely right, Bay, Shy D. The Bay Area hadn't popped off yet. Too Short wasn't out yet. Mm-hmm. It wasn't nothing. Jesus, dude. That's crazy. I remember. <laughs> it's so it's so crazy. funny because I remember that Shy D. I remember a homie of mine went to London and got copped that Shy D 12-inch. Him. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I know that Shy D very, very well. <laughs> he rapped very fast. Yeah. And, you know, and then you had the records like um, Rob Bass. So that's Ooh. a fast record. Rob Bass is a New York club record, but that travel because it was fast. Yeah. So where they played electro, they could play that record because mm. it's 116, 115 beats per minute, like the electro records, mm. right? Wow. And rap was fast. Remember when rap yeah. was fast? Yeah, I liked rap when it was fast. Yeah. It was because yeah. it was for dancing. Yeah, yeah. Like exactly. people forget that rap was dance music. You Big know? Daddy Kane was pretty fast. Was Super fast. fast. He was like, yeah. I mean, yeah. set it off like 116. Exactly. Warming up Kane. Warming up Kane's like. Yeah, so exactly. Good. Warming up Kane's like 112, yeah. 111. Yeah. Like those records are fast. So fast rap Will be was Rakim too. Lyrics of Fury. Yeah, well, rap. Yeah, right. Exactly. But Rakim was ill because he rapped halftime. Mm. Peep it. He never rapped fast. Mm. 
that's it. And that's that was it. that's ill. That's like some jazz shit. Yeah. I was like, I, oh, I love how done. like he never swore on his records because he said his parents were going to hear it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he look, barely ever said the N word. Never. Too, he never curses. Mm. Like I thought that was incredible. I mean, because man. He's, right? He's so that's too easy. I know. Mm-hmm. And you know, like, look, man. When I we talk about changing the guard. Eric B for president is the changing of the guard record. It's the one. Mm. And as excuse my left. And as 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 That's as, it. as, yep. as as um Red Alert said, he said, to me, he said, we had the drum machine era. Mm-hmm. And then and then and that was that was my people like B Fats making WAP it and the drum, you know, beatbox era, the beat machine era. Yeah. And then we got Eric B and Rock Kim. Yeah. And he said, when I first heard that song. I just had to play it over and over again because it was I seen it was all different. Mm. And he started playing that record. Yo, I was in Washington Square Park, hear that record, on my skateboard, someone's walking by playing it on a boombox. Yeah. And yep. I went to the music factory the next day on 42nd Street and I whistled it to Stanley, Fat Stanley who worked there, who had the the infamous breakbeat book. <laughs> I whistled my melody to him, not Eric mm. B as president, and he pointed to the wall and I bought the record. And that was that to me is the record. That's there's Run DMC, and then yep, 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 and and Eric B. Exactly, exactly. I mean, you know, he and it ends Run DMC's reign. It's the beginning of the end. It's it's starting to go. You can't shout no more. Yeah. Right, because homeboy is so cool. Yeah, and from there everything happens. That's to me when it all starts, and that somehow leads to Native Tongues, De La Soul. Pretty you know, much it all goes to it. I mean, there's different routes it gets to, but you know, Eric B and Rakim to me is the one who started the change in the guard. And to me, like I'm from an era slightly before that, but to me that's the era I really identify myself with. Yeah, the gold, mm-hmm. the so-called golden, the golden era. era. Yeah. And so, who's up next after De La for you? Queen Latifah. And I and I meet the queen, man. and I meet Queen Latifah because Forty Five King came up to me at the Latin Quarter, and he, and um, I seen this dude walking up towards me, and he looked he looked nice. Latin Quarter, everyone got the screw face on, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> Everyone's got screw face and all hard, and this dude he got a little fruits and berries in his hair. And, you know, he got a headphones around. His, he got headphones around. <laughs> he said fruits and berries. Yeah, the headphones around his neck. And he walked up smiling, bed, he's smiling at me. Yeah. And I was like, who the hell is this nice guy? And he's a little older. And he was like, hey, you're Dante Ross, right? And I was like, yeah, who are you? And he's like, I'm DJ Mark, the 45 King. And I said, oh, shit. Because mm-hmm. his promos were on Red Alert yeah, all the time. Yeah, they're playing them. And he had a hit record out, this Cuts Got Flavor, like La T. I just love that record. With that sample, the, the, the fat back joint. I love that shit. So... Um, 900 number hadn't come out. Nah, that nah, time. that was two or three years later. Okay. He he just had the flavor unit and he had mm. Lati, this cuts got flavor. That was it. Chill Rob G, this court is in session. Oh, yeah, court is in G. session, Ooh. which is a banger. Ooh. He was mean. So, yeah. and, and Red Alert was playing all these promos he had. A DJ Mark, the 45 King, King special, yeah, yeah, special. Yeah. And it was, it was just beats. And Red Alert, that was how he started the show. He had Damn. a promo. Mm-hmm. It, it was sick. It was, um, yeah. it was oh, it was Giving Up Food for Funk sample by James Brown. It was ill. It was mm. crazy. And I was like, damn. And so I met him, and he didn't look anything like what my, like Chuck yeah. D. Again, I'm like, I'm thinking it's like some brolic dude. Yeah, like, not And it's this really nice dude. And I'm like, yo, he's like, yo, you want to hear some beats? So he has some headphones like this. And I was like, yeah. Um, he's like, let's go upstairs to the DJ booth. The Red, Red Alert's booth is here, but there was like all these little dress rooms. 
and we went upstairs and he pulled out this is bugged out he pulled out a a, a walkman and he had the big speak headphones like this but it had remember, you know people used to label shit with the tape yeah, yeah. tape yeah. gun it said dj mark the 45 king on his walkman <laughs> and i was like this guy's a weirdo <laughs> i was like but like in a good way i was like this yeah, guy's yeah, a real yeah, yeah. piece bug yeah. and uh, he gave me his headphones and this i always remember this I put them shits on and they had it. They were soggy with this sweat. I was uh, mad. I was mad. I was. I was a little mad, but I contained myself because he pressed play and he played me some wild ass shit. So I was like, "Man, this guy!" Like, and I told him, "Yo, man, you should come see me with the whole flavor unit." Mm. I was working at Tommy Boy, and he said, I, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna come. Che- I'm gonna see you. I'm gonna call you on Monday." I gave him my card. He called me on Monday with Fab Five Freddy on the phone. Wow. Who is like my OG. This is the guy who's just name dropping every piece of hip hop royalty Fred, ever. Fred was my OG, but then me and Fred fell out later. Okay. Um, mm. um, like, and we kind of patched it up, but we have ups and downs. But this is when we were, we were up. We were people still. Mm-hmm. So Fred, Fred, um, oh, that's what it was. Fred had a promo rapping off a 45 King joint off that Fool for Funk shit. Mm. And Red Alert used to play it. So that's why he connected us. Now I know why he was on the phone because I guess Mark told him he met me. He knew me. He can't, your dog is crazy. Um, <laughs> you're right, you're right here, man. What, di- what died and crawled up your dog's I'm cool sorry, man. It's a wild one. I'm so sorry, dude. It's all good. Stella I'm going to warn fire. the guests for now on it. My dog's going to bless you with her ass. Oh, it's so good. That's like her ass. Is Yo, keep like, putting her out of there. Directly to, directly to me. I'm sorry, man. It's cool. It happens. Um, put, put her in the bed, man. And, and, Thank um, you, Chappelle. And, and, and um, they played me Wrath of, Wrath of My Madness oh, yeah. mm. over the phone. Wow. I had a speakerphone. I was I was big time. I had the speakerphone with the little speaker, you know? <laughs> and and they called me on conference call. I'm, this is Wow, big. this is this like big. This is like big. Yeah, we're like, yeah. this is big. Like I'm like, this is tech, technologically advanced for the era. Mm. And they played me that shit was I was like, that shit's crazy. Mm. I was like, and I knew I was like, yo. I know that sample. That's the meters. And he was like, yeah, how you know that? I said, um, I mean, I know records. And he was like, I'm going to come see you. And I, we set up a meeting, and they came and saw me. And Freddie wasn't at the meeting. I don't know why Freddie got left at home. You know what? I guess Freddie wasn't really trying to, to tax it. He just was connecting people who knew each other. Nice, yeah. And, and, you know, I never really thought about that to now because Freddie's a hustler, like, you know, but, but, you know, props to Fred. He wasn't there. And um, he came with Marky Fresh, who wasn't an official member. Mm-hmm. Uh, Latifah. Was Apa- Lakim with him? Apache. I remember Apache. He was my neighbor in Jersey City. He's so cool. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Rest, he was rest married in peace. to Nikki D, right? Yeah, they were neighbors. Yeah. 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 I need a gangster bitch. Rest, yeah. rest in peace. He wrote yeah. a lot of Latifah's records. I did not know that. And yeah, Lati. They knew. Who did he th- and who did they know? Mike Says. Oh, wow, okay. wow. And they know Mike Sace because, and Mike Sace is like my old school, like, um, get high. Yeah. As I always say, Mike Sace, the world's smartest idiot. Um, <laughs> he, he's the guy who can, has the greatest ideas and can fuck anything up. He's, a, he's like Eddie Mush. He's like the hip hop Eddie Mike. Mush. So, so, um, I do too. So, so, um, they, his name comes up somehow and, that's so Ill. Monica Lynch comes in 
And she's like, Dante, can I see you in my office? And she's like, we have to sign that girl. I was like, I'm already there. She walked in. She had the glow. Mm. She looked like a million bucks. She, she, had, she had the cool ass hair, the yeah. door knockers. Yeah. She was wearing all white. I'll never remember, forget to all white with, um, she had the floppy socks. Remember yep. when she yep. yeah. She just was looking fresh. She looked like a Benetton poster to me. Yep, yep. Like she was <laughs> ill. Yep. She looked like salt and pepper time. Like she just was ill. Yeah. I was like, and she had a big smile. And I was like, yo, she looks like a million bucks. She got it. And um, we ended up doing the deal. And, wow. And, and we went and Mark had made the records in his, I went to a studio in Brooklyn. I mean in Brooklyn, in Jersey City. No, not Jersey, South Orange. Mm -hmm. East Orange, sorry, EO. East Orange. And his house was like a hip-hop museum. He had a turnstile when he went in. He had hip-hop, remember, like wow. posters. Like this shit would be worth hundreds of thousands of dollars now if he still had all of it. Yeah. He had yeah. all this crazy memorabilia. Turntable set up, had his little four track. He was making the records on all this crazy. And he had a reel to reel actually. He mm -hmm. went down to reel to reel. He might have had an A track. His little board and the record sounded great. And so we had to go and make them real records. And we went in, did them in Calliope, tracked them out. She did her vocals. I think the demos, when we mixed it, the demos might have sounded better. Wow. They were just, there was a rawness to them. Mm -hmm. Um, but once again, new music seminars rolling around. I get yeah. my test. I got my test pressings, and I give them to everybody. Damn. And Red Alert DJ in a party that night at MK plays both sides of the full, of the single "Wrath of My Madness" and "Princess of the Posse." Mm. Another thing is "Princess of the Posse." Mark's playing keyboards on. He plays that bass line on yeah. the M one. It's just like it's a dance hall record, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yep. and I was just like, I mean, that record was. Prince of Posse blew my mind. So another one we have a hit right off rip. Right off rip. Wow, it's Red so Alert ladies first wasn't even That's uh, later, it, right? Way less a year later. Wow. A little longer. Yeah, it was it was um Princess of the Posse mm -hmm. and Wrath of My Madness. Wrath of My Madness is a banger. And that's a yeah. banger. And, that, a and that's banger. the one that goes. That's the one they keep they play more. But Princess of the Posse is getting played in New York. Um, and it gets played on a dance hall show. Mm -hmm. It's bugging me out. It's like getting played everywhere. And, yeah. And um, we did mad shows. We came to LA. We played World on Wheels and Skateland. Skateland mm. was the blood spot in Compton, mm. in Linwood. And that shit was wild. We went wow. there. I never mm. seen no shit like that before. Where we got escorted around by Simone with a shotgun. Yeah. Uncle Jam, the infamous Uncle Jam's army. Mm -hmm. Uncle Jam, Roger Clayton was a promoter. It was a we did a K Day show in that show, um, and and it was wild. I was once again her road managing A and R man dude, and dude, um, it was it <laughs> was crazy. fucking wild, man. And it was it was super fun, man. And she was always mad fun. She was a little easier to to work with in Dela because Dela was three guys. She was yeah. one, yeah. so I could move her around a little easier. Yeah, um, she didn't have the dancers yet. And yo, she was an ill performer. She was super Oh, so good. this was before the dancers came in. No Safari sisters. Mm. Um, and, and me and one of the Safari sisters were, were good, good friends. We, we, <laughs> like we, good, good friends? We had, a very, we, had a, we had a warm, happy relationship. What was the names again? Um, Keisha, Keisha and um, um, what's the other one? Coco. Was Kiki it? and, and Keisha. Yeah, the, something to Keisha that effect. She was my little shorty um, back in the day. But and that's wow. the lights. I think good. everyone was in love with those dancers. Yeah, that man. was my little shorty. Because mm. <laughs> um, I was fly. Queen <laughs> um, Latifah had a video store in my neighborhood in Jersey City. Yeah, she did. That's right. I rent videos from her. 100%. Video store. Really? 100%. Yeah. She did. That's ill. She, she, um, 
And people don't realize that Jersey City, that might as well be the like six borough. Dude. That's like Jersey City is like mm. Brooklyn or Queens. It's like right across the thing. Like yeah. Yeah. it's closer to downtown than like Queens is. It's like, a, you know, it's part of it. Like, you know, Jersey City. I always said that if Tretch wasn't from Jersey, Ooh. if he was from Harlem, people would be yeah. like, he's top 10 ever. Mm. You know, but because he's, he's from Jersey. Orange. East Orange, right? East Orange. Yeah. I East feel Orange. the same way about East Orange. Just teaches. Ooh. They were Nobody dope. talk about them, really. Nobody talk about them. No, no talk, they don't. Culture freedom. And, and they were dropping crazy. I mean, they're from almost Philly, Jersey. Mm. They're from Camden. Mm. Trenton. Mm. Yeah. Trenton, yeah. Trenton. Which is right by Philly. Yeah. Which is, and there's a lot, for some reason, Trenton and Camden always have mad gods. Mm-hmm. Like, Big time. I don't know why, but you know. Big and, time. And look, man, Borrachis, I liked it when everyone's names were things like Wise Intelligence and Lord <laughs> Jamar. That shit Culture, was cool. Yeah, man. Culture Freedom. That yep. shit was cool, man. That shit is, man, all the Afrocentric shit was cool, you know? And the other side of that is like, I never dressed Afrocentric because that's not my place. You didn't rock the you know? black medallions? I did have a black medallion. Oh, I can't lie. Okay. I had okay. a black medallion. Okay. No gold. Yeah. No gold. I had a black medallion. Wow. But yep. you know, when you talk about authenticity, you didn't really need to. I you didn't really need to, and they respected you, of course, for really? not doing that. Of yeah, course, it's so true. Yeah. Not, you try too hard, you're you're patronizing. Yeah. There's, there's there's almost a form of racism in trying too hard mm. to be something you're not. It's just weird, man. It it makes me uncomfortable. Well, they call it cultural appropriation now, 100%. right? Hundred percent. I is? mean, I remember the young black yeah. teenagers with the white singer. Yo, with the what the? How crazy? And oh, Hank yeah. Shock, Hank Shockley put that out. And Chuck D. Yeah, Chuck Trapping D. Yeah. Land, twist the cap. Yeah. Yeah. That was and that shit was a twist fake. That was a fake leaders of the new school record. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's I do crazy. know the story yeah, behind that. that. You know that story. I know that story. Okay, good. I do I know, know that, that story. Shit, it's crazy. I was, I was always curious how they came how they came about. I, I mean, I, I think really I think Hank, Hank was in the shock valley. He wanted to fuck everyone up. Yeah. He was okay. like, I'm going to shock everyone. Yeah. Yeah. His homeboy was in a... House party. Yes, Cameron. Yeah. And, and and you know, he um he went out with Charlie Brown's sister from Leaders. Charlie Brown. And yeah. they were going to be... Co- they So Leaders were signed to the Bomb Squad. Mm-hmm. Their production yep. agreement ran out. The Bomb Squad tried to say they owned the name Leaders of the New School. Mm-hmm. And the young black teenagers were going to be Leaders of the New School. Yeah. And Charlie Brown trademarked the name without telling mm-hmm. Chuck and them. And that's how they retained the name L-O-N-S. Wow. Wow, so then that they had I to, did not know. Then they had to become that. the young black teenagers. Charlie yeah. Brown was sick too, man. He was a sick yeah. He was a, he was a complicated individual. Mm. Complicated. You signed leaders, right? I did sign. I signed leaders because I saw them live perform at a club called Payday, rocking with one mic over um, "Impeach the President," and yeah. Buster Rhymes was fucking incredible. Yeah, and he was passing the mic back and forth, and they were doing the ad libs. It was the close. It was like the. It was like. Cold Crush Brothers, yep. but a new version. I've never seen nothing like it. It was the craziest shit i ever seen. I just listened to the album this morning. Oh, yeah? That first album with um, uh, PTA. PTA and, was so dude, good. That's another I mean, case of that. Uh, PTA. That song was Come so on. good. Wow. Should have been a bigger hit. They were the band, they were the, the band to me that should have, could have, would have been so much bigger than they were. And 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 they worked, um, because of the group dynamic, They worked. they were counterintuitive to how big they could have been. Was the UMC's a spinoff of them or no? No, they were just the or same. Different, yeah. But same they had, but but I remember it was it was leaders and leaders had Rumpelstiltskins who yes. was um was it Geronimo. Buster's cousins? His or? cousin, his cousin in real life was Cut Modern Mile. They were like, okay. they're all cousins. Like, yeah, they're you know, all cousins. I had a lot of cousins yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> but I but I do. Isaac might have been my cousin for a couple <laughs> of years. <laughs> we were cousins too. for a while. But I do remember I do remember that period. Um, 
But Leaders, man, I mean, they had one of the best live shows. One of the one and, of the greatest yeah. live shows. Album Time. Time. I, is I didn't album. like Time. You really didn't. I couldn't. And and Time was the demise of the Leaders. I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't. I, it was too much going on. Mm. I felt like they were at war with each other on the records. Mm. It was too conceptual. I didn't love Cut Monitor and Milo rapping. It is the record yeah. that is always the most debated by people who like what I do or did and my yeah. contributions and my personal opinion. I did not like the record. It was not good enough for what I needed, where I needed them to go. Mm. They needed to make a better version of the first record. Yeah. They made this sprawling thing that didn't connect with people. I think I, I do agree. I mean, from the first album, which wasn't really a heavily concepted album, to this one, which they were like really trying to get metaphysical. It was very metaphysical. Very metaphysical. And I don't think hip hop was ready for it at that time. I also think it was apparent that Charlie Brown was trying to out rap Buster. And, and there was, was now a fourth yes. MC who wasn't as good as the three other MCs. Yes. So the chemistry was off. Big and, time. And, a, and a lot of that is due to the fact that Buster was obviously the, the shining up. star Ooh, of yes, the group, yeah. right? And I think that there was a lot of envy that developed between with within group members, particularly Buster and Charlie Brown. Yeah. And a lot of it stirred from Buster's verse on scenario. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And and you yeah. know, like yeah. tips tip throws him the Ali Oop. Yep. He throws him the oop. Mm-hmm. He's like he throws it to him and Buster just takes it and runs. Incredible. And Buster's man. a superstar now. Dude. I mean that record, That's that so track. Crazy. Yo, that, that song track. is the one song you have to play the whole song too. You do because he's got to. the last verse and it ends with him still rapping. He's like mm-hmm. one yes. verse and it's exactly. over. So you have to play the whole record. Exactly. That's like uh, Nas uh, live from the barbecue. Right, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. right. Because you got to hear Nas. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta do that. Yeah. A lot of times, people with that club, the in the club, they would just play just Buster's run. Wow. And there's an edit that's just Buster's run. Man. So is that, is that what put them on? They were already on, but that took it. That ratcheted but, it yeah, up. That, you mean in the solo career? You mean? I mean, yeah. it's it's when he shined ev- on that. Yeah. It's when everyone knew that he probably should pursue a solo career. Yeah. Because because yeah, also in the video he had the hat and he was so animated. Yeah, so animated. like a dungeon dragon. Yeah. And you know who he's talking about there? Who? Onyx. Really? He's throwing shots at everyone who got the rough voice. Wow. And and some people thought it was Red Man, but it wasn't. And Sticky Fingers came up to him and was like, Yo, you talking about me on that record? And Buster was like, Yeah, what? I remembered actually. I was there. Wow. And I was like, and I seen it. And and everyone's kumbaya now, but it happened. And Buster was Look, Buster is the human cartoon yeah. character, but he's not soft. Yeah, no, he's not at yeah. all. No. And you know, he wasn't throwing your guns in the air, Onyx, but he was certainly not a punk. And they found that out that day. Wow. Nothing happened. Nothing happened, but they see he was thorough. Yeah. And one He's, name you just said too that gets recognized all the time, at least Eminem's top, is Redman, who I think oh, is Redman's yeah. incredible. Yeah. He's incredible. incredible. He's man. one of the most clever and one yeah. of the funniest. You know, Redman's in that in that lineage of Bismarck E. Oh, big time. Grand mm-hmm. Pooba, Redman, you know, the funny guys. Yeah. Like, what the album yeah. I mean, and, you know, and, and the guy like old Dirty's one of those guys, yeah. right? The guys who are like they're not scared to be funny. Yeah. 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 Like, you know, yeah. you're, you're secure enough with yourself that you can be funny. Ludacris is like that too, kind of. Yeah. Snoop has a little bit of that. I always think it's cool when, you know, it goes back to Busy B. It goes back to Rudy Ray Moore probably, the Dolomite. Yeah. Like it's a yeah. tradition, yeah. you know? Yeah, for sure. And, and I think that like Redman is one of those guys and I do think he's criminally underrated. I do too. I agree, And man. I was going to say, 
kind of giving me chills. If you remember um, the scenario video, not only was it Red the Man's birthing, in it. not only was it the birthing of Buster, but Red Man's in there. Wow! And not many people oh, wow, knew yeah. about Hanging Red out Man. out in the background with the hat. Exactly. Yeah. He's the one eating the, the, oh, cool. yeah, the, the chicken wing. He's eating the chicken wing. He's like exactly. Yeah, yeah. So his hats always look so hard on his beanies. Way warm. He's yeah. so hey, ill dude, style, bro. Yeah. Red Man in is, this, I know if yeah. you ever seen his first video ever, he's in the song Hardcore by EPMD. Yeah, I know that. Yeah. Right. And he has, he has yeah. a Kleenex. Yeah. And he mushed the girl. Yeah. He walked by and he yeah. just mushed the girl. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yo, he's... Well, right. EPMD kind of put him on, too. They yeah. did, they did put him on. He they, was their yeah. artist. He's Eric Sermon's yeah. artist. Yeah. New Jersey. We talk Jersey. about New Jersey. Jersey. Yeah, he's New Jersey. That's why he's underrated. Exactly. People, it's hard yeah. for people to give Jersey props. And we going back to that again. New Damn, Jersey. That's so crazy, man. Think if he's from that. Brooklyn, Red Man's like everyone. Red Man's the yeah, illest. Yeah, yeah. He's, he was so incredible. Crazy. I love that Eminem's always like Reggie. He, mm-hmm. he, always, he always makes me like, laugh, Red yeah. Man. He always make he just say some crazy funny shit. And and I like the fact he's like always making like even later on like um. Doc 2000, yeah. Doc's the name. I love that record and I love the song I Be That. Because oh, he talks about, yeah. talk about what a piece of shit yeah. he is. He's yeah. like, he's everything a rapper is not supposed to be. He had the fat girls yeah. in the video. Yeah. Yeah. I loved him on Cribs too in the little oh, apartment. Oh, With the fucked the up Cribs. Oh my God. Yo, he was amazing. Yeah. He's Red, legit, man. Red, Red, Red Man. Red Man is kind of like Old Dirty Bastard. He celebrates all the shit that people like are embarrassed about. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like I'm broke. But it's also probably not somebody to be fucked with either. Not one bit. No, no. no. Like, those dudes him and met the man working out. Pis- no. Pistol pack and posse. That's yeah. his crew. Red man back in oh. the them day. Them dudes was all car. They were all okay. car thieves. Yeah. Yeah. Those guys yeah. were like carjacking started in Newark, supposedly. Those right guys back. were like that mm. was their thing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. If you look at early Red Man videos, you can tell like he was and he pistol pack and posse, as you yeah, said, yeah, yeah. they were pistol pack and posse. Damn. Him I mean, and DJ Twins. How crazy was that record fucking, you know, the shit with Hurricane. Yo, stop the bullshit. Oh, I mean, man. Like, come on. Tonight's come night. On. That's tonight's tonight. Come is on, a, man. The way he started that. Classic. Just the way he started it. Yo, his, get off that bullshit. That shit was wild, man. No one did that before. Him and his sister. His sister, Hurricane G, who. Mm. who uh, Hurricane Gloria, who's yeah. not really his biological sister. It, it isn't? Nah, she's Puerto Rican, too. Uh, That's why she had the accent. She was yeah, like, yeah, she had that yeah. accent. She was ill. Yeah, she was dope. She never came out. She was, I was super gonna say, dope. Whatever happened, we I were all know. waiting for that. Album yeah, she to was come ill. Out. It never, never. You know, and that's the other thing in the annals of rap. These dudes who were great who never came out. Yeah, mm. so many dudes who were. It's like it's like street basketball. These basketball player kids who were so good in the street, yes. in the schoolyard, they never made the league. Yes, wild. Yes, she's one of them. Yeah, I have a question. Would, Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry, a, a question about Queen Latifah and De La Soul. Like, did they already have a name for themselves when they got signed? Were they playing shows already? Wow, it was just like a demo. Like they had the nothing, insane. Nothing. Man. I didn't. No one knew. But we, you know, they came from people who had names. De Las from Paul. Prince Paul had a name. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Right. So, but not really playing live shows or doing nothing. Not that wow. maybe local in Long Island. That's okay. it. Or in Jersey. But same with Brand Nubian. Brand Nubian, because Grand Poobah was in Masters of Ceremony. Yeah. Okay. So people knew of him, and he. Everyone knew he was nice. Okay. Yeah. Everyone already knew he was nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I signed Grand Poobah, I seen Jam Master J. In the Waverly Diner after a club night out, <laughs> and he's like, "Yo, what you doing, yo?" I said, "Oh man, I'm I just signed Grand Poobah in his group, Brand Newbie." He said, "Yo, Grand Poobah, that's a bad motherfucker." Damn, I never forget. He said that to me. I was like, "I did something right." <laughs> mm, yeah. So you're part of the one for all record. Yeah, I mean, part Jeez, of the shit, bro. Shit, I was put it up I, here, bro. I, I was, let's, let's, I was for all the listeners. Let's, I might have. I was damn. I came doing, had brought all the records here. Brought all the vinyl. I was here on almost the table. doing ad libs on that record. Like, really? I'm, I'm not. I mean, I was there every inch of the way. This is this is the album, though. 
That's that's um that's the slow down twelve inch. Slow down. Yeah. Oh my god! Every single club, man. And so, Cheats and pillows. All the stuff. And so dot X. Yeah. Did and that? Then, did that beat? No one knows that. He I didn't did know that. slow down. He he had the idea to sample Eddie Raquel and the New Bohemians. His idea, and he literally looped it in the studio. And he said, "Yo, let me get those Ohio player drums." I had I had a crate of records with me, and I gave him the pain record, and he he wow. looped the shit, and that was wow. it. That's he, he made Sadat, it right like I didn't that. even know Sadat produced he, he, either. He made that one. I was there. No That's one knows good, that. Man. And he made it in like a half hour. He made that shit wow. mad quick. He knew exactly what he wanted to do, and um, we caught. I remember when we went to clear it. Yo, they the lawyers got us on the phone with Edie Brickell herself. The lawyer got him on the phone, Edie Brickell. We, not Are you only serious? her, it was her and all of the new Bohemians because they all share wow. co-writing credit. And they asked us what the song was about. And X and Jamar explained that it was about the ills of crack in black communities. Mm. And they they were like, "That's really cool." And they cleared oh the record. God, That's incredible. They were mad nice. That is oh. one of the biggest hip hop records ever. I mean, Slow I was. Yeah, man. I mean, they played that shit. Yeah. You know, shout out to Funkmaster Flex. He ran that motherfucker to death. Really? Uh, He ran that motherfucker to death. That was like, you know, that's a tonal banger. That's one of those songs. That's one of the songs, like, of of all the records I made, that and probably Brooklyn Zoo are the ones that got played the most in clubs. Mm. Let me ask you a question about the... Fucking Brooklyn Zoo, bro. The the remix of Concerto and X Minor. Oh, yeah, that's crazy. There's a remix that okay. no one ever talks about. Yeah, that shit, you're like the only person who and you ever have it in your hand. You have it in your hand. No one, right you're like Stretch Armstrong will play that. That was like yeah. a Stretch and Bobito song. It's, like, no one knows that. And I got to give a big, big shout to those dudes because Stretch and Bob, that was like my crew. Like, that's our family. And like, we all kind of came through this stuff together. I was a little yeah. before them. And them dudes always emphatically religiously supported everything I ever did so I always had them dudes in my back pocket you know just always looking out for me so anything that I did musically they always got it first they always played it first they were always like right there helped me and when you say sheets and pillows this is why I say this because stretch DJ sheets and pillows mm-hmm. so of course he's playing my records downtown that's mm-hmm. the other thing Bill records. Spector shout out to Bill Spector too Bill Spector my brother same birthday as me he's day one day before he's my Jewish brethren from way, way back. Yes. I love him. Um, he's out of his mind. And and <laughs> and um Stretch played all the downtown clubs and he played all my records. And that is also very important because though that travels. Yeah. Mm. That travels. That goes to London and Paris yeah, and everywhere big else. Time. So big time. London first, always. Always. <laughs> Paris had it and then later Berlin too. Yeah. Berlin, if you go there now, is the most hip hop city in Europe. Yeah. Damn, really? Mad hip hop. Dude's well, a dumb hip hop out there. J Rue wow. lives out there now. He does. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. I saw he was just hanging out with him out there. I was in yeah, Copenhagen. Yeah, yeah. I was in Copenhagen. He was there. Yeah, I went. He's my man. I seen him in, when he was in Berlin, too. He's great. He's, I mean, come clean. That, yeah. There's another. Yo, that's a record that people got beat up over, too. Yeah. You know, there's hard. like. I need to make a list of the records that people got jumped to. Yeah. Like, that's one of them. Shook ones? Shook, Shook ones. ones. Whoa. Shook ones. <laughs> Shook, on, ones. Shook ones. You took your Shook chain ones. and put it in, so I'm going to tuck my chain, yo. Yeah. Dude. Yo, that Fat one. Joe. Um, what was that for? Um, oh, what yeah. was the. Uh, the Lean Back was a modern one that you no, might have back the, then. The, the back then. Joe's original one. Yeah. Um, you got to flow, Joe. Oh, you got to flow, Joe. Flow, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was one. That that didn't get played that much, really, in the club. That's hard. So hard. One that got you robbed, obviously, Public Enemy. Yo, Schoolie D, yo, PSK. Oh, yeah. Yo, oh, yeah. Dudes might have got murdered to that record. There's probably <laughs> yeah. there several homicides related yeah. to the playing of that record. Yeah. Um, oh, Biggie. Um, 
Man, Biggie, unbelievable. You might get oh, beat up yeah. when that came on too. Really? Unbelievable, yeah. huh? Yo, boom, boom. Where's it? Unbelievable? No, it's um, kick, yeah, boom, 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 boom. That's not unbelievable. That's no, um, it's not. It's um, that's um. I know what track boom, you're talking boom. about. Yo, dude, the first album. Dude's just getting yeah. beat up when that came on. That was like, that was just the Biggie beat. Smalls is the illest. illest. Yeah, yeah, that's when people's yeah. getting beat up. Boom, boom. Yeah, premiere joint. Premiere, yeah, premiere, premiere is good for making songs that get you beat up. <laughs> like he's the all-time master. Of Gangstar the, like, ones too, for oh, sure. Yeah, you, I mean, on. I love Gangstar. Gangstar. Come on, and Damn. that was around that era too. Same time. I mean, look. I mean, I knew Gangstar before it was big. When before they had Manifest out, mm. Keith was Keith was my man. Me and him used to mess with these girls who was roommates. Like Keith is Guru to the listeners. Yo, yes. Guru, put me in the room. With Everlast, I wow. have to. He, kind of, I have to almost thank him for Whitey Ford sings the blues, because I was in. That's crazy. They did a remix for Fed Up, Guru raps on it. Mm -hmm. I'm in the video, but preceding that, I was in L.A. at the Mondrian with Sadat X on tour for Wild Cowboys. Wild Cowboys. Wild Cowboys. Yeah. We went to the hotel lobby. Guru was in the hotel too. We seen Guru. We went to the bar. Guru liked to drink. We used to all drink a lot back then. Mm -hmm. And he showed up with my homegirl, Tammy. Um, and so they were hanging out. And he said, yo, my man, Everlast is coming through. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's, I know him. He, they, they, you know him? I was like, yeah, I saw man, he's cool. And I he got came, the knack, right? It was right, person, but yeah. we we knew him because he was in House of Pain. And I, yeah, knew, yeah, yeah. I knew House of Pain and all that. I was friends with them. Yeah, Rhyme Syndicate, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, That's when I met him. I met him in L.A. at Skateland. No, at World on Wheels, as a matter of fact, okay. when I first met him with De La. So I knew him from back then. So he came through and we were talking and he said, yo, I was managing X at the time. He said, yo, I want to do a record with X. And I said, word. But I remember Guru goes, y'all motherfuckers is like the same motherfucker. Y'all motherfuckers need to do some shit together. Like y'all need to, yo D, you need to, you need to go play him some shit. And I was like, bet. I was like, yeah, I need to do that. And he's like, yo, I'm, I'm have, I want X to rap on this record. I didn't think anything would come of it. You know, we're drunk. Motherfuckers just talking that shit. But he called me a couple of weeks later. He said, yo, I want to fly X out to L.A. And I said, I'll come too. We went out to L.A. X did the song with him. And then me and Eric stayed hanging out. And we went to the Super Bowl together that year. And that's how we ended up working on music together. Wow. So Guru, though, was an, an instrumental part in that. That's incredible, man. That's, a, that's some hip-hop. And I was right in the there. video. If you go and look at the Fed Up remix video with Guru rapping on it, Peter Green, Peter Green the actor, kills yeah. me in the video. I'm in the video. I stole his girlfriend, and he hit me in the head with a wrench and kills me in the wow. video. And I never met Peter Green before that day. And he said, Dante Ross? I said, he goes, you friends with this guy Jerry Dean, huh? I heard I said, about Jerry Dean. I said, how do you know Jerry Dean? He's like, I used to be a criminal. Wow. <laughs> and I said, wow. and he said, I heard you were too. I was like, minor league, Jerry's a criminal. <laughs> 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 For those of you who don't know Peter Green, it's Peter Green is... Um, He's in the mask. Yeah, he, uh, I mean, he's in he's in Pulp Fiction. He's Zed. Yeah, yeah. 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 And a friend yeah. of ours from f these three letter guys, and we wow. just know him. Well. It's just a guy. Dude, I mean, it's Everlast Whitey Ford record, incredible man. This that that was such a come on. Did that win a mask. Grammy? Is we that... won a Grammy for Santana. We won a Grammy for a song on album. Yeah, we had a uh, best alternative song of the year, so we did win a Grammy for okay, it. Okay, yeah. yeah, wow, yeah. man, yeah. That's he a did, pivotal album. He did the Whitey's Diner one too. Yeah, I did either the Whitey's. Either Whitey's, that's right. Yeah, yeah I did man. that. I did. I, I am. Those are big records, man. I mean, we. Did, I mean, I own a house because of those records. So God wow, bless. That's where I got my house. Um, yeah. You know, that's incredible. I mean, yeah, that's we'll amazing. get to that in a minute. But yeah, shout out to to 
Eric, he's like one of my favorite people in the world, one of my best friends. I still talk to him like every couple of days. Yeah, I love Everlast, man. I met I met Everlast back in, and he probably won't remember this, but it was one of House of Pain's first shows in Austin, Texas at this. It was the, the place that I talked to you about, the back booth. No, the back room on in the most heavily punk rock it actually a lot of metal cats used to play out there yeah yeah, yeah. and um house of pain played there and i want to say they must have played jump around maybe five times in a row Damn. and the place was this banana i'm sure man and house of pain was a thing man like deep in the mexican hood deep I, in the mexican hood too I, yeah. I loved House of Pain when Me they came too, out because they were like the first white rap group that was unapologetic. Well, the Beasties were unapologetic, but yeah, but, but it was I, a different level. You're right because the Beasties yeah. weren't going to beat you up. Yeah, House of Pain was like a prison. <laughs> they were like a prison gang. Yes, they were like yo, those dudes. They're like bikers or that something. Video, <laughs> the, they were like the jump around. They were video? like Vikings. Yeah. You know what I mean? They were yeah. like and and it's funny because they're not from New York, but they reminded me of a lot of like hard white it dudes was. I know like from New York. New York dudes. Yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah, exactly. And I first met you. I was in the House of Pain video. You were in the House of Pain video. You were, you're, but I met you maybe right before that. They were on Lollapalooza with Cypress, and they they went to CB's. We, That's where I met Madonna that night. Where I talked about. We're all at CB's, and you had wow. you had the we you had your shirt off. You had the race racism tattoo and, and, and racism on my back and yeah. racism. And that's when I first seen you and met you. And I knew some of the the guys, and you were with some of the guys. Yeah. So I was like, oh, he's with the guys. And that's when I first encountered the first time I ever wow. seen you was that. And I remember because I remember because of your tattoo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were, I was literally outside with the Booyah Tribe. Wow. And we were sitting there, me, Be Real, Booyah Tribe. And my man from fucking, my man from Pearl Jam was with us. Eddie? Eddie Vedder? No, um, Jeff uh, Stone. Stone or Jeff? Jeff. Jeff, Jeff Lament oh, was with us. Uh, the guitar player. Jeff yeah. Lament, yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah, you would never know. Yeah. I, I met Madonna, I met Madonna that night. Player. That's yeah. fucking crazy. And Jeff, that was the night you met Madonna? She was there, dude, yeah. And, and wow. Jeff was a skateboarder. He's a skater. Yeah. Okay. So, but Jeff, like, you would never recognize him anywhere. Like, he's the most regular dude, and that's the night I met him, and I'm friends with him kind of to this day. Because he's really good friends with Olsen. Okay. So What a small fucking, fucking world. Yo, man. everything starts to me. Like, I always say this, like, this is a Reddit thing. He always says... Skateboarders run the world, and a lot of it does Giovanni go back. Reda? Yeah, and that, a lot of it goes back to skateboarding. And also, I was a teenage dirtbag. Like everyone was cool. <laughs> everyone was cool was like a teenage dirtbag kind of, right? Yeah. We all had this moment, and that's like a lot of the world comes from there. It's fucking yeah. crazy. I, I, I didn't even know how Japan. I met Everlast Mayor. They asked me come to the video shoot tomorrow, and then they featured my tattoo in their video. I remember. Fucking Stretch was there. Two Blocks from, 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 from the two from Live Squad. He was there. He's in the video right next Stun to you. Doobie was in the video. Hundred percent. Ori was in the video. My man, Kazoo, the craziest wow. dude ever. Derek, my man who died. Like all these crazy, he was like a, a kind of Westy type dude. Our boy from New York, he like held us down back in the day. There was a lot of a lot of nefarious characters were in that video. Yeah, there's some graffiti ca cats there too. That's Kazoo. That's the kid I'm talking about. Wow, it's, um, man. That was a crazy video to be in, man. Yeah, man. That was a great time. Look, I, and like, not to fast forward, but like, I always really appreciated House of Pain and Cypress Hills like thing. They were like, the beast, the mean Beastie Boys yeah. kind of aesthetic. They were like, they had a very biker kind of tough guy, like yes. legitimate thing to them yeah. that that black culture accepted because it felt honest and real. Very much so. Yeah. It very wasn't fake. So. And that's why, um, especially Jump Around, was played so heavily on Rap City and um, what was the... The box? 
Oh, yeah, that was, was us with the box. Dude, yeah. I was living in New York when, when Yo, jump, jump Around. Jump Around got played at every black club by every Yo, DJ every in New York. Every DJ. That shit in was New York every, they played that, that shit everywhere. Everywhere. And it was kind of like um you they as you said, they were really accepted. Yeah. Because no one really in hip hop who was white had that they had like, you know, their the swag. Their swag. Gritty, yeah, you know their I mean? swag. It wasn't yeah. fake. You know, they were like it was real. Look, man. I was in the tunnel. I used to go to the tunnel all the time with my people. And, like, I, I ran around like a bunch of wild motherfuckers. Half them dudes is dead. Mm-hmm. So we we would, like, we were in the tunnel. We seen Everlast in the tunnel when jump around, around jump around, period. And he was there by himself with a gold chain. Wow. And I said, and a big gold chain. Not yeah. some, I said, yo, come over here, B. I said, yo, hang out, with, hang out over here with us, man. Yeah. Be, be over here with us. Wow. You might not want to walk around like that. He's like, oh, I'm good. I was like, yeah, but hang out. Wow. And he was, and, and our friend who ended up going to jail for life, he met him that night. Our boy Manny Stacks, you might know him. He was like a wild Puerto Rican dude, and that's that. He became really good friends with Everlast forever mm. that night. They became people, and every come to New York, they'd always hang out with Manny. Yeah. He held them down. I was wow. a street guy. I remember yeah. taking Danny Boy to Avenue B to get tattooed at my friend's apartment. He got his lady's ta- his name tattooed on him and shit back then, like in 93 or something. Danny Boy's also 6'5", like, you know. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. Oh. I remember him back then when he first came out. Yeah. Now, how did the whole connection with Cypress Hill and and House of Pain connect? Those guys, Um, I think it was, Um, well, Everlast was a pretty good rapper. Everyone in L.A. knew that. He would show up at spots and he would rap. And dudes was like, he could freestyle. He's nice. And I think um, B-Real was friends with Everlast. Like, they were cool. And... Um, he was like, you know, you should work with Muggs. And then I think Muggs was a little resistant at first, but then B-Roll kept saying, yo, you should work with the white boy, yo. He, he's all right. He's kind of nice. Mm-hmm. And then he, he, I heard the way that Jump Around came to be that beat. They gave it to B-Roll after their first album came out. He was supposed to write to it. He couldn't write to it. Eric was in the studio of Funk Dubious. Funk Doobie couldn't write to it. Mm. He left. Muggs was like, you got anything for this? Because they were in the studio and they had paid money for it. Mm. And he was like, so Eric did what Biggie, what, what Jay did supposedly. He wrote it in his head. Mm. So he had the whole shit written. And he was just waiting to hope he could get on. Wow. Muggs put him on the, on the mic and he spit it. And then he told him to chop the rhymes up. That's why there's four verses. And he gave him the hook. And that hook comes from Leaders of the New School. They used to do that to open their shows. Wow. Jump, 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 jump. Wow. Everybody jump, Christ jump, school, jump. Bro. And and that's and that's um old reggae song. That's a reggae record. Yeah. I wa- I wanna say Ninja Man, but I think it's someone else. Someone told me who it was. It's not Ninja Man. Bro. Maybe it's Nitty Gritty. Somebody, I can't remember, yeah. but it's like a famous reggae yeah, like dancehall artist. It's a famous song. Leaders, because Buster's Jamaican would do that in the, in the middle of set, mm-hmm. get everyone hype. Mm-hmm. They never made a song out of it. And one time I was with Muggs, and Muggs said, why isn't that a record? I said, I don't know. And he gave that hook, his version of that hook to Everlast. Jeez. And that's how it became the song. You think that's possible? Wow. Dude. And, and I was never mad at it, because that's that hip-hop. That's hip hop. Is it safe to say that that could be one of the most recognizable hip hop songs of all time? Jump around's like on. it's time. it's up there with like it takes two by Rob Bass because yeah. yes. it's bigger than hip hop. Yeah, yeah. It's Big like time. bigger than the genre. Yeah, it ex- you know, OP, um, um, hip hop hooray, 
hip hop parade. Hip hop parade, right? Yeah. There's certain records that are just bigger than hip hop. Yeah. Hip hop parade is one of them. Yeah. Like if they're playing them at like football stadiums, stadium. yeah, stadium. Oh, jump around. Then it's Every basketball oh, game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like you know, and it takes two. It's like one of those. Like yeah. You know, like there's a certain records that are they're like the Louis Louis of rap. Yeah. Music. Very universal. Yeah. 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 Anyway, yeah. people don't like rap like those songs. Yes. And I mean, and I mean, you know, you're talking about. That that jump around, I mean, that was you're talking about a subculture at the time when when you're looking at Boston and how Boston right. was, right? Yo, everyone and always then, thought they're from Boston too, and they're not. And they're they're not. from LA, and they're not. And but the crazy thing was, it made it look like that. Yeah, yeah, felt yeah. that. I felt it like a yeah. thing. So everyone could. I felt like it was a blue collar anthem. That's what it felt like. You said it. Yeah. It felt very blue collar. I mean, look. It's like the Dropkick Murphys got the same thing, kind of. Yes. Very similar, right? Yes. It's like it felt blue collar. And the Beastie Boys didn't feel blue collar. They felt like snarky downtown kids. <laughs> They're like cracking on you, wise. Yes. They're like, look at you know, like. And I always feel like, because where I'm from, I'm more that side of the fencing culture. That's yeah. I'm more like a wise ass New York like downtown dude. Ball breaker. Yeah, exactly. It's a little different, <laughs> right? It's just a slight. There are different variants of like kind of people. I I didn't realize this may come off. I mean. Whatever I just didn't I didn't realize till way later that MF Doom came from KMD. A and lot I, of people I, don't. And I seen KMD, KMD many times with third base a bunch yeah, of times. Yeah, a lot of people didn't know that. I didn't realize that man. A lot he of people changed, don't. flipped his whole everything. I mean, he you know he died. He had to change his whole being. Right. He mm. became a new thing. He he was, you know, he lost his record deal. His brother yeah. died, and he went he went underground for a minute. No one saw him. He came back, and he was MF Doom. His name was always Doom as a rapper. Yeah, you know, it's his last name. You know, we called him Doom. He's Doomale, so we mm-hmm. called him Doom. That was his name. He just threw the MF, which was their crew. That was MF Grimm and him and, yeah. and Curious George, the CM dudes. Curious George. Curious George, dude. Oh, that record was, I love that record. One of my record. best friends. Uptown, Uptown and then I'm Uptown Curious, Anthem. all that shit. I talked Yo. to him yesterday, Curi- days ago. I, I just him. heard a track with him on, it was Curious, uh, oh, Planet Asia. Yeah, yeah, that's his yeah. man and homeboy yeah. Sam. Is he still man. rhyming? Like, is he, he does. He actually stopped for a long time. Well, it wasn't putting music out. He's putting music out again. Yeah, I it's love good, that record. Great to see that. I mean, it's like a New York vibe, man, summer he's, vibe. He's the best dude ever. His mom just passed. You know, he's. Uh. I talked to him a bunch the last few days. He's one of the best people I know. That's my brother, man. He's also the first person I ever knew who talked about meditation. Wow. Really? Yo, his mom is a Buddhist. Curious wow. Georges? His mom was a Buddhist, so he, wow. he hit me to meditation in the 90s. Back then, yeah. Come yeah. on, yeah, man. Yeah, man. He's a great dude. He's one of my favorite people. So ever he was ever. part of the KMD crew? Like, they were all people. It was like Third Base, KMD, Curious, yeah. all the CM guys, Bobito, yeah. me, yeah. Stretch, well, we're like kind of our, our squad. We're different little variations of the same crew. You know, just New York. It was all New York back yeah. then, you know? I guess underground hip-hop, as they call it, whatever it was. It wasn't really that line yet. And I had produced third bass. I produced Pop Goes the Weasel and, and a bunch of their Ooh. second their second record. So because of that, KMD landed in my lap. They Got brought you. me they brought me KMD. Um and Pop Goes the Weasel, yes. And KMD were just such I mean, they were just amazing dudes, you know, and, and that's kind of the time period when I also started producing more. Like I guess one for yeah, all did, yeah. one for all started and I had my crew, the Stimulate Dummies, my yep. two partners both yep. passed away. John yep. Gamble and Gibby. Gibby to John, they yep. both passed yep. away in 2020. It was fucking horrible. Um, I lost my two big bros. But, you know, we, we started out just, look, we had they had this studio that was smaller than this room with a low ceiling. Like, it was like half the size of this room. And we built, they built a little studio there. It was Frontline's punk rock rehearsal studio. Okay. In the, in the building they grew up in, they converted it to a recording studio. 
and we started hanging out there, making beats, smoking weed, and snapping on each other. We had, <laughs> so we had no no end game in sight. Wow. None. We were inspired by the Beastie Boys, mm-hmm. by Paul's Boutique, really. Because that's, that's my favorite Beastie Because that mine too, and had so much beats, yeah. and we knew all those records. I had all those records. Original and Between ones. me and Gibby, we had all those records pretty much. Damn. So we were like, yo, we should probably make beats and I was already trying to I made one one or two records before which basically meant I showed up in the studio with beats and this engineer put it together for me um, so we just bought some equipment and we started making shit and then and um, KMD did their demos in our studio John Gamble engineered them he spent like six months with them like every day doing the record um, Sub Rock was 16 when we started mm-hmm. Doom was 19 um, and they were the wildest smartest most extraterrestrial kids I'd ever met. They were, wow. they exceeded even De La Soul and Prince Paul in quirky, idiosyncratic, super black futurism mm-hmm. kind of way of thinking. They were way, way, way ahead. Way they ahead were of looking time. at were shit. Were they too ahead of their time? Before of their they, time. Came they were too ahead of their time, if there's such a thing. But you know, like they, you know, Doom is, you know, he, we, we hear this term like the black futurist. He's, in that lineage, he's a Sun Ra, a yes. George Clinton, Big time. a Prince Paul. Big you time. know, he's one of these people, um, and and he like, you know, embodied something that was just so forward thinking. That record is so genius when you listen to it. It is too ahead of its time. It's too smart. And you saw that back then, get working with them, obviously. Right? I mean, I just loved them. I thought yeah. he was so talented. He had the best verse on Gas Face, so we're oh. like, oh yeah, you know. So I wanna, I wanted to work with him, and I just thought he was super talented. And I met them, and they were just such. You know, like we always talk about like left field stuff and, you know, kind of the anti-macho thing. Mm-hmm. And they, they embodied that. Like they yeah. were about the intellect, mm-hmm. not about like I'm the toughest dude in the world. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's like harder than being a hard dude, right? I love it. That's true, yeah. You know, the hardest thing is to be like like not hard almost. Mm-hmm. If Especially if you're a black man, like, and like to be, you know, the way they are, that's like the craziest way to be. Like the, the, the way they're thinking is like, it's the opposite of what, the stereotypical idea of what black people are about, yeah. right? Like, we're not hard. We don't got gold chains. We don't have guns. We don't glorify drug dealing. We're actually all about, like, advances, advancement of our people and yeah. intellect and, yeah. and recognizing, you know, a spiritual way of being and living. Like, they were... Them dudes were vegetarians back then. Yeah. You know? So, like, I just think about all that. And to me, that embodied... Peach like, fuzz. I mean, peach fuzz. I mean, that, that video embodied... Oh. Everything. Yeah. My man's selling incense. He's on the street with the answer of laws. Exactly. Like, you know, Poobah's playing vibes. Exactly. It was just something. It was like a, a next thing, you know? And I always thought they, I always wanted them to be bigger, but they were who they were. You know, they probably couldn't have been bigger because it was too smart. Yeah. yeah too yeah. smart. Yeah. You know, and look, MF Doom, even for all the, all the accolades, every every rapper's favorite rapper, they he never really sold he records. Never, he never got to see that. I don't think he ever really got to see that. He didn't. Wow. He yeah. got he got acclaim. Like Tyler the Creator, like gave him his flowers, like and all these other cats gave him his flowers, but you know he never he never reaped the benefits. Yeah. But you know Jay Z's tweeting about him when he dies. Yeah. Wow. Right. You know. Um, and they were brilliant. That second record that never came out, Black Bastards. Black Bastards. It's a fucking ge- it's a genius that. record. It's fucking brilliant. Mm. And it, and it, I think it would have been successful. It thumped a lot more than the first record. What happened behind that? So, a- it, you know, I worked at Electra Records and Warner Music Group. Um, Warner Brothers put out Ice-T's record, right? Mm-hmm. Body Count. Yeah. 
and body count caused an uproar. Cop killer. Yeah. Yeah. So this was not that far after Cop Killer, and and it was it was within a year of Cop Killer, um, and the the promo the records like delivered. I'm Subrock. Let me backtrack. Subrock died. He got hit by a car and died. Mm, okay. Yeah. He buries his brother. Mm-hmm. It's very emotional. Yeah. He doesn't take any time off. He just goes mm-hmm. right into making. The, he continues to make the record. He's already started making mm-hmm. it. Subrock did a lot of the beats on that record and on the first record. People don't know Subrock was more the producer than Doom was. Okay. He was the technician and he was super talented. So the record's pretty much all tracked. Mm-hmm. Um, he dies. He doesn't take almost no time off after we bury Sub. Mm-hmm. He goes and makes a record. He delivers the artwork. Mm-hmm. Uh, third base is broken up. Yeah. Pete Nice is taking care of it now, not Search. Yeah. He's out of the picture. And he delivers the artwork, which is uh, a take on the game Hangman. Yeah, I remember So, you know, that's yeah. a game we played when we were kids, mm-hmm. Hangman, every, every kid mm-hmm. plays it. And he's hanging Sambo. Which is this character right here right. that we have. Yeah. Sambo. And yeah. the X would symbolize no Sambos. Yeah, right? yeah. So, and he was constantly using this. This was his thing. And he used it because he was saying, that doesn't represent me. Mm-hmm. Like, you think that's me? I'm going to flip it on you. That was like his his take on it. And he was hanging Sambo because he had decided he had, you know, reached the end of Sambo's purpose. Mm-hmm. He was no longer going to, you know, use that. And he was killing the Sambo stereotype. Mm-hmm. Two people worked at Billboard. woman named Terry Rossi. She ran the Billboard Monday Morning Reporter, which mm-hmm. is a radio trade magazine. And a guy named Havelock Nelson decided that in print, in Billboard, separately, that it was racist. And that we were irresponsible in putting this out when they saw the artwork. And um, it caused a big uproar. Yep, I remember that. Caused a big hoopla. Yep. And my boss told me he was... And I love my boss, Bob Krasnow. Best boss I ever had to this day. He's a great guy. He signed Parliament Funkadelic, Anita mm. Baker, Keith Sweat, wow. and Richard Pryor. He was a, wow. he's a legend. Yeah. He... he, he he made he found more hit artists than than I forgot about. Like he's the greatest. So he was one of the greatest A and R people ever. And he he was like, We're not gonna bow to censorship. I said, Well, what are we gonna do? He's like, Well, he's probably gonna have to change the artwork. We're I'm gonna see what happens and we're supposed to meet with the people in charge at the Warner Music Group. They set up this big meeting and right before the meeting the meeting was cancelled and we were told that they were gonna drop KMD as an artist. So he was giving back his masters, um, given, I believe it was Mm $20,000, which is guilt money, really, Mm -hmm. and he was dropped from the label. Um, And the two people who caused the uproar about it being racist were black people, and they never listened to the fucking record, and they never talked to me or him about what the imagery was, and they had access to us. I knew Havelock, and they just never did the homework. It was, you know, as we say in the culture of of sobriety... um, Conviction without investigation. Mm, they, wow. they they didn't investigate what the rhetoric was. And I use the word rhetoric in a positive sense. They didn't know what it was about, what the, the symbolism and the messaging was really about. And it, it ended up getting him dropped. So he disappears for a few. And he reinvents himself as MF Doom with the yeah. mask. And the mask mm-hmm. is, the mask is um, I don't know what you know about Faust or the Phantom of the Opera, mm-hmm. but it's very Faustian. And it's basically the Phantom of the Opera. 
if you know that story, the man in opera yeah. gets burned. He's and it's Doctor Doom, right? It's just, yeah. Which they're all yeah. the, they're all Faust. They're all, so they're all the same it's story. So and he was a huge comic book fan. Yeah. So you know, it's Doctor Doom is just Faust. It's just the Phantom of the Opera. So he creates the mask and becomes MF Doom. That right. album, Black Bastards, by the way, is probably one of we talk about the should of could ofs of hip hop, like you were saying before. That album is one of the albums that has been speculated on. Because didn't it get released or there was... So Bobito put it out in 1999. He re-released it, but tapes were floating because the promo cassette was out there. Mm. So people had the music. Okay. Wow. And the the fucked up thing is too, when the Billboard thing happened, he he was basically blackballed. He couldn't get another record deal. No label would sign him. It's crazy. With a finished record. Yeah. So... So, you know, he, I mean, his brother died. He lost his record deal. It's a lot. Yeah. And he had a child. It was a yeah. lot. It was a lot. It was a lot. A lot in one period of time. And he goes underground and comes back as MF Doom. And, and you know, he kind of, like, I'm not a big fan of, like, late 90s, the 2000s backpack underground rap. There's only a few things I really like. But him and Cool Keith kind of invented that genre. Mm-hmm. Which is yeah, ironic. They sure. both have been on major labels, and they both kind of make this new netherworld of rap and he's you know to me the most incredible artist who's come from that company flow is pretty good too um they come from that that moment in time Mm -hmm. and i mean mf doom is like you know he's um an example of resiliency and to me he is like a metaphor for and I, i said this before on some other podcasts he's a metaphor for um you know black people in america like he took all the shit that was handed to him and he absorbed it all, and he spit it back out as powerful art. Mm. And I think that that black people take pain, traditionally the blues, and they spit it back out as very powerful art. Yeah. You know, you, you can, we take this pain, and it's it's channeled, and it becomes like this wonderful thing that we that that black people share with everyone. This kind of art, and I feel that that's what he did. He embodies, you know, the black the black artistic experience in America as much as any artist I could ever think of. Mm. I listened wow. to. Uh, the day he died, I um, I did a run, and I listened to Um Food. No, oh, it's so good. The whole I listened to Um Food, and then I listened to Mad Villainy, oh. and I listened to them back to back. And it, Mad I, Villainy, I cried. Is, I, I cried, man. Yeah, I couldn't. I, I cried. I cried man, during that. I run. had the random playlist on in the car, just playing randoms in. And Doom came on like about a week after he died, and I had to pull the car over, and I just cried. Like I cried, mm. I cried for a, uh, it hurt me, and yeah. and and it was it was um, it was fucked up, man. And and I knew he died in October, and I couldn't say nothing. I had to kind of put yeah, it. Yeah, he kept it right. Yeah, I had to keep it in yeah. my back pocket for a minute. Um, it was fucking heavy, man. And, and it wasn't announced to December. Nah, yeah. yeah. January one. January oh January one. Let's yeah. fuck yeah. your whole year up. Yeah. 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 Wow. I remember yeah. that. I remember, I remember, I remember it clearly. I knew exactly where I was. I mean, man, you know, in early October, John Gamble passed and him and Doom were at one time in life very close. And I sent them a picture and it was Doom, Gamble, Gibi, and Subrock. They're all dead now. Mm. Wow. I took the picture. The one that you posted? I took that yeah. picture. I had I had I call it the year of the Polaroid. I had a Polaroid camera. I took pictures of everyone. Mm. And um, I sent it to him. I said, I want, it was October, I think October 6th is the day he died. I sent it to him and I said, I want to send you this, 
because I want you to know before you hear it somewhere else that John passed mm. and that he cared about you greatly. He loved you. And he said, oh, man, Unc, I'm so sorry. Gams was a great guy. I hope he's, I hope he's in, that, in the afterworld with Sub bugging out. And he died like a month later, less than a month later. Mm, and he wow. was he was sick, and I didn't know he was sick. Mm. We we had traded emails. It was by email, um, mm. but I didn't know that he was sick. Mm. How old was he? I'm not sure. In his he you know close in his forties, mid forties, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and uh, his son had died in two seventeen. Yep. Malachi, yeah. and I, I think yeah. that Jesus took a lot out. Man. That took a yeah. lot out of him. He's a guy who had a lot of loss in his life. I was gonna say he yeah. had a lot of loss with his brother and so yeah. forth. Yeah. And his son, and and um, he was the most irreverent rapper of all time, though. And he's a genius who talks in, in cryptic metaphors and mm. talk about mad villainy. Forty nine. He was mad villainy. Forty nine. That yeah. makes sense. Mad villainy yeah. was. Mm. You know, it's funny when Ugh, I think about him. Accordion, just that, I mean, alone. Oh, like, oh so, wow, dude. It, like, it, like, oh, man. Hearing, I know, just man, yeah. like, man. And Madlib was showing out. Madlib was like, I'm going to show out. Watch. Oh, he did. Yeah. He's like, he I'm did. A, that's, to me, my favorite Madlib shit. He ever, that's like the hardest shit mm. he ever did to me. And that, yeah, that record is, man. And Doom is like, he was a unique artist. There's very few MF Dooms. And, he's yeah. like, he's like um, a John Coltrane or some shit. He's like some shit that... You don't see or find in the culture. He's like some other shit. Well, you I, said I he's like a Sun Ra. He's yeah, a yeah. Sun Ra of our yeah, time, yeah. for sure. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know if you guys feel this, but when it, I don't know, like, whenever I think about Doom, it, it like, even just talking about it right now, I just feel such an energy. I do. I feel it. Mm. You know nah, what I mean? I feel like it right the now. energy that. That's why like, did you say that? And yeah, even when you put I'm your like, arms out like that, I feel it in that part of my body. It's weird you did yeah, that. Yeah, like that it, it's, me out. it's weird. Like thinking about it because. You know, obviously, like, I mean, when you think a lot about a lot of his stuff, it was just so unique and mm-hmm. profound mm. and it was like mm. impactful, all like all these things in one, but like unique and but but the energy mm. like you just feel it. that's why like when when I found out about his death, I just remember it, and like it was so crazy because I immediately accordion and that beat mm-hmm. yeah, and just like his voice, yeah, his yeah. voice over that beat. Yeah. Like just hit me like i'm getting chills like it, right it, now that is you know, you know I, I, like, I stayed in touch with him like over the years and we had a few years we didn't talk but yeah. said, but we'd skype each other before yeah. zoom was a thing and he skyped me one time he had his mask on wow. i was like i'll take that shit off <laughs> <laughs> so and his, his son he take it off he took it off his, his son um so his son funny. loves streetwear and i know the guys who run a lot of streetwear yeah. brands. So I would get boxes sent to his son for Doom. Mm. I'm like, yo, MF Doom wants some shit, but it's really for his son. Yeah. And he would send me shit. And I, I he sent me those Clarks they make because I love Clarks. Me too. And I got a I got a letter from him in there. And he's like, yo, I, it's like it's I can't even look at it. It's too much. Mm. Yo, Unc, I knew you would love this. You know, I know how you get down. I wear these in, with, with pride. And then it was and it was, it was doom. doom clocks. It was the doom ill. Wallabies. It was yeah. ill. It's so yeah. wild to me that they were rad. They were rad. so rad. He sent me the doom the the dunks like he um mm. man he was just like he he had he liked to send me little trinkets. I thought that was so cool. And I, I have all those things still. Like they you know like he was just such a unique individual and to me he's always the young man when i first met him i never really think of him as a grown-up because our relationship we were young mm-hmm. together you yeah. know and yeah. I, yeah i still think of him as that and and i always think of sub they were yin yang and people don't really know enough about sub rock and i try to keep his name alive yeah. you know yeah. and, and like when people like that passed 
that we love, it's our duty to keep their names in our mouths. Truly. Mm-hmm. Right? We got to keep their spirit alive. So Truly. Doom is one of the people. And look, there's no shortage of people keeping his name alive. Like he's bigger in death than he was in life, I think. That's crazy, man. Yeah. Crazy. I mean, you know, West Side Gun's got the whole big uh, West Side Doom piece that he has. That's wild. Still, wow. It's a, probably one of the illest chains in the game. I know that. Wow. I gotta say, I've never seen that. I didn't even know. Yeah. I mean, I know those guys love him. And before he passed, I had got a couple of his verses got verses for, from him for mugs and a few other people because people would hit me up and say, yo, man, I'm trying to get a Doom verse. And um, Doom was taxing dudes. Just keep yeah. it a buck. He was making money. <laughs> yeah. he, well, wasn't, he wasn't fucking around with the verses. The bad, I love, I love not the, good. Oh, album. go ahead. Sorry. The, no, I was going to say the, the, the bad, not good track, which came out literally right before he died, is a monster track. If I'm you've never it heard right it, check it out. it's, it's a Freddie Hammond. It's the Freddie Hammond sample of La Conquistadors uh-huh. and it's doom rhyming over it and it's just like bad not good do it verbatim like Freddie Hammond yeah. but the way he just flows over it and it happened they uh, released I, I gotta it. ask is Johnny Hammond or Freddie Hubbard no J- Johnny Hammond keep Johnny Hammond yeah, okay, the, Johnny. The, the, yep. the Dre thing exactly um, but such a great track and if you haven't heard it oh, it's yeah, like it's one huh? of his last tracks I mean, he's fucking you know he's the greatest and the funniest and the coolest and he had mad jokes that's the other thing like we talk about all this thing and one of the common grounds I have with every artist I've worked with is jokes we just snap hard we all go hard <laughs> Bob me and Stretch Bob Doom George Poobah like it's always a lot of jokes mm-hmm. like the jokes are endless and, and I was the way I grew up we all always snapped on each other hard bodies so if you don't know how to laugh at yourself you could never come outside when i was growing up because mm. everyone got roasted mm. and if you took anything personal you and anyone knew you would never hear the end of that that thing that you took personally so i learned a long time ago have thick skin never take it personal it's always really funny and, and i got <laughs> jokes and all my friends have jokes so that's like a real common meeting ground in the rap world for me like the jokes mm-hmm. Like it's just, you know, like Be Real got good jokes. Like I, I'll, I'm going to start rating rappers on dudes who got good jokes. Grand Poop had good jokes. Sadat has really good jokes. Doom had really good jokes. Yeah. Um, like that's, impo- that's an important part of life. Like we have to laugh because laugh yeah. is, you know, the two freest, the two cheapest like, like things in the world that do the most for me spiritually are reading and laughing. Yeah. You know, laughter's free. Yeah. It is, yeah. yeah. You know, that shit is free. Like you don't get you don't get you don't get charged when you laugh. So unless you have to pay to get in the comedy club. <laughs> True. <Yeah. laughs> I got the, I'll, I got the, I'll guess list you. I'll I got the list. I got the freebie <laughs> at the comedy store. My friend Adam is the manager, so I don't oh, have to shit. pay. Okay, then you, yeah, you, yeah, yeah, I, I got I've a, seen a lot of questions. How, how did that Henry Rollins end up in the Pop Goes the Weasel video? I think this guy Whoa. named Jesse Dillon did the did the um the video, he knew him. He asked him to do okay. it. I think that's what happened. So it was so cool, though, right? No, yeah. And I had nothing to do with it. Okay, nothing. That could have been you. I'll tell you a good Henry Rollins rap story, though. Yes. So massive fan. I love Henry Rollins. Massive fan. Massive fan. He's the best. Um, I don't know the man well. I know him high by. I know him a little bit. I used to high by. I like that <laughs> high by. High by. That's so a good one. so it I is. saw him. Um, I was with the brand Nubians in front of my house. We're going to do a show in. DC, wow. the van was there. He walked by. What he gets into? Get in the van. Okay, sorry. He walks by. A terrible. <laughs> leave, leave, <laughs> the, jokes. leave the comedy to Chappelle. Okay. <laughs> um, and and uh, he walks by, and he had a backpack on, 
And this is brolic Henry Rollins. When yeah, his neck yeah, was yeah. mad neck big. Was just, yeah. Remember he had yeah. the big no neck? neck. Yeah. Yo, he was mad big. And he was like, Dante. You know, that's a voice, Dante. I was like, Hank. And he's like, what's up, man? She gives me the hand, the break your hand yeah, shake. Yeah. He's like, oh, I'm doing this poetry reading in, in, uh, tonight. What's like over here? You should fucking come check this out. And he gives me, goes to his backpack, gives me a flyer. I was like, oh, I'd love to go, man. But we got to go to D.C. We're doing shows. He's like, oh, it's like this is a brand new movie. He's like, oh, what's up, man? And then he walks away, and they're like, "Yo, that's the craziest motherfucker I've ever seen!" <laughs> wow, <laughs> brand Nubian and, and then, Henry Rollins, and, and said, that's I think crazy. it was wow. Alamo would always be like, "You remember that time we seen that dude Henry Rollins on the street, and you knew him?" He would always bring it up. Yo, that shit wow, was, he's like, I didn't really know who he was then, but now I see him in all these movies. He's like, "Ask your man from Heat, right?" I was like, "Yeah, he's in Heat." Oh yeah! Holy shit, man! Dude, I forgot Rollins was in Heat. He's dope. Oh in yeah, heat. that's right. He wow. has a good part in Heat. Damn, he does. He's great. been in a lot of classic yeah, movies, man. Shout out to Henry Rollins. Yeah, he's the illest. Big time. Henry Rollins is ill because you know the whole straight edge thing, and Jesse's so principled, has so much integrity. You know, Ian McKay, who I don't really know, also, but you know, Henry to me is just maybe something about his life force and his energy. Mm, it, yeah. It's more big along time. the lines of mine than than. Ian McKay, I always mm. Henry's a, a hero to me. Got you, man. Yeah, and has always Ian's been respected. Guy. He's Henry's always been respected in the hip hop community. I feel. Henry yeah, because yeah. you got to yeah. respect Henry Rollins. He'll fuck you up if yeah. you don't. Truly, <laughs> truly, he's a scary dude. Like, yeah. he's Henry Rollins. Mm. Yo. Yeah. Um, fuck, man. Can we get to ODB? Yes. Ask him. We'll keep ODB, it going. Ask, bro. Ask. He brought the record oh, out right oh, now. Oh wow. Brooklyn Zoo, dude. Come on, okay, bro. Okay. I got. I remember getting that. I used to work street promotion for Electra back in the day. Crazy. And I remember when I when when I got that and I played it. You know when they, I, I did a flex yeah. where I played it like a hundred times in a row. Dang. I mean, look, I'm in the middle of I'm I'm working on this old dirty bastard dock with the estate. Oh nice. Oh wow. Yeah. We're almost done. We fucking we only have pickup shots left. Um. You know, it's it's what Sam Pollard is directing it. Um, I'm an EP on it. It's um, mm. I've worked on this thing for the last six months or so. Um, I'm doing the music supervision as well. And so he's really omnipresent in my thought process. We literally shot on Wednesday. We shot Steve Rifkin on Wednesday. So it's in my brain. All of it's like right here, right, right now. Um, and, what is this? This is fucking surreal, man. He's, um, <laughs> Dirty is like, man, he's the the wildest, the biggest, most eccentric, just next level, larger than life, cartoon character, maniac I have ever worked with. He was absolutely, completely bonkers, amazing. I loved him. He's also really nice, which people probably don't realize. Super cool. I got along with him fabulously. I only argued with him once or twice in our entire relationship. Um, and he was fanta fantastic, rough to work with, hard to get the record done. Um, RZA brought me the finished album, most of it. I think nine of the twelve songs or ten of the how many songs are on it mm-hmm. were already recorded. Um, the vocals were on the two inch reels he gave me, mm-hmm. and Dirty only recorded three or four songs. I think three post RZA giving me the reels. Yet it still took us a year to finish the record. Wow. That's so crazy. Um, So you do the math. math. In that time period, he got shot. He got arrested multiple times. He he jumped out of a window, was attacked by dogs in Queens. I want to say PCP may or may not have been involved. 
Um, did he get in trouble for getting food stamps while being in the he, he got in, That was after the okay. record came out. Yes, he okay. did. He he did. He was concerned that his kids, he might lose them to social services. Wow. Bro. Um, he, mm. you know, and I talked about that the other day because I finally got to my interview part. And um, I, I almost interviewed myself. Was, I wrote my own question, so it was funny. Um, so, so, um, That's interesting. That was weird. I mean, Jason, the, Jason Samson really did it, but he interviewed me, but it was like, whatever. So Jason's a great guy. So, we, you know, one of the things is I personally was really pissed off that that happened because I said, like, look, they're portraying this fucking guy as a clown. Mm. And it always bothers me that his art is overlooked and he's portrayed mm-hmm. as his clown. Mm-hmm. And people forget that he was an amazing artist who, mm-hmm. who was incredibly self-aware. And all of his imaging was him. Mm-hmm. No one invented that for him. He was a marketing genius. Oh. And people forget this. Yeah. Like, and, and there was no line between old dirty bastard and like, you know, there's no filter, right? Yeah. yeah. But there was, there was multiple dirties. There's old dirty bastard. I'll call him nighttime old dirty. And there's daytime, there's like Ace on Unique, Russell Jones. Mm-hmm. And they were like two different people, kind of. And, you know, when he's old, dirty bastard, it's fucking buck wild. It's buck nutty. You never know what's coming next. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's it's pretty crazy when he's Russell Jones. But he also, when he's Russell Jones, he's a father. He loved his kids. He loved his his, his lady, Isoline. Mm-hmm. Um, he was very, very kind to people around him. Me and him got along great. I, I loved hanging out with him, talking to him. He would come to my office to escape the world. The guy stayed at my house several times, slept on my couch or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Uh, he was fucking incredible. He was, you know, just mm. an amazing guy. Like, I loved him. That's and, beautiful. You know, him and yeah. Doom, him and Doom dying, like, pretty crazy. Say, you know, yeah. it's like, like, and another thing is that. They know each other? I don't think so. They don't okay. cross paths at the label. Yeah. Doom's gone before I signed bu- Dirty, but. Dirty is good friends with Buster, with Pooba. He's yeah. friends with all of us. So you're gods, part. Of, it's the gods. Yeah, you're a part yeah. of Oh Dirty's first record. I was the executive producer, and I and I also mixed it because no, RZA cool. was busy doing a lot of the stuff, so I ended up mixing a lot of it too. Right. Which um, that album, when you hear it sonically, I again, I'm I'm mm. just a because mm-hmm. I knew we were getting ready to to have you on, and I I'm a hip hop historian, yes, so you are. yeah, you know I, everything. I, I, I listened to that album. And when I listen to it, sonically, the bass in that. And so if you, if you know, yes. RZA had told me this. Yes. RZA told me this. He said, Dirty liked a lot of bass. And when I made that record, I had more bottom in it. Mm. And I was like, I got it. And I can't take any credit for the genius of any of the record itself, the, the production or any of it. I mixed that in necessity because I had to get it done. And it didn't, RZA was busy. RZA had the flood, the second flood. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. lost Raekwon's album. Mm-hmm. He lost Ghost's album. Yeah. He had to do those records over. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, he had to do Cuban Links story. over. And he yeah. had to do Ghost's album over. Um, and so, Tikal too? Wasn't I, don't, I think Tikal was out already. Tikal comes out before Dirty's records. Yeah, so yeah. I don't oh, think okay. so. Okay. Um, but he has to do his two of the best records he ever made. He has to do them over. Cuban Links. Uh-huh. Right? Oh, no. It's the records he does over is it's, it's Jizz's record too. Oh, Liquid, Liquid Swords? Yes, do that. He does that Good twice. God. He does that in Raekwon's album twice. Jesus. Those are the albums. That's crazy. So he man. had a lot to do. So mm-hmm. I ended up getting saddled with mixing the record. Look, I'd mixed a lot of records. I wasn't, you know, wasn't a rookie. He told me, yo, walk these dogs. So I helped walk the dogs. And um, it wasn't easy because I didn't have his blueprint. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we, we got it there. And, and um, 
you know, the bass was there. Dude, I'm like thinking about it right now. Uh, that track, The Stomp. Yes. It's like, Yo, doom, 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 so that's the only doom, record he, doom. that's one of the only ones he did in the studio. Yeah. And Dirty actually produced and that's that. that's all, that's Yo, all Yo, that record was, that he, he made all that bass. in the studio. He made that. So I go low. Sweet Taste sugar pie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like Yo. it. <laughs> Dude, that's. Tell me to go high, you tell me to go low. A lot of those rhymes were many years old. Some really? of those go back to to uh, the All In Together Now posse. Mm. And that was Jizza, Rizza, and Dirty. And Dirty yeah. was the beatbox. Yep. Mm, and, yep. you know, Jizza helped him write some of that stuff. Um, as I heard Jizza say in a podcast, he said, I'm, I might have helped write some of it, but the way Dirty said it, they were his rhymes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and they're, they're all cousins, those three. Yeah. Um, Jizzy even resembles Dirty a little bit. They kind of look alike in a way mm-hmm. when they were younger. Um, and I mean, the record was fucking a, an honor to be involved in. Look, Rizzo could have put that thing on any label. He put it with me. And he did it because I had the gods. Exactly. And I, <laughs> you know, and I was going to say, That's I why. heard an wow. interview. He said I that. heard an interview he said with Rizzo, and he was like, I'm putting them with the gods at Electra. I remember. Wow. And it's even giving me chills. He told about me, it. yo, he told me. Yo, I'm gonna give you your. I'm gonna get you your first gold plaque. And I said, "Wow, really?" He said, "Yeah, man." And and I wanted to be on electric because you got the gods. He says, "So I'm gonna put them with the gods." And that's why. So yep. you know, they yep. were, I mean, look, we talk about God, whatever. Well, there's Allah again, right? And and I'm not a Muslim. I'm not a Christian. I'm just a man. But I recognize it. I see it. The, there's a reason why he was there, mm-hmm. and it's because I had a connection to the gods. And that mm-hmm. once again goes back to my parents' political ideology, how I was raised. So, you know, I was very lucky, and, and I like, can see the line through it. And I, I couldn't see it till I got older, but, you know, it's it's very apparent. And my father, who had has instilled a lot of that political ideology in me, has had no idea what the fuck all Dirty Bastard was. He <laughs> 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 ain't fucking no How idea. many records did they end up selling? A million. Wow. Yeah, it's platinum. Yeah, and... and um, did Brand New Bean sell a million? No, 400,000. Which is surprising to me because that is a yeah you know I think classic. I think if you maybe by now by now it might be gold I would like to see if there's a way to get gold certification so yeah. if anyone at Electra Records hears this because you've relaunched a label and you give one shit about anything see if it's gold and send me a plaque how about their bass Pop Goes the Weasel is that a platinum favorite? first right. platinum record I ever produced and it pissed me off because when I made third bass I was making Brand Nubian and I look no slight on third bass those records were cool. I like them. They're good, good records. But Brand Nubian is a better record, and it didn't go gold. And yeah. we know, and we know why it big didn't time, go gold. Big time. I mean, there's two reasons. One, one's on Def Jam, one's on Electric. Def yeah. Jam probably would have made Brand Nubian gold. And they also, you know, they're white guys who have Pop Goes the Weasel. But you know, mm. back there's some at white that privilege time, there. You had Sylvia Roan. She wasn't there yet. Oh, she wasn't there yet. She came later. Ah. Uh, I got a, I got a jet. All right, bro. See you later, Chappelle. Love you, Chappelle. Chappelle's leaving us. Can you take the farts with you? <laughs> <laughs> this is beautiful. Is she still farting? I can't wait. No, she's not. It just seemed like a good job. All right, right Chappelle, hit me later. Yeah, take your Thank shoes. You, yeah, yeah. Thank you for the shoes. Yo, Lacey, hit me later. Have a good set tonight, too. Where are you at tonight? I'm at the store. Okay. I'm at the store tonight, yeah. Sick. He's sick, man. I got to go see him. All right, Chappelle. Yeah, he's so sick. Uh, what record did you do with Pete Rock and Seal Smooth? Both of them. Really? Yeah, Mecca and the Soul Brother. Yeah. No way, yeah. dude. Yeah, of I didn't even know that. Of course. Yeah, man. With Reminisce? 
Yeah, come on. Oh my God, Stop I had no that. idea. I did the EP too. All that was my shit. That, shit that record makes me emo. I, I was fuck, looking. For, I was looking for the Mecca and Soul Brother album in my collection. And I couldn't find it, I so mean, that's well, the only one. That I shit makes find. me emo. And, and, reminisce. Yeah. Oh my oh, God. Reminisce. Oh, come man, on, such man. Such a great song. I mean, and I want to be clear. Like when I say I did that too, I was the A and R guy. They did that. All my artists made their music. I didn't do that. I was just lucky enough to plug them in. I was in a place to do it, and Dude, the music was great to me. So album? I wanted to help them. That album, like Friend. I, I yo. remember. Summer. Neck and the Soul Brother, man. Yo, yo that no, that changed the way music was made. Big time. Everyone, Big everyone time. changed everything after that. That was huge, 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 huge. You, I mean, you're talking about three producers at that time. You're talking about Pete Rock, Tip, Tip, um, Large Pro, and Prem, and Primo, yeah, yeah, yeah. four, Primo, and then later on Rizza. And think, then, and on the West Coast, you also have Mugs. And then you had Mugs, you know, Mugs, so for it's, sure. You know, and there's other geniuses in there: Easy Mo B, Prince Paul. Oh Paul. yeah, there's about a lot. Easy there's a lot Mo of guys B. who yeah. were doing shit, but yeah, Pete changed, changed everything. Yeah. Like he, you know, it's bugged out too because they delivered. So a guy named Raul Roach, who's my boss, whose father's Max Roach. Wow. He's fr he's friends with he loves Heavy D. He's friends with Eddie F. Mm. He he's smart. He thinks that Heavy D, that kind of maybe R and B tinge thing could work at Electra, and he's probably right. Wow. Um so he he reaches out and develops a relationship with Eddie F, who produced a bunch of the Heavy D stuff. Eddie brings him Pete Rock and Seal Smooth. He likes it. Pete Rock's on WBLS. Mm. I know who he is. He's playing demos. His name's starting to be in the street. And my guy says, I want to sign Eddie F's group, Pete Rock and Seal Smooth. What do you think? I missed the first meeting. I came to the second one. And I was like, yo, it's great. You want to do this? He's like, I only, I only want to do it if you're going to back me up. He was more of a R&B guy. Mm -hmm. He was like Anita Baker's A&R guy, mm -hmm. like that guy. And I was like, yeah, man, let's do it. Let's go. He gave me my job. He's a wonderful guy, gracious cat. I would never not back him up in anything he wanted to do. He also signed Super Lover C and Casanova Rudd. Mm, he, he had yeah. good ears. He's a smart yeah, guy. Yeah. And he um, he ends up signing him. I'm the co-signee, I guess. And he leaves the job, though, before. He goes to run Quest. He goes to run Quest for Quincy before even the EP is delivered. So I get it dropped in my lap. Lucky. And um, we put out the EP and we service it. And we think Go With The Flow is the single. And Funkmaster Flex turns it over and starts to play The Creator. Mm, and he calls okay, me up. Right. Yeah, he, calls, he calls me up and says, yo, Go With The Flow ain't the single. I'm playing this shit, The Creator. He starts playing it. And then we service it as a single and it goes. So before his album comes out, he has a New York City bona fide hit record, The Creator. And he's rapping mm. on it. Which wow. is crazy. CL's not rapping on it. Yeah. Oh, yeah that's, and right, I know, that's right. And that's right. funny that you should say that because in my mind, ding, I forgot about the ding, creator being first. Yeah. But shout you know, out and to you know, Flex. And, and you know who wrote the creator? Pooba. Grand Pooba. Yep. That, that I did know. Okay. And because Pooba is Pooba cousins with Pete Rock? CL. CL. That's it. Damn, man. And, and uh, Pooba like, has like. I want to say Pooba has like 20 brothers or something. He has like a massive big family. He has like cousins everywhere. Um, and we wow. didn't talk about Grand Pooba. I'm just going to give a shout out to Grand Pooba because in his day, he was to me the best MC around. What, mm. uh, what did I, what, what did we talk about? Yeah, and that's how we talked about that too. Yeah, no, we, no, we he, was in my, he was in my top 10 for sure. Yeah, I yeah. want to put him in my top five, but I mean. The Pooba, body of work's not there. 
But yeah. you know, he, he did was, the What Goes Around album. Yes, yeah. yeah. I, I produced Ooh, a bunch of that too. Wow. He um, he's an so enigma. Good. You know, he is an enigma. He never really. I feel like he was always kind of scared to be as successful as he could have been. Mm. But but not to digress. He um he did write the creator, and um a couple other things for Pete. And look, man, that record went. It went like yeah. we got we caught one by accident, and and so by the time we go to deliver the album, there's demand for the album, and Pete Rock yeah. also does a Shut Him Down remix. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Shut Him Down remix. One of the best remixes ever. Dude, so good, man. Amazing remix. And he raps on it. So yeah. good, Pete dude. Rock, and I shut him down. Yeah, that shut him down. And he's remix. doing the ad libs. Oh. so he's like, it's a thing. And there's a jump around remix too. Yeah, I was about to say that when we were talking about House oh, yeah, of Pain, he did the, the house. Too. He did the jump around remix, uh-huh. which was incredible. So good, and it gave it another life. So yeah, you know, did, he right? was yeah, like that record in New York at least had another life, and 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 his rhyming it was good too. Yeah. Blood stains the yeah. ground. I jump around. That shit was dope. Damn. And I, I asked Eric if he wrote it. He's like, nah. I think Pete wrote it. So so I always thought Everlast wrote, but Pete wrote it. Um, That's crazy, so, man. So yeah. you know he. He becomes this thing, and they delivered the album, and and Trouble T. Roy had died mm. um, on tour in between the EP and the album, and he tells me he wants to, um, they want Eddie F. and Pete and them and CL, CL I think is most adamant about it, wants to put out. Um, they reminisce. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, it's a beautiful song. I don't know if it's a hit record. I was in the room when Pete Rock was making it, mm-hmm. Um programming that fucking snare Tom live Scott. yeah the Tom way he programmed Scott. the snare live went down the whole track no one had ever done that before so if you listen to the snares changed the whole record oh wow yeah they're they're shifting and moving they're all on but they're all like you know it's like a jazz thing so so no one had really done that before um and i thought that was fucking ridiculous and he's really showing out on that record because yeah. if you know Lars Fess used that record first for it's a boy remix for, yep. for slick rick yeah so he flipped it better um, and him and Large end up using a lot of same records. Which is I was weird. gonna say back in the day, I they feel were friends, like a though. lot of cats. Were yeah, doing it's that. true. Yeah. It's true. It's a lot of times yeah. it happened. And and um, Reminisce comes out and it's a hit record. Amazing and like when song, you say man. emo, yeah, it's a very emotional. Mm. You know, the first, man. you know, man, the first time I heard it, like it, it blew my mind. And the video, my oh. my, my high school friend did the video, Marcus Rayboy, who mm. was dating. Mm. One of the SD50s sister Gibby's sister Nadia wow. went out with him. So my friend from high school is does the video. So it's wow. super bugged out. Yeah, and just the whole thing worked. Yeah. It was just everything worked on that. It was like one of those times when everything comes together. You don't know why, how. Yeah. Just the, everything's aligned, and you know we talk about God, Allah, whatever you want to call yeah. this thing. It lined up there, and and you know the record was. Fin- a great working with those guys was great, man. I never had a bad moment with either of them. Those guys were the easiest to work with. I had to do the least. Pete was completely on fire. I show up, oh, I order is. a little bit of food, I smoke a little weed. CL tells some fucking jokes. We make fun of each other. I go home. <laughs> I go home with the tape with a fucking great song. Damn, I mean, dude. that, that was like, period of was time, so easy. Pete Rock was on fire. Yeah, on fire. Like he was literally doing every remix, everything. Um, CL was the pretty boy of hip hop. Every, I mean, every woman wanted CL's baby. You know what I mean? (laughs) It was like at a time. And I remember like there was a whole look around that time. It was like the African-American college hoodies. It was the 40 Belows and those Tim's. Beef and broccolis. Yeah, the beef and broccolis. Like 
AF ones. Oh my god! Time. The your leather, your leather jacket. Yes. You know what I mean? Like it's a, it was and a the look. Lexus. And the Lexus. Lexus. And Lexus. he talked about the Lexus yeah. coupe. I mean, it was that was the time? Yeah, that was a time. That was a thing. Like, and they they really they Lost embodied Boys. It. Lost Lexus Boys. Lost Boys. Yeah. They're right. That another great one too, man. Yeah, old Dirty Bastard almost got me killed by the Lost Boys. Really, dude? He <laughs> were those, were those legit cats. Yo, those guys were serious. Where are they from? Queens. Okay. Queens, yeah. Southside. Renee. Oh my God, Renee. Oh, that was the best. And I had to give a dog a yeah. of uh, is a dog a donut sample. Yeah. Cat Stevens. Yeah. I um. Damn. Dirty bum rusher show at the Palladium when he first dropped Brooklyn Zoo, maybe two three weeks afterwards, and he made the sound man throw on Brooklyn Zoo and he fucked their whole show up and they surrounded no. me. They were gonna fucking kill me. They were fucking gonna kill me and. Wow! Big Cap, Big Cap, rest in peace, saved my life. But I was also Big Cap the, from uh, uh, Gangstar Crew. Big, no, that's Big no, Show. No, that's Big, big Show. My bad. Yeah. Big, you're white. It's okay. We love you. <laughs> um, <laughs> Cap, Cap, um, Big Cap was Flex's big man. Show, yeah, he was the a, host. Yeah, host a lot of shows. Yeah. And and um, the Brooklyn Zoo were there, and they were thorough guys. And it was like a Mexican Damn. standoff between um, the Lost Boys and the Brooklyn Zoo, and mm. I escaped with my life and. And Dirty walked out of there chuckling about the whole thing. Oh my God! He and and, and um, tell the funky homo say yeah, because oh, I was wow. gonna say that's Dale. Ice Cube's cousin, right? Yeah, yeah. Ice okay. Cube's little cousin, Taron Jones. Damn, I'm making I all love this. this. And this is before Pete and them. Um, he comes out before. He's a West Coast cat. Correct? He is. He's from yeah. Oakland, California. And I, I said it earlier. I'm from San Francisco originally, so yeah. I have family out there. My dad lived there, right? So Dell was a two a two um, two fisted gem for me I got to go to California a lot and see my dad so when I work with Dell I get to spend time with my family that's cool which is really that's fucking crazy. cool um, and I love working with Dell he was amazing I knew Ice Cube from NWA mm -hmm. I met him at Skateland we stayed friends if you look at NWA's first record they thank me as Dante from Tommy Boy wow, wow. Um, <laughs> you know, incredible solo records Ice Cube <laughs> Oh, he's the game. He, oh, my God. Oh, like, let's you know, not even talk about when he got with the bomb squad. So, like, if Ice Cube hadn't become, like, the guy who's, like, how far are we or those movies and yeah. all that. He are we there would, yet? Yeah. Right. And and had such a long time, people would remember him as one of the all-time greats. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's the first, yeah. like, from NWA to America's Most Wanted to Death Certificate. Yeah. Lethal those, Injection. Those, Predator. Yeah. Oh, my God. He lost me probably with Lethal Injection a little me bit. Too. Okay. Me, too. But, me, too. But America's Most was wild. Oh, and and on, then Death man. Certificate was phenomenal so you know he was great and we were friends and he told me he was gonna you know, I'm, I'm gonna bring my cousin to you he's bugged out you're gonna like him and it was del the funky homo sapien i tried to sign mm. yo yo i couldn't sign her I love he's, yo -Yo. Like, he's like i got you on the next one and it was del wow. and del was designed to be ice cube's version of digital underground gotcha so that's yeah, why that that's, makes sense. that's why the first record is all that funk stuff and george clinton is mm. is on it and yeah. all that and yeah. it's got you know, it's got a lot of P-Funk to it. Yeah. Um, and that record didn't quite hit the mark. I think Elektra fucked it up. I think it should have been much bigger than it was because mm. it was commercial. Okay. But mm. yeah. this album, No Need for Alarm, is a result of those that commercial record not going as far as it should have gone. Mm. So he said, fuck all that. I'm going to make music like my boys, Hieroglyphics. Yes. And he made a record that was lyrical. Yeah. And it was it was all about rapping. Yeah. Um, and on this record, he raps his fucking ass off. Wow. Such and he was album. he was good friends with Doom. That was his man. And we were always trying to get a Doom and Dell record made. Wow. And we never got it made. That's one of those Damn. Yeah, exactly. One of those. And moments. I was I yeah. was um 
they were saying I should make it. And I was like, I'm not, I don't make beats like that no more. But I got every, every record in the world. And I just started sending Doom. One as far as I sent Doom folders of, of breaks to work on. Mm. And we never got it going. Um, we never got it made. We talked about it for 10 fucking years. Doom and wow. Dell album? That would have been incredible. And Doom would always ask about Dell, and Dell always asked about Doom. They were kind of kindred spirits in a weird way. And Dell was in New York a lot. He lived in my house for a while. Um, I had a, a place uh, in Chelsea, and I had a girlfriend. I basically gave Dell my house, and I went and lived with my girlfriend. And he was in New York all the time, and he's always wow. with, with Curious at Curious's house. He was yeah. around those guys all the time. Yeah. That's why Curious is on this record doing the intro for Boo Boo Heads, mm. which I produced. I produced a lot of Curious's record, well, half, like five songs on it, half of it, I guess. And um, Dell was and is an amazing person. I, I'll tell you one more crazy thing about Dell. So you know this. There's a guy named Domino who's part of Hieroglyphics. Yep, yep. He produces a lot of stuff. So I introduced Domino to Hieroglyphics. So I met Domino. Are you serious? Yeah, he's one of my best friends. I introduced him to wow. Dell because I met him in a record store called Groove Merchant. Where yep, I, I remember Groove Merchant right, real I, well. So I bought, it was like one of the first like, you know, kind of, Stores that specialize in selling sample material, right? Exactly. Like, like selling breaks and beats yep. in America. They had them in England, like Honest John yep. and, and yep. all those places yep. in England. Like I go to those places. What's the one at the famous one that Mr. Bongo and yep. I go to yep. all those stores. So but they didn't have them in America. So Groove Merchant I think is probably the first thing specifically for, for diggers. I'm a mm -hmm. digger. Yeah. So I met him from Mike McFadden, my friend who owned the store. I was in there and he and his wife Jody started telling me about this kid who worked in the, who had a studio in the back. And and she said, he buys all the records you make. And, and they were like, they kind of knew hip hop, but they were about in the, you know, funk and soul and jazz. Mm -hmm. And they're like, his stuff sounds really good to us. You should listen to it. We think it's really good. So I listened. He, we knocked on the door. He was there. They were my friends. And we started talking about records and he played, he's like, can I play you some stuff? And he played me a beat. And it was a record I had hooked up for Grand Poobah. It wasn't out yet, uh -huh. and it was it was um, a Nightlighter sample, and I was like, I just used that record, and mm. then he played me some other shit, and we had all the same. I played him my shit, and it blew his mind, mm. and we became friends over the Nightlighters. We bonded wow. over the band of Nightlighters, and we ended up digging for records. I I hooked him up on the phone with Dell and Kwame, Dell's boy. Yeah, he went and met them when I wasn't there. We came. I come back to San Francisco. Oakland, like a, the Bay Area, like a month or so later. And we run to, out to Oakland to hang out with High Row crew. Yep. He hadn't met all of them yet. Uh-huh. We went into a, we went to a club that they snuck in the back because they're all too young to get in. Yep, yep, yep. We ended up going to Opio's house? Opio's house, mm. I think, in the hills, Oakland uh -huh. Hills. And I have a tape of Beats, and so does Domino. And we start playing beat tapes. I have a, I don't know why I have beat tapes. We both had beat tapes. And they rapped to daylight from 2 in the morning to 6 or 7 in the morning. Doesn't surprise Rapping me. Wow. nonstop over our beats. And we're just smoking mad weed and hanging out. <laughs> Domino doesn't do any drugs. Mm -hmm. He's like you, 100% yeah. sober his whole life. Yeah. Um, and we, he becomes part of their crew. And he was a rapper well, he, then. I he forgot to tell you. ended up becoming their manager because right. I ended up yeah. bringing them to. He managed them. Yeah. Produced them. Yeah. And he still manages Dell. Yeah. And he was a rapper then named Domino D. Wow. And I never had the heart to tell him the rapping. I think he got the message, mate. That night, we drove back in the car and he said, I think I'm going to stop rapping. 
Wow. And he retired because hieroglyphs were so fucking good. Wow. And I, and he was rapping kind of like he was Bay Area style. Yeah. He was you know he wasn't yeah. too short, but he was like a Bay Area rapper. Yeah. Um. He didn't have he didn't have that that thing they had, and um. He still he worked with them to this day, and they're oh, that's a wild they're still story. like my family because I would be in the Bay Area a lot. Like I loved. I used to not like L.A. I used to only really like the Bay Area back in the day. And my dad lived there. And my sisters live out there. They went, they're from Oakland, mm-hmm. my half-sisters. So um, I was out there a lot because of family. And I would just always be with those guys when I wasn't working. And they're still my really good friends. My, this day, me and Tajay had a business together. Those guys mm-hmm. came to my father's like memorial. Like I speak to those guys all the time. Like They're still really close friends of mine. I have, some, I have some very ill hieroglyphic stories from many... Uh, tours or many shows that I brought them to all no not Orlando Austin Texas and I got to see some you know this is back in the day when ecstasy isn't like the ecstasy how it is now and uh, I got to see Dell and uh, you know them boys party hard casual a plus all of them but Domino as you said Domino is one of those guys who's very thorough yeah. Very. So whenever they came, it was like, okay, we've got hotels ready. Make sure they're on shows on time. He was very known. Yeah, he handles his business. Yeah. He's a great dude. He's one of the best people I know in the whole world. He's like one of my favorite people. Like in rap, I meet a lot. Of, I, I've made a lot of friends, but there's like a few people who become like your family. He's one of those guys who came like family. You know what? Hieroglyphics, all of them. It was like my family. Dell's like my little brother. Tajay I love is my, I love all those guys. I love, I, love Ape, I spoke to him the yeah. other day. Um, those guys are all, they're fucking great, man. Them dudes yeah. are all um, super cool. You know, it's like, I guess a lot of my artists became like family, like fucking X and Pooba and mm-hmm. all these guys. Like, it's bugged out. Like, yeah. um, it's it's a wild world we live in, man. And and um, working with those guys was fucking amazing. Mm. I would be with them in the Bay a lot. I loved the Bay. And, I, and this relates to you. It's a skateboarding thing. So they were friends with Javante Turner, the skater. And he was one of the EMB kids. So they ended up getting their music in early skate videos. Ah. They're in the early H Street stuff. They're in Questionable and Shackle Me Not. They have okay. songs in both of those. Mike Carroll cool. skates to Burnt, which is a Dell record. And he skates to Fear Itself. And Javante, JT, skates to some one of the songs too. So they're, the, they're besides, I think, the BCs is the first rap rap hip-hop groups to ever have music in skate videos wow. that's what they have it's always punk rock that's yeah. what they have a long long relationship with skateboarding cool. and it, it's really mike carroll and javante turner and i knew them i knew greg carroll i knew mike's brother and i remember they called me up and said we want to skate to this record um i was like how do you have that that's a demo they're like we got it from jt can we can we we play this when we skate all the time can we use it and I said, yeah. And they said, what do you do? I said, just use it. There was no clearances, nothing. Damn. Wow. Yeah. Just use it. Just use it. And, it was, that, yeah. and that's how they always had this other fan base. You know, they always have like the skate snowboard dudes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's because of this. Yeah. Wow. And, and that's, that's that's who I teamed up with in Austin with skateboard dudes. Makes sense. And that's whenever they come through and roll through, they'll come and hang out at the skate shop because all of those cats, all of the skate crews love them. You know, and then Crazy. obviously Wu Tang had big skate thing, and yeah, yeah, but it all comes after it's BCs and Hyro, and then all the other, you know, the floodgates. Yeah, open. yeah. Did you do the uh, second brand new Bean record? I did some of it. Well, I, I know they, I was the A and R guy. They produced it all. I produced a bunch of shit on. Um, was punks jump up about anybody in particular? Because some of the characters uh, in the video they some, resembled some people. I, 
I mean, hip-hop. I'll tell you who it's about a little bit. It's about Pooba a little bit. Okay. Yeah, I figured as much. You know, they're like, yeah. and they're talking about all the naysayers. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's specifically oh, about anyone, okay. but it's all the people who said like, because look, when Brand New Bean breaks up, everyone says, well, Grand Pooba's going to be a star. I don't know about those other two guys. Exactly. And, mm. and so exactly. I made... They were like, I was like, look, I got you guys signed. I'll give you a budget. Like, let, you know, I know what you guys are about. Like, let's see what you guys can do. And I okayed the record, which many people told me I was wrong about. And they kind of made that song to speak to all the naysayers. Okay, gotcha. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so um, and this record to me was better than Pooba's solo record. Oh, to real, me real. too. I thought Big it was time. better. It, it was a better record. It Big was time. militant and powerful and yeah. angry and, you know, like, confrontational i thought it was everything rap should and could be at at that point in time and i I was very impressed by how good this record when they delivered it to me um and and um how'd that do compared to the first one you remember about the same oh that's cool did pretty good and um punk jump up was a hit song yeah that was a big song so what's crazy is too that punk jump up the version that is the hit was the remix Mm. the Mm. other version was was delivered by diamond they delivered them both and I was listening to it and Jamar had the idea to flip it over. He mm. said, yo, I think the, re-, I said, yo, I really like the remix. He said, I think the remix is better. Could we make that the single? Wow. I said, yeah, why not? And we, we made it the single. So wow. that was really the remix. And love me and leave me love alone. Me. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's that right shit. There. That's, yeah, that's the, the joint. So good. That means I mean, I like, I like steal, steal your hoe was my shit too. Steal your hoe is a good and track. And then a lot you Akbar. Oh, like, come on, man. Especially if you're like a God. Yeah, like, just, that was know. the, that was, I mean, that was for me, that was in the height of me in not having knowledge yourself. So all the gods love that. Yeah, this record And the was, meaning of the 5%. Yo, yeah. man, this whole record is, the it's way just, they flipped that Marvin Gaye sample from Trouble crazy. Man, come on! This whole shit was dope. I yeah. like this record, and I really, I really liked working with them actually without Pooba because they showed up on time and they were like, "Great!" I like, I love these dudes. Mm. And it's funny we always hear like Jamar, like people like he doesn't like these, you know, his things. And I never had no bullshit with Jamar. That's my guy. That's my brother. I love him. And we were talking. He follows you, so yeah, yeah. He probably that makes sense. He follows you. him and Grand yeah. Poopa. I was like, holy crap, this that is makes sense. OC too. I love OC. He man. was great. Word life. Oh yeah, my that god, dude. You know, I almost signed OC, and I didn't sign him because Search was just. He was signing a Search, and I didn't sign him because I didn't want to work with Search because mm. he's just too mm. difficult. I was like, life's too short. Yeah. The irony of that is the guy who brought him to me worked for Search. His name Mark Pearson. My boy Sake, he's like my be- one of my best friends this day. I talk to him every day. We have a company together, and he's like my partner in this yeah. IP company. So, and he brought me OC, and he always likes always says to me, I remember when he told me life's too short. Mm-hmm. Like if Search wants to step to the back and just let you do it, I'll sign him tomorrow. And Search wouldn't do that, so I didn't sign him. That's incredible. Wow, that's that album is perfect oh, front to back. It's perfect. Yeah. Omar yeah. Creedle, nice guy. Organized confusion. I tried to sign oh, them too. I didn't. Did you yeah. really? I did, and I don't know. I think I just fucked the deal up. I think, I think it was my fault why Damn. I didn't get him. Wow. I probably, I probably could have had him, and I just did some. I don't know. I just think my follow through was shitty or something. Like, Extinction level. Oh, it's so oh, good. Come on, that they album right there. So good. Pharaoh Monch is Pharaoh. so good. He's mm. definitely top five most underrated of all time. Big time. Pharaoh Monch. Big yeah, time. Yeah. I always felt like Eminem got a lot of wordplay from Monch. Mm-hmm. The way he yeah. flipped his rhymes. Like oh, it was big very, time. Very similar to me in, in a lot of levels. Word is Bond is up the next one, right? That's a big one. Yeah, Word that's, is Bond. Yeah. yeah, that was I didn't Word is Bond didn't do too well. Mm. It was like it wasn't really it didn't really connect. It was yeah. I think misguided a little bit. Yeah. I probably should have put my foot down um and tried to interject some something to it and steer him the right direction. But 
I had a lot going on, and I was—I'll be honest—I was focused on dirty. Mm. Yeah. My focus yeah. was yeah. my focus was on dirty, and look, man, dirty was like catching lightning in a bottle. Yeah, you know how For do you, sure. how do you how do you share that with the world? Yeah, how do you get it right? I'm only gonna get one chance to do this. You know, let me get this to the finish line. Yeah, and um, was that a platinum record too? Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. platinum singles too, and it was yeah. it was you know I saw the end zone. How do I get there? Right? That was one of those, and we got it there. You know, it was not easy, but but completely worthwhile. And like, look, the guy like. Did that change his life, that record? He, it might have... Look, this is fucked up to say, but the success of that record combined with the success of Wu-Tang might have mm. might have ruined his life. Mm. You know, yeah. this guy's a guy who probably had mental problems. He yeah. probably had mental issues, you know, mental health problems. Mm-hmm. Definitely had substance abuse problems. Yeah. Um, was raised in a dysfunctional environment. A loving dysfunctional environment. Yeah. But in group homes, somewhat institutionalized and, and other things. And... And he was not built for fame and fortune. Very few of us are. Yeah. You know, and when you come from that background, I mean, you you know, was Gucci Mane built for yeah. fame and fortune? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and you see the results of what happens. Like, Gucci yeah. got his life together now, but you saw what he had to go through to get where yeah. he's at. Yeah, and, sure. and that's, you know, we're in an era now where you can talk about substance abuse, about mental health issues, mm-hmm. right? Um, you back couldn't, then, back no. then, it wasn't really a yeah. thing. Yeah. And, you know, for black people, Especially I think it's, it's always folks. harder, man, yeah. you know, to confront mental mental health mm-hmm. issues. It's like you're vulnerable. No one wants to be vulnerable. Yeah. Sure, you your emotions and be sorry. Right. You, can't, you can't afford to be vulnerable, right? Yeah. So I think that the success probably contributed to a spiral. Mm. You know, look, everyone's everyone's not born like the Beastie Boys. Yeah. yeah. You know, like yeah. those guys are thoroughly upper middle class guys with like a pretty evolved existence. Mm-hmm. So they're prepared for this thing, fame and fortune that comes. Yeah. And it has some some negative effect, but there's no huge repercussions. A lot of people aren't born and bred to, you know, for this thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? What about hard to obtain from Long Island? Oh, they're great. So there, was a band <laughs> called, there was a band called H2O that he signed. Really? I didn't sign them. Oh, I produced them. Oh, I got him signed to Atlantic. Yeah. I produced them. Um, they were Dante wasn't sure because it was H two O, and then there's a hip hop group. We're like, who the fuck was this band? It was crazy. Hard to obtain. And and, yeah. and they were friends with the person who worked with the Yolanda. Yeah, Ross is their friend and our friend. She dated Gamble. That's right. She was like part of our crew, and they. She was my boss at Nana. And they grew up wow. with KMD. Huh? Wow. They not know that Doom. man. They grew up with Doom. They're from, from Lakeview. Long Island, Lakeview. Really? Yeah. He was Doom. And, Doom and and those guys were barbers. Wow. And so was Low, one of the guys in H2O. So I got a lot of free haircuts in my rap group. <laughs> <laughs> but that was cool because, like, yeah, I remember hearing the name. Like, there's a hip-hop group for this Yeah, I show. thought there might be, like, is there going to be beef? But there's never beef. <laughs> it it, it never crazy. got to be, like, no, no. like sick of it all. And, and it, Bob Deep and the I, dragon. And uh, I was like, I remember they asked me about that. I was like, yo, those guys, sick of it all, they're, they're not punks. Yeah. Like, you know, they're real guys. They're a lot like It was you. a meeting at Loud that my friend Trevor made it sick of it all. And yeah. they went there and it Trevor Bob Silsworth. Deep. Yeah. And they, they cooled it all out. And it was a standoff, huh? It was well, like it, a, was, it, was, it turned out pretty positive. It was I think. peace, yeah. I think. Everyone yeah. became friends. Yeah. I think they became kind of friends. Well, and we were talking about the time where rock and kind of punk Judgment and, night, and, all and yeah, hip-hop mm-hmm. kind of bridged the gap, Bio so has to speak. onyx, all that stuff. Those that was things. a weird moment. It was cool in the beginning, and it's cool when the BCs and Run DMC do it. And then it becomes a huge pile of shit. <laughs> <laughs> and it becomes one of those things yeah. where you're like embarrassed to be associated with it. You're like, oh man. Mm. Like it was, talk about a cultural appropriation. Mm. You know, it was like, a, and, and I don't think Biohazard was appropriating anything. Biohazard, Scott worked at Rush. Yeah. This was yeah. a natural yeah. thing. Yeah. Onyx and Biohazard made a lot of sense. Judgment Night, 
I don't think was cultural appropriation either. I don't that think was anyone, a classic album. I don't classic think anyone was trying game, yeah. to be any. No, uh, no. My, what's your favorite song at Judgment Night, by the way? I do like the Onyx one, the Bionyx one, Judgment Night. There's another one. There's so many good another ones Another body. Like the Dela one. I like the free Another body one. murdered. Or another Mike victim. Patton. Just another, another victim, yeah. kid. Oh, Mike. Also painted Mike, helmet. No, what is no I like the one. Mike Patton and Booyah Tribe. Mm. Another body murder. Wow. Dude, there's so many songs in there, though. Yeah. Just like the victim, Kid House of Pain. I, I love Mike Patton, so I love that song. That was a pretty sick name, because that's because that was like the New York thing, like hip-hop and hardcore kind of was in this, go to CB's, go to Limelight. That's Lime a downtown Light. thing. Yeah, go to Limelight, go to CB's, go to hip-hop, go to Sheets and Pillows. I mean, I don't want to, you all. know, like me and my crew, or I should say my crew, we invented that. We were the kids who were into punk rock and hardcore mm-hmm. and hip-hop. Yeah. That was the way we did it, and that's a New York tradition. Yeah, yeah. And we were lucky enough to be kind of the people who maybe did it, did it first. But and then our generation came right after. Us us. Yeah, yeah. We see, see, but, the see by the stuff. time you guys did it, Leeway was the first hardcore band I seen do it. Mm. Leeway, Eddie dressed like a rapper, but yeah. he was in hardcore band. True. Mm. And I, and I thought Eddie was the first stylistically the first guy to put on the b-boy suit to sing in a hardcore band. It's mm. a great great point, man. You know, and and I love Eddie. You know, I yeah. hope he's doing okay. Um, and Leeway were cool. You know, I was supposed to do their second album, and for reasons unknown, we never pulled it together. Desperate measures. We were supposed to do it. We should have yeah. done it, and we ended up not. We for some reason never pulled it together. But we were always talking about it. And we never got it done. Wow. Yep, and you got to put Anthrax in there. They did, you know, bring the noise. I was gonna say you got to mention you know? Anthrax. Anthrax and Public Enemy. That was a and great, look, those guys, yeah, those guys, real were, big. those guys were at Def Jam telling Chuck D they loved them years before yep. that happened. Yep. I knew those guys. They were nice guys. They were the first heavy metal dudes I ever met who were cool. Mm. Whatever happened to them? I mean, they're still out there they're doing playing, it. Playing next week. Yeah, they're probably, are they really? They yeah, probably yeah, sell yeah. it out. Yeah, like, and sure. I'm sure they're probably still friends with public enemy I'm oh sure yeah for are, sure that was a relationship they posted something recently with i mean them, scott yeah. ian when when um danny boy broke his foot went on tour and did danny boy's parts with house of pain that's right dude mm. scott ian and and charlie those guys love rap music they were like you know i i uh, i'll tell a quick anthrax story they um they had a quarter pipe up in yonkers i skated it mm-hmm. um it had a new york hardcore logo on it later i think people didn't like them Using that logo, who there cares? There was some beef. There was some, some beef. Yeah, I remember what happened with Jimmy. That. I remember. Um, but those guys one time took me to them. Dom DeLuca, I think, was was there. Shout out to Dom. Dom, Brooklyn Projects. But it was Scott Koenig. Rest in peace. I love you, yes. Scott. Scott Koenig and Mike Schnapp. Uncle Mike, we Mike love Schnapp. you. We go with the Anthrax guys to see Iron Maiden. At the Meadowlands, at their, it's the it's the you know the apex. Damn. Wow, Eddie, and we have fucking great seats and after party everything, and I go we're at the after party. You know, Anthrax is there. It's fucking rad, and they're like Charlie grabs me. He's like, I think it's Charlie, and he's like, him and and Mike and those guys are like, yeah, we got to show you something. I'm like, come on, we have laminates. Ah. We got to go look at the 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 floor, the audience. So I said, why? I go, don't worry about it. Come on, we got there and scattered throughout. Uh, the Meadowlands, the Brenda Brand Arena, there was passed out dudes in their own puke. Like maybe 30, no. 20 or 30 of them. Jesus. And they're bringing out wheelchairs to like take these guys out. Like in different pockets, but all these guys wow. got so wasted wow. at the metal show. And then we leave that show. We go in the parking lot. There's cars on fire in the parking lot. 
and we go to see Fishbone at the Palladium. Jeez. Wow. No, not the Palladium, at, at the Ritz. After wow. that. And right one night that. I saw both those shows with it's those guys. And the fact, the fact that those guys were hip to both those worlds and rap. That's cool, man. And it changed the way I looked at heavy metal dudes. Dom, Scott, Uncle Mike, Anthrax. They were the first metal dudes I ever met who were cool. And later on, Scott would take me to see Metallica at Lemoore. Because wow, he would be like, I know you're gonna like this band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, like for me, like um, I don't, I can't say I always loved heavy metal, but I always liked the absurdity of heavy metal. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's so fucking funny yeah. to me. And and you know, there's some metal bands I liked. So the rock rap thing was was bugged out. Um, it's it spiraled to dog shit pretty fucking quick. <laughs> it didn't know, last long. Thank God. Oh, because then this rap metal after that. Yeah, The new metal, like it was fucked that. up. Yeah. It was like, because rap rock was beasties were cool, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I do think Judgment Night was cool, and and I think um, Anthrax was yeah, cool. Yeah, Anthrax were that real was cool. cool. That was cool. Yeah. Like that shit was dope to me. And then then it changed. Yeah. yeah. And then you know we got you know the beasties obviously are rock rap I guess they pioneer it and that's great. Yeah. Yeah. License to ill. Yeah. You know, and then you get this thing, and it's funny because I'll, I'll do the segue like we talk about. You know, I, I produced Whitey Ford and all that. Yeah. So we were like, I thought Beck was fresh. Mm. I thought Odelay was dope. Mm. And I thought the Beasties were dope. And I even liked some other peripheral bands. Like I thought Cake was interesting. I remember yeah, Cake. cake, yeah, cake. Yeah, yeah. You know, going yeah. the Distance I thought was interesting. Yeah. I was like, Going for Speed. Yeah, yeah. That shit was interesting, right? Yeah. Those bugged out mm-hmm. to me. I was like, oh, they're doing something different. And Rage Against the Machine were oh, phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was fucking oh, yeah. loving them. Like, yeah. you next know, level. Next level. And they're yeah. before this, this this thing, but there's these these predecessors to new metal to rap rock that were cool to me. I liked all the stuff I just named. And I'm I'm sure I'm forgetting a couple other things that were hip too. And obviously the Beasties and they're picking up instruments again, check yeah. the head. Mm-hmm. You know, Sabotage, all that right. Shit. All yeah, that yeah, shit yeah. is super fresh to me. Um, that's the home team, so you know I'm, I'm partial. I like this group called Eels, who Mike Simpson from the Dust Brothers produced. Mm. They're kind of in the Beck thing a little bit, mm-hmm. kind of a little remember, more Beatles. Remember, uh, Urban Dance Squad. I didn't like them, but I did like you know who I liked. I liked Faith No More. Ooh, me too. Mm-hmm. They were tight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so and they were kind of rap rock too, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so I um I like that stuff, and then I go and I, you know, we we me and Eric are like me and Everlast connect. House of Pain's over. My career was kind of shitty. I left Electra. I'm mm-hmm. fucking, I don't know what I'm going to do next. Like, um, I have this crazy fucking girlfriend. I'm getting all this fucking, getting fights with these dudes. So it's like fucking just beef is everywhere. It's, shit is fucked up. And how was you like there? Where were you living? You I lived some- on 13th Street and 6th Avenue. I, I mean, I had money. And I had you made nice somebody you're comfortable with. Yeah, I had, I had a nice done. duplex. I had a little Dude, studio in, in the back. In, in the back room was like three, uh, it was like two bedroom. It was like big. Nice. Mm-hmm. It had a skylight. It was cool. Um, it it was um uh, nice enough to impress chicks. So, mm-hmm. so so um, and I don't know if you know this back. There was a time period when I just like, uh, I I did like every hot modely chick in New York for a minute. I was dating like all the chicks. Like I was, mm. I was okay. in it. Your man Walter Sheffles was in the same category as me. Walter Sheffles. Sheffles. We were both dating similar kind of hot chicks. <laughs> mm. He was my boy. I like Walter. He's great. Yes. Yeah, Quicksand was fucking Amazing, great. Dude. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Um, they're one of the best of th- that of heart, like that kind of music. They're the best. Like, they set it up, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. post Fugazi, they're the thing. Yeah, yeah. And and um, shout out Quicksand, Sergio Vega. Yes. Um. So anyway, um, we decide we're gonna make a rap record. He comes to New York. House of Pain's over. He's yesterday's papers. I might be yesterday's papers. 
and he's living, not living, staying on my couch for like months on end. And we started making a rap record and we did a couple of songs. We did Dollar Bill, which is on mm-hmm. the album. I did The Letter. We did a version of Ends. My boy did it. That was a rap version. Wow. And and um, we're not sure what we're going to do, but we're working and we're having fun. We're, that's the other thing. We're having fun hanging out. Mm-hmm. We're hanging out. Yeah. And we and we we um we used to go to all the hip hop clubs and we used to go to like all the trendy clubs. But we started going back to I, I would say I went back to my roots. We started hanging <laughs> on, on the east side again. Yeah, yeah. I started going to Max Fish in Niagara. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think I went to Max Fish because I knew the bartenders and no one would bother us. No one would be like, yo, Everlast, what's up with Elsa Payne? Yeah. Dudes would like look at him like, I don't, like, what the fuck are you doing here more? Like, mm-hmm. like, get out of here. Yeah. And so we became friends with some guys there and we drank there for free and we go to Niagara, we drink for free. So we started hanging on the east side and I, I was working with this other band that you probably, you might know called Roguish Armament. Yeah, dude. So I was going to do, love. so I was going to do their shit. He's already for the bad brains. Right. I was doing their, 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 he knows. I mean, <laughs> so we were doing their little demos with them. Yeah. I was doing them. And um, he ended up having a big TV show on MTV too later did. on. And I produced a solo record that flopped. Okay. So, so we were, um, <laughs> we were like boys and, and um, Chippy was hanging out with us and I started hanging out on the East side and it was like a lot of cool, different kind of chicks there. And it was just different. It was like, cool. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. It was like, it was a break from being fabulous and all that shit. I didn't have to worry about like the, pre- the social anxiety that came with being in certain places didn't yeah. exist there. Mm-hmm. So with that came a new soundtrack. We listen to different music. Yeah. Mm. Whitey Ford. So surprisingly, I was into Britpop. I liked Oasis. I thought definitely. Damn, he just left oh, Chappelle's def- favorite I, band. I thought, de- I thought the, the record before th- before they broke, definitely maybe the first one. Yeah, it's going mm. to. was fantastic. Okay. I liked The Verve. Mm. They were sick. Yeah. Okay. I liked Massive Attack. Oh, come on now. I loved Portishead. Yes. Mm. Yes. Um, I like this band that was pretty obscure, a jazz band called Combustible Edison. I remember that name. Mm. They didn't really, they didn't go the distance, but they were dope. Yeah. Um, I like the Sneaker Pimps. Mm. I like Chi- more Chiba. I like. Oh, that was a that was a whole era you were talking right. about. There. Trip hop yeah. stuff. Yeah. So I was like Blur. I like Blur a little. Yeah, I like them. They were kind of cool. Stone Roses. Stone Roses for sure. Yeah, and I, got I, to. I, um, Charlatans UK, but I yeah. really the band I really liked was Radiohead. Yes. So Come they on. were my shit. Shout out to Tom York. And I didn't. I only had known Creep and Everlast for me on the Radiohead. He was like, listen to the whole album. It's before the bands came out, mm. and and um, I had this on again, off again girlfriend, another one, and she loved Radiohead. She was turned me on to Radiohead, and I started listening to Tricky too, mm. and all this other I was shit. So say Massive Attack, you know, and Tricky and, and hip hop was. Hip hop was jiggy. It was yeah, Foxy Brown. Yeah, I wasn't. Was I wasn't really. Shiny suit, yeah. yeah, I wasn't yeah. fucking with it. It was. It had lost its luster. So I'm in the East Side and listen to all this other kind of music and start hanging out Coney Island High a little bit. Yeah, you know. So degeneration. I right. Yeah, I go yeah. to Green Door. Green Door. As, yeah, as yeah. Jesse would say, you are the you are the most hip hop motherfucker at Green Door. <laughs> you are the most hip hop motherfucker here. And I was like, yeah, so I'm gonna leave with the hot chick. Watch. <laughs> it's true. There's some chick with like you know fucking. The, a bad tattoo on her elbow or so you know what I'm talking about so, <laughs> so wore, wore all black or whatever you know so um, you know we just kind of changed up our swag and we seen Check Your Head popping and the Beasties always a big influence they're, they're our friends and you know Yauk is my man and all this shit and we're like trying to check out some other shit because 
we're kind of we don't fit in with where hip hop is right there and and um we had done a couple rap songs <laughs> this is so so I was like I had many many girlfriends and Eric would always make fun of me for it he's living on my couch I'd come home with a different girl I was juggling and he'd be like juggles you know he's always like had a joke he's like you know always had a comment like Mexico, like, like whatever, so fucking dumb shit. So I said, so I came home with this girl. She was, she was a model chick. She was like, like, um, really piercing blue eyes, but she looked very Irish. She was pale, mm. black, straight hair, tall, thin. Not my usual, not not my usual flavor, but beautiful. And she was, um, he goes, home team, because <laughs> he's Irish. She looked Irish, and I said, word. He, she goes, what's that about? Oh, no, nah, that's my man. Yeah, she says home team every time I come home. Oh, my God. It's my boy. She's who is that? I was like, that's Everlast. She's like, oh, my God, he he looks so different now. It's like, yeah, you know, I'm sure you wanted to bang him when he was jumping yeah. around, like, yeah. whatever, you know, whatever. Busting the balls. One now day. he's laying around. Yeah. He was in a pair of, he was in a pair of uh, basketball shorts. Oh, my God. Okay. And, like, you know, like a fucking cutoff sleep. He was, like, lounging. Yeah. yeah. And, and he had, oh, that's what it was. I had a guitar in my studio. We we're working, and he said, "Yo, can I borrow this?" It was John's Hummingbird, and he said, "Yeah, take it, take it." Um, and so he had the guitar in the house. I don't really play guitar, but he he was playing it on the couch, sitting there with it, and I, he played Neil Young songs. He could play guitar, you know, singer songwriter shit. Um, and I I went in the bedroom and handled my business, and 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 I and I was finished finishing my business all twelve seconds later. And, and 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 I I get up to go to the bathroom, I have boxers on, and I hear him playing what it's like. Wow, he's playing that intro. Yeah, and he's playing it, and he's and I'm like, what the? I heard it when I got up, and I what the fuck is that? And I ran over in my boxers, which is weird. We're two thirty-some-year-old guys in our. He's got shorts. I got boxers on. We're in my living room. And 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 he's 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 like, yo, what's up? I was like, play that again. He's like, really? I was like, play that again. He's playing it. He's like, what is that? It's a song I wrote. Let me hear that again. And he starts singing it. And it's, wow. it's what it's like. Wow. Damn. And I'm like, yo, play that again. I'm fucking. And he's like, yo, do you have a girl in the other room? Like, fuck, get out of here already. Like, you're boxers, mm. weirdo. And I'm like. Yeah, we got to record that. And he's like, maybe. I don't know. I was like, yeah, we're going to record that. And I go and whatever. And wake up the next day and I'm like, yo, we're going to record that song? He's like, I'm not ready to do that. Damn. I go, I go, why not? Once I do that, I can't go back. I said, wow. fuck, going, fuck going back. Let's go forward. Mm. And he said, what? I said, yo, man, we need to do that. He's like, Whatever. He leaves the guitar, and I'm bothering him about, we're working on a song, I'm bothering him about it. He was he did the song The Letter that day, I remember now. Mm-hmm. I made the beat right there on the spot. I made it on the 1200, and I was like, I had the sample modulating, like tuned the difference, so you could hear it. You could hear me really, can, the way I made it on 1200. And he um, he writes his rhyme, he, he writes his rhyme in his head, he does the song, we do it mad quick, and, and I'm just like, yeah, but we gotta do that other song. He's like, like enough already, so... We go to my house and I'm still on him about the song Jeez. Mm. And, and I haven't played it and I figure out maybe we'll tap my feet. I know the tempo. I, I have an idea for the drums for it. I bring the guitar to the studio tomorrow. The fucking guy with the song. So he brings, <laughs> he brings the guitar to the studio and Gamble's there and Gamble can play every instrument. So 
And and I'm just like, play that for Gamble. Come on, play it. So he plays it. And Gamble's like, and I remember that Gamble had said to me a year, uh, maybe six months, eight months earlier, he said to me, if Eric did some Rage Against the Machine shit, mm. he, could, he could win. Yeah. And I remembered him saying mm. that to me. That was a very good idea. And then he looked at me like. That's it. And then I said, yo, I think I got drums for that. He said, what? I think I got the drums for that. So I pulled out a famous breakbeat. I'll leave nameless. <laughs> and I chopped it up right there. And he, I said, this is, this, does that tempo work? That works. He records it to the breakbeat. I take the snare and I do the Pete Rock and I play it down the whole track and after, mm, afterwards yeah. and put crashes in it, right? And I Pete Rocked it out. He played the bass. We had to borrow bass and he played the bass. The song is done in a matter of two, two three hours, finished. Start the finish. Jesus, man. And he does, this, I think it's his first vocal pass, maybe second. He always hits everything the first or second time when he raps everything, he's always got to get the first takes with him. Yeah. And he never liked to hang out too long in the studio. That's another thing. He always trusts, yo, I'm going to leave. You know what to do. So I did a little mix wow. on it. And I was like, yo, this shit, is, this shit is dope. And I played it for my homegirl, Jill. She's like, oh, this shit is dope. And I played it for Chip. Chip lost his fucking mind. Chippy went crazy. So he we realized we got, and he was like, I got another singing song. How you do? So we do seven years. Mm. And that's got a kind of New Orleans bounce to it. I kind of mm-hmm. popped the drums off, sounded like some kind of New Orleans shit. Like some Toussaint. Yeah, kind of, yeah, Toussaint. second su- yeah. second Jesus, line type man. shit. Yeah. I start doing that on, on the beat, and we nail it, and I, I have the beat changes, it comes back, we did it, I thought it was dope. So we went to Tommy Boy, who was, who, was, um, who had him in New York working with me, <clears throat> and we give him those two songs, a letter, we give him four songs, Dollar Bill, The Letter, and what I think like. seven, what it's like, the letter, dollar bill, and seven years. And they call us up, Monica Lynch, my dear friend, and Albi Ragusa, mm-hmm. who, my other dear friend, and they were like, this is it. Like, you got it. So that album is on Tommy Boy. It is, because he signed wow. to Tommy Boy. So, so they're like, Monica and Albi okay me to do the whole rest of the record. We're working Jeez. on music for like a week or so. And I go out and I bump into my ex. She's with my friend. A, f- a fiasco ensues. Oh, I come home and I destroy my house with a baseball bat. Jesus. Wow. My bedroom. And I'm going to kill this guy. And he says to me, when I finally calm down, yo, D, I think you should come to LA and we should finish the record in Cali. It'd be better for you. Wow. And I said, we could do that? He said, why not? I said, like, let's go. <laughs> I'm down. Wow. So he works it out with the label. They pay for us to go there. We talked to Gamble. Gamble's like, yeah, I'm going to build a replica studio of our studio in LA. They do it. I ship out 14 crates of records. Wow. All of our equipment. Jesus and we set up shop in his house on Mount Olympus and we make the record. Wow. And that record's all recorded in his house. Uh, lo-fi. And it becomes a huge hit. Huge man. Did he expect it to be that huge? None of us did, but <laughs> I'll, t- I'll tell you this: we both knew we had a very good record. Well, I, I knew it was one that and Brand Nubian was two records in the middle of doing them. I know I have greatness. Mm. I'm like these records. This is great. Like Damn. I'm like this is great because that's not. I mean, yo, everyone I played it for would fucking lose their mind, and they knew it was him. Yo, a lot of people. Yeah, like people would know. Like 
I had this English friend, Tim Easton. He lived in Santa Monica. He's like, he was the polo guy. This is bizarre. He was the face of polo. Mm-hmm. He's one of my really good friends. Yeah. He's like a huge male mob. He's like really knows music. Like English guy. English yeah. people know music. Yeah. He comes over and I play it. He loses his mind. I'm going out with this girl. Uh, the girl lives across the street. Over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She loves the record. She hears it every day. Her friend Julie Z loves it. My boy Lou. All the guys I know in L.A., and they, everyone's, people start talking about it. People are like, yo, I heard you're doing this record. It's really fucking crazy. Yeah. It's like the street internet. So mm-hmm. I like, I would bring people to the house to play the record for them. Yo, come up the hills. Fucking, we got a pool. I'll play the mm-hmm. record. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had a cadre of people who all confirmed my belief the record was very, very good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we took the Tommy Boy when it's finished. And it was hard to finish it. You know, he... Fucking, he has a heart attack when we do the yeah, last song. Right. What? I record the last song. He has a heart attack. We did the song. Mm. Uh, what's what's? Um, I'm fucking having a brain fart right now. Was there any signs that? What, yeah, he had a heart condition, which I wasn't aware of. Damn. He's born with a degenerative valve, mm. so he was on Coumadin, and and we do um, tired. The last song, ironically titled "Tired," mm-hmm. and he goes upstairs. He feels like shit. I make fun of him. Tell him to stop eating from Damiano's. Mm. Fucking worst Italian food in the world. <laughs> he he has he looks terrible. I go to my girlfriend's house. She's in Vegas for a magic convention. Mm. I finally have the house to myself. I'm like, I fucking stretch stretch out like I can do anything. I'm fucking in the house alone. I had never been I was always with those two guys or yeah. with her. Mm-hmm. I had no free space. Gamble called me and told me he had Yo, Eric just had a heart attack. It's like, oh, the phone rings. It's like three in the morning, four in the morning. Mm. I didn't want to pick up the phone. Wow. Because, you know, you pick the phone in the middle of the night. Someone died always, right? Yeah. 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 Someone, that's or common. someone's in yeah. jail. Yo, can yeah. you bail me out? <laughs> you got bail yeah. money? So I'm like, oh, fuck. So I, do, I didn't pick the phone up, but woke me up and they called again. And I was like, oh, this fucking guy. So I picked the phone up and he was like, John had a heart I mean, Eric had a heart attack. He's in the hospital. So what do you mean? He said, I called the ambulance. Uh, right away I waited till they got there They won't let me they, they wouldn't let me Get an ambulance with them But I'm at the hospital right now You need to get here So on my way there Eric has a second heart attack Jesus His aorta separates I walk in And John looks like he's Shot Like he's beat It's like 4 in the morning 4 something At Cedar sinai He's like yo Before he got Eric Had a massive coronary He's in critical condition called Code Red. He said it sounded like a pinball machine went off with all the machines. Like all these people ran Jeez. in there. They're gonna do, I think they're going to do open heart surgery. We've got to get his mom. We find, I call his mom. I wake her up. She like whatever talks to doctors. They they put him under the knife. He does, gets has double bypass. He's in the hospital for 16 hours. No, he's in the hospital mm. for days. We're in the hospital for 16 hours straight. We don't leave. We don't leave from 4 in the morning to that night like wow. 10 o'clock or something and when we think he's going to make it. Mm-hmm. And we're still not sure. And he pulled through. He fucking, he made it. You know, he fucking he lived. Wi- he was willed to make it. And he's, and he's, yeah. and he's all fucked up. And he, you know, he's like, he can't even like see anyone for a while. And um, I want to go back to New York. I haven't been home for eight months. And I was sick of being in New York. I mean, in LA. I want yeah. to I'm paying rent on my house. Mm-hmm. I want to fucking go. So, Wow. So we always planned on mixing a record in New York. Oh, that's the other thing. I stole Pete Rock's engineer, Jamie Staub. 
Because mm. I want it to sound like a Pete Rock record. I want Pete yeah. Rock. Really? I want it to have that kind of snap to it. Mm. So I um, hired Jamie. I told Eric I have to go home to fix the record. I'll be back. Mm-hmm. And I go, he, he told me, go, fi- go finish the motherfucker. Mm-hmm. I went home and I finished the record. I mixed it without him. I guess I did okay. I mean, I think you did. I mean, <laughs> shit. I mean, how much did that one record alone? Three million copies. Three million. The biggest record I, I ever produced other than Santana. And I only did one song on Santana on that album. So so I um but it came out the gate, it was it was a dud. It came out slow. Did it? Didn't, it? didn't do shit the first week. Forty one hundred copies. Mm-hmm. Um he I help him put a band together. He gets back in health, healthy again. Mm-hmm. I help put his band together for him, me and John Gamble. Mm-hmm. He goes on the road. His first show in L.A. is a banger. Mm-hmm. L.A. Times gives him a big write-up. KCRW starts to play the record. Mm. Jason Bentley. College radio. KCRW was the biggest alternative radio station in the country. Mm. It's an L.A. station. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So they start playing it. Starts to connect a little bit there. He's on tour. He plays New York on his promo tour. And it gets written up in the New York Times. Okay. And this guy, John Leland, who I know, is singing his praises, saying it's the most interesting thing in rap. And he starts talking about Korn and these other bands and saying that, like, so he still considered it rap person. Well, no, he talks about the changing of the guard in rock mm. music. But he sings the praises of the record. He just like, he's like, you know, and and it starts to get played at radio a little bit. Yeah. Tommy Boy manages to figure it out, kind of. We're super skeptical. The record comes out in July. Mm-hmm. By December, it's a top five record. Right before Christmas, what it's like goes number one on rock radio. Jesus, dude. Sells 70,000 copies that week, right before Christmas. And I went to some big record industry party, and everyone there was like, you got the number one record in the country. Holy shit. And I'm like, whoa. And um, life started to change. When did the video come out for it? The video came out, I think, in September. August or September came out about a month after the song. Mm-hmm. I, I think maybe it came at the same time, but it didn't connect. I should say. Yeah. Till till September, 120 minutes started playing it, and then the station up in Seattle called the End. Mm-hmm. They started to bang it, and it went top five there. Then K Rock started to pay, play it. Mm-hmm. Was that in bigger LA. than House of Pain? What was that? Was it bigger than House of Pain? Arguably, possibly, probably not. Cumulatively, more singles though. I think we sold more albums. They sold more singles. Okay. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Yeah. So um. Wow, man. It became a big, like, rock alternative song. It was and really big. It was, yeah. it was everywhere, yeah. It yeah. was like, and, and I knew it was big when I walked into Guitar Center, like, in November or something, before it was, like, had been a top five record, and the, this dude who was playing, like, showing a kid, you know, guitars was playing it. That was the song he oh played. Oh, my God. And you know when the weirdos guys who work at Guitar Center yeah. are playing a song, it's yeah. a real big hit? Wow, So man. that's how I knew. Um, I was like, ah, oh, this is weird. So that's so, a life-changing album for him and you. Life-changing. Wow. Man. Yeah, man. And and um my life changed. I started getting calls to do really big records and really big remixes and mm. you know, corn remix, Macklemore. I mean the the you know Macy Gray song you produced for Eight Mile. I mean wow. you know, look the, like like Fat Joe said, yesterday's price ain't today's, today's price. prices. Yeah. You know, man, I was like everything was like everything was like you know, and I started asking people for 
money I thought I couldn't possibly get, and they give it to me. Wow. I'm like, oh yeah, for that song, forty thousand dollars. But you got to okay. think. You got to think though, Toby. Like back in those days, and I mean, Dante had already built his name up for himself. To- totally. Within hip hop. Yeah. So for you to kind of come out of that genre and come into a new genre, and then for Everlast, who had everyone, because I, I mean, even me myself, I was like. Dude, what is this guy yeah, doing? Yeah, people are skeptical, man. Yeah. They were, man. Yeah. People are skeptical. They couldn't hate, though. Because it was because so good. good. Well, yeah, here's man. the thing. When, when, House of Blue, when House of Blues, House of Pain, <laughs> <laughs> when House of Pain broke up, we all knew Everlast was going to do something. And then there were some things going around. I don't know what he was doing at the time. Yeah, him and Cypress had a, have fell yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Lethal joined them, Biscuit. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. So... You know, you knew he was still around, but what was he kind of doing? And then this came, and then, you know, it was kind of like, wow, he can sing. He can play 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 guitar. He was like bugged out. And he like, he kind of had this like hip hop Johnny Cash persona, you know? Totally. And, and, And like... Look, Eric's dad was playing Merle Haggard. That's what Eric grew up around a lot of that mm. stuff. So he knows that stuff. That music was really authentic to him. Yeah. He loved like Neil Young. Like that's his main guy. But so a lot of it was authentic to who he was. And and like look, he he also was a B boy. He loves hip hop, so he wanted beats behind everything. And yeah. he rapped on um, a lot of the album. And we hit a nerve. We somehow hit a nerve. We got very lucky um that that it didn't go the wrong way. And yeah. We, we fucking nailed it. It was a, a life-changing experience for both of us. And, you know, fast forward, fucking that spring, he's on tour with Lenny Kravitz, right? Yeah. Like, and all this thing, all these things are changing. And look, man, all of a sudden, people who I didn't know were inviting me to their fucking party and their Hampton shit. And, wow. you know, when this, this fucking model and that model and this, that, and the Different other. Level, and all these That's things crazy. are going on. and. I get to buy a house and all this shit. It's just like mm. I get a big publishing deal. My whole life changes. Yeah. My whole life changes. And and with it, there's good and bad. Mm. So, you know, but it was, yeah. it was you know, you yeah. lose well, some. You party and living it up. Yeah, man, you lose, you know, there was nothing. What are you going to tell me? I got yeah. I got, yeah. I got a million dollars. Yeah. I'm going to buy that gold chain. I'm going to buy that yeah. watch. Wow. I'm going to go buy that. Did what you, you go to the me? Grammys with him that year? I, I won. I was we won. Yeah. I was there. Yeah, it was right yeah. there. I, I I walked by Ozzy Osbourne. I gave him a pound. Wow. I was like Ozzy, That's what's up, crazy, yo? Man. Like just because I I was like you could yeah because I could. could. Yeah, she was could. looking That's at me. I was like Ozzy. He was like, hey mate. Like I don't know Ozzy. <laughs> I didn't know Ozzy from shit. Yeah, I just was like, I bet he knew you after that night. I mean, it was Ozzy. Yeah. I just had yeah. to do it because you know I like Ozzy Osbourne. That's amazing. Yeah, it was fun, man. It was a nice thing, and I had um this. This woman I was with for a long time was with me at the Grammys. It was it was great, man. It was one of the funnest nights of my life. I, on the way to the Grammys, uh, was before I stopped eating meat, I stopped at In and Out Burger. And we we got an In and Out Burger <laughs> and, Come and on, smoked it, smoked a joint in in the nice in the car. I walked in all stoned. Nice. And Mark Ronson was like called me up. Mark was like not a big producer yet. Yeah. I heard his new doc series is dope. It's really dope. Okay, I'm and he's a really good dude. Yeah. That's great. And he yeah. called me up. He said, "Congratulations." I said, "For what?" He goes, "You're gonna win a Grammy tonight." And I won a Grammy then. Damn. Wow. Like, and I was like, Mark, you're the man. Wow. Yeah, it was cool. He, mm. the call, I'll never forget he called me like, right when I walked in, I was like, oh, and I walked in with like, J- I walked in with J-Lo had the dress on. I forgot. Oh, yeah. that, was the, that was the J-Lo year. P. Diddy. Yo, she walked in right before me and my lady and we we're like, God damn. Wow. Mm. My girl was like, you could look. 
<laughs> that that was when cats were rocking those NBA style suits with the three button, four buttons. Yeah, you, you know, know what I, I mean? wore to the Grammys? <laughs> I wore. I, I I had a friend who worked at Maharishi. That was like the shit back then. Mm. Like I know the guy who who started Hardy, and he he sent me a bunch of shit. I had Maharishi pants on, and um, a Maharishi shirt, a gold chain, and a wow. cowboy hat, and a hat like not a cowboy hat, like a cool guy hat, yeah, yeah, like the yeah, hat everyone yeah. wears now. Yeah. I had that kind of hat. That's on. incredible. Like a bandolero hat. We're gonna have to see <laughs> if we can find a picture of that. Oh, I was yeah. I was styling. Like yeah. I was, and I had a pair of brand new kicks. Like I was styling. Wow, man. Mad jewels on. I was like jeweled out. That's Zill. crazy. Did you buy the, like chains and shit and gold back? I had all that shit. Wow. Yeah, I was walking around with all that dumb shit. Everlast really became an, a, a household name after that, he did. really. Yeah, he did. I mean, he was on every daytime talk show. Yeah, he did all that. That's how yeah. we got the Santana shit. He was coming to New York to do some something, and I got the call from Pete Gambarg, the dude at Arista, and he was like, hey, do you have, you know, would you and Everlast have a song for Santana? I was like, I lied. I said, yeah, fuck yeah. Because I knew Eric was coming to town yeah. to do Good Morning America. Mm. Perfect. Yeah. So he came yeah. through and I said, yo, I hit him. I said, yo, you got any songs? We got the call for Santana. He said, I wrote my first song since since the accident. And it was Put Your Lights Out. And, wow. And, and, and he uh, put your lights on. And, and um, the drums for that were in an old casual song. Wow. That never came out because they had a, like a percussion loop in it like they had like a latin feel and i was like yo yeah. let's use these drums we made that shit like all the great everlast stuff i did we make them shits in like two hours so like cool, them man. shits is mad fast you know what most of the great songs i ever made fast because yeah, yeah. you catch lightning you got that vibe that's yeah, god in yeah, the room yeah. mm-hmm. and god's just gonna direct you you just gotta stand out of the way and go with it we made that shit dumb fast Crazy, i sent the man. demo to my man two days later He's like, how much you want for you want to do Santana? I'm gonna send to Santana. I was like, yeah, Santana wants to do a song. What do you? And I was like, I asked him for more money than I ever got for anything. And in my you got life. it. I asked for Diddy money. I was like, I want yeah. Diddy money, mm-hmm. and I got it. Mm. Holy crap! And a Grammy nod. And I got the Diddy money. That was more important. The Grammy, the Grammy and the Metro card gets you on the train. <laughs> That's crazy. Diddy money will buy you a house. Yeah, yeah. You know, truly, so, so, truly. So, I don't Damn. know, man. That all happened like mad quick. It was super fun, man. We had a a great run. It was, you know, we ended up hanging out with Sean Penn and all these weird motherfuckers mm. and going out with this bugged out shit. It was cool, man. Hollywood, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, and just like, you know, it was fun, man. It was That's a lot cool. of fun. And then fast forward, do you have something to do with Little Dicky getting signed? I signed Little Dicky. Wow, bro. Let me tell you, I, man. When I, signed I love Little, that show. Yeah, yo, when that I signed, show is yo, when I signed him, he told me, I'm going to be a TV star. He told me that. Where is he from? Philly. Wow. Lower Marion. He's from he's from like Kobe Bryant area. Okay. A little outside of Philly. You know, it's it's crazy, Dante, to think about, you know, how pivotal you were with some of these crazy Brand Nubian is far cry from like, little Dickie. It that's really very is, different, and that's what man. I was thinking about. You know, yeah, I was thinking about that when coming in here, like how much of a far cry from KMD brand Nubian and then you find Little Dickie. And what's interesting about Little Dickie is He can rap. He can like I, I honestly, he yeah, that funny. show like that's genius. Uh, the 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 uh, I want to say it's the one where he's in Shangri La. Oh, that's the best one. It's the best that's one the, to me. That's yeah. so psychedelic and trippy. It's, it's, it's and the all best the, one that to shit me. is so cool, man. That was one of the best episodes of any show I've seen in a few years. And the, you obviously know the guy. I know him. You and, know him. So I mean, I'm sure I mean, he's had, he's acting, but he, there's part of it that's real too. Yeah, that's you know, he's yeah. he's a. He's a very self-aware individual. And, and look, man, like, 
doing A&R like now and doing A&R then are very different things. Sure. Yeah. Like, you know, when I signed KMD or Brand Newbie and I can follow my own muse and be successful. When I signed Little Dicky and, and by no Ugly means... Ugly God too, right? Ugly God? Ugly God, who's not really that talented. Um, Like, just yeah. to be honest, like, yeah. you know, and he's a good example. Like, you know, I signed it because I knew it would connect. Mm-hmm. I signed Dicky... Because I liked what he did, and I knew it would connect. Yeah. So when I I, I pushed Macklemore to ADA too, because I knew he would sell records, and I liked mm-hmm. what he did. That was you before know, the thrift shop store song. Yeah, yeah, wow. it was way before that. It's it's because all these guys, um, they own what they do. I saw Made in Tokyo too. Uber everywhere was yeah, going too. Yeah, yeah. You know, like so so. Um, Damn, you signed I, Made in Tokyo? Yeah, and I know how to... I know. Come on, man. I understand the new shit. What's funny is like I left my job maybe two years ago, right before the pandemic, a little longer, almost two and a half, three years. And and I met a couple of people. No one wanted to give me an A&R job. And I was like, okay, well, I just got to do other shit in my life because um, no one's really trying to give me a job. But it's funny because I thought that I approved that I know um, the new shit. And if you... The list of motherfuckers I tried to sign that motherfuckers wouldn't let me sign. Wow. If I could have signed, I, I I mean I tried to sign Megan The Stallion. What? Yo, I tried to sign Megan The Stallion, and my boss said sign it for ninety thousand dollars. I said, Yo, Kenny and Kenny Wigley, yo, not trying to shit on you. You're my man, fifty grand. You told me ninety. Th- I said she need two. She want two seventy five, and we can hem it up. You want to do it? Mm. I tried to sign Little Nas X. I got told it was a novelty act. Wow. Um, I tried to sign G Easy. They told me you don't Come have on. you don't have no hits. Killing they kill it. Ki- ki- like um, dude. I'm trying to think who else I tried to sign. There's a few other gems in there. I signed Sada Baby. He's like a platinum man. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know Sada Baby real I signed well. him. Yeah. Um there's a few other like gem gems. I tried I tried to sign Samino. He didn't blow up yet, but he's great. Yeah, I know Samino. I tried to sign his Dutizo touchdown. They Someone made homophobic remarks about him. Mm. They wouldn't let me sign him. Now he has a song with Tyler, the creator, and he's going to be a star. And wow. and that's just like, there's other ones I'm just like not remembering right now. But if I could have signed like one of the main groups that I tried to sign, they let me sign, I, you know, life, my, my career might be a little different right now. And I don't blame anyone specifically other than Kenny Wigley and um, Gabrielle Peluso, Peluso, who... I went to war with. She would not let me sign Little Tekka, who sold wow. m- one ham. Yeah. And she wouldn't let me sign Tizo. So, um, you know, like, it's funny to have done this for so long and be questioned by people who ain't, who, look, I don't want to say you ain't shit, but you ain't shit. I said it. So, you know, you're not, when it comes to understanding the culture and the music and mm. all of that, you don't know it. Don't. Just your resume alone, man. Yo, your I'm resume saying, is so crazy. Like- it's crazy. And Even with the new school cats. Yo, yeah. I, I literally, and this dude might get mad at me, but I'm going to call him out. So the dude who owns Partisan Records, they they talked to me about maybe doing something with them. Yo, this dude A&R'd me. I sent him stuff, mm-hmm. and he was like, I don't feel any of it. Uh, and I was like, he's like, keep sending me stuff. I was like, I'm good on that. Because I shouldn't have to convince a dude who's basically... A mountain climber who plays electric guitar. So I was that, just about to say that, that, I, that, that <laughs> I know what I'm doing. Yep. And and I know the new shit. You sign shit when you try to do yep. rap and it ain't work. Yeah. He tried to do it, but he's gonna tell me what was good. And I'm yeah. like, man. And look, I I ran Asylum Records. The lady who who I fell out with, who got me disposed. And look, I was not. I wasn't being so cooperative. I can't blame just her mm-hmm. i was kind of like yeah go fuck yourself attitude i was in fuck you mode 
like dead ass. Um, so she she hasn't done one thing. They haven't broken one record since I've been gone. Nothing. Wow. Nothing. I left them Sada Baby, Guap Dad, they did nothing. Them done shit. Yeah. Oh, so you found Guap Dad? I too? didn't find Guap. Guap was coming through the door and I just said, Let's do it. She didn't find it though. It came from it came kind of from Kenny from really Guap was already fucking with Sam Lancaster. Guap was already mm-hmm. it was already going. Yeah. And I just I like Sam and we just were like, Yeah, we, we did a distribution deal with him. Um and Guap is still my man. Guap's my friend. He's the best. Yeah. yeah. He's a fuck he's a superstar. He's a great kid. So you know it's um. And you still pay attention to new hip hop and stuff and listen to yo, stuff. Yo, once a week I go into wormhole and I find shit. Okay. I've I got a kid right now, Yoshi T, who I I just found, who I'm working with, and Yoshi is a Japanese American kid from New York, a skater kid, and his record's going. He got he's like, everyone call him mm. right now. Mm. All the, everyone's starting to call. You know, but I do. You know, I'm focused on writing. Like I have like, like I have a TV show in development. With Sick. Chael Coker, like who's a huge writer, he did Luke Cage and all. Yeah, this I was shit. gonna say he did Luke Cage. He, you know, he did a whole bunch of other shit, and I have another project in development right now with someone huge. I can't say his name, but it's it's huge. I got another thing that's about this club um, called the Cuckoo's Nest. It's called Clockwork Orange County. I know Cuckoo's Nest is out here, a famous yeah. punk rock club. Yeah. So I own the life rights, and what I've been doing is cool. I've been buying IP life mm-hmm. rights. And developing for film and TV, doc and biopic stuff. Mm. So I have my partner, Mark, and that's where my head's at. You know, I got cool. my book coming out. I sold the script last year. Um, I got another thing that has a bunch of attention right now that I'll probably sell. Um, you know, I'm Teach just really focused way. on it. I'm, yeah. I'm, focused, <laughs> I'm focused on writing. It's what I... I love that, man. You yeah. know, I found the love for writing, writing my book. Mm. And it puts me in touch with my father's spirit. I was going to say your dad wrote too. Yeah, yeah. you know. So yeah. and I, I just enjoy it. Like I'm literally was up to like way too late last night, and way too late for me is embarrassingly early for most people. Like one o'clock is like you're stretching it, bro. <laughs> um, and I, I was um, proofing my book. You know, mm. I got I got the proof. It's copy copy proofed and all that. So you know, I'm looking at my final manuscript right now, and from all that, I found a love for something else I'm doing. And look, I've been getting some big rooms. With some fucking big dudes like, mm-hmm. you know, the showrunners from Power and mm-hmm. and fucking the people who created Madam Secretary and all this other shit. I'm That's in cool. business with these people. Um, where it all ends up, you know, selling a TV show and getting a film made, some of the hardest things to do in the whole world. But but just like rap music, n- no one told me I could win a Gram- Grammy. And yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, yeah. just as far as I've been able to go in just two and a half years, two years. Um, and this whole Dirty Bastard thing would be the like, first piece that's of gonna be tangible that's gonna be thing I, I, ever, I ever you know, have my name on. So, look, I saw Bobito do some things and some other people mm-hmm. really ins- great docs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. inspire yeah. me. So, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm kind of focused on this. And music is something I still know and, and work in. But, you know, I have some other interests going on now that seem to potentially be more fruitful. Yeah. Yeah, and we- it's funny. They all come back to music, though. Yeah. Yeah. They, or they all come back to the culture of New York City. It's, mm. it's one or the other, every single yeah. one of them. Would you still produce somebody? I would if it was the right thing. You know, I, th- I think producing so weird because I'm not really so technologically um, up to date right gotcha. now. So that's part of it. So, but I would, I'd still A&R records and I still know that I can contribute to a record being made as what people call a producer now. Well, I wouldn't call a producer, but I put Fetty Wap on Save That Money. Mm. Wow. I did that. That was me. Yeah. So, wow. and that shows what I know that I know how to make a record better. You know, you can't always make every record better as an A&R person. And sometimes as an A&R person, doing less is more. Mm. Sometimes just letting it be is the thing yeah. to do. You know, man, I still talk to fucking Buster and all these guys all the time. Like yesterday or two days ago, 
Did you guys see the Supreme Team documentary? I watched it, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I'm not privy to Showtime, so, so I'm going to okay. have to get privy to Showtime okay. to watch it. But. <laughs> I'll give you my password. All right, cool. Um, I watched it on Hulu, I think. It just connected to it. I don't think you checked that. Check uh, Hulu, uh, yeah. All right. Yeah, it's great. It was... So there's a cop in it, a black cop named Sterling Johnson Jr. Yeah. yeah. So I own his life rights, and I'm in the process wow. of... I'm in very deep negotiation with some very powerful people about developing well it's already developed but you know making a doing a huge project about him mm-hmm. and um that's kind of where my head's at so we talk about new york city and hip-hop that's where i always go back to and he's like a really famous law enforcement guy part of new york city folklore so my head always ends up back there yeah. some way yeah, somehow it's your roots, it's yeah. your right yeah. and it's either new it's all and there's music is always um adjacent to the culture of shit i love yeah you know like i dj for too short like two weeks ago that's crazy. Oh, that's like he did like a TED talk thing at at Soho House, and he asked me to DJ, so I ended up DJing for Two Short. Wow! And that was like super wild thing to do. Like you know, that's so cool. music is still very inspiring to me. It's not necessarily where I I look to get my paycheck every day right now, but yeah, you know, like there's things out there. I work with a couple of young artists, and that's to me the jo- the best. The for me, what I find the most compelling and my favorite part of music, and I think it's always been since I was a fan of music, is discovery. Mm. Finding it early, yeah. Being hip to it before it happens, Hell yeah. Like the bad range and the record searching at yeah. record stores, right? All that, all that. Yeah. and like just finding something that's cool before everyone knows it's cool. Because yeah. by the time everyone knows it's cool, it's not that cool anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like oh, this yeah. isn't that cool right now because yeah. everyone's up on it. You know, I, f- I think you, I think you, as far as to be to be in the room with you right now and just to say like to to finally meet a legend of so-called folklore but you you really when we think about A&Rs you really you 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 I mean look at the body of work that you've I'm, done I'm one of the guys you I'm are one of, one of know, the guys and I mean talk I about know the hip hop and our guys I like, know I'm, you're humble and I know there are plenty of I'm other. humble but trust me I, I'm you know I'm an egomaniac with low self-esteem <laughs> <laughs> I, I know but, I know how I know how good I am like I know that like I you know there's no one intimidates me when it comes to like talking about your track record I know what I could do trust and I mean you know it's funny I was talking to a good friend of mine the other day there was a guy that I met a long time ago who was in the A&R by the name of Bilal Allah. I don't know, I know if you know Bilal. You know Bilal? Bilal Allah Paulson. Yes. The old friend of mine. Yes. So Bilal, um, there's not, see, I'm, as I said, I'm privy to a lot of cats in the industry, and there are certain cats that you know who are really pivotal as far as artists and repertoire. And the name that always comes when it comes to hip-hop for years and years and years has always been Dante Ross. Thank you. I and mean, you have a staple, you have a formula and I don't know. I mean, to the new school cats that you've talked about and who you had the chance to sign that, that there is a, a, a process and there's a, a certain magic about doing that. And not everyone is built to do it. I mean, I, I look at it differently now than then, like then I cater to my own personal taste, but I came to the conclusion that I can listen to rock him on my time. I have to know what the kids like. So mm-hmm. I have to know what they feel. So I try to tune in to what the kids like. And if it's palatable to me, that mm-hmm. means it's probably pretty good yeah, yeah. for the kids, <laughs> right? Because a lot of it's just not palatable to me. Yeah, it's true. But then I'd still, you know, look, Tyler Creator's a genius. Incredible, man. You know, there's a lot of shit out there that I do like, right? You know, yeah. and mm-hmm. 
And um, you could hate on the youth all day, but they run this shit. So yeah. you better fucking, if you're trying to be involved in it, you better, you know. Truly. You know, you got to wrap your head around that. And I, I always been like that. Look, when I was a kid, I hung out with the OGs. Mm-hmm. When I'm OG, I like to listen to the kids. Yeah, yes. you know it's yes. full cycle, man. Big yeah. facts. Teach me, I teach you. You know we yeah. exchange information, and mm-hmm. to me, that's always like the 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 way it's supposed to be. Like you know, I was looking up to dudes like Daryl and them, and Nick Martin, mm-hmm. and all these dudes, or Leor Russell, mm-hmm. who hit me the game, and I hit kids the game, and I learn from the kids. It's always an equal exchange of information for me. So I you know, it, I mean, I, I I um, the youth is very powerful, I, and a lot of guys might have to get older, and they they. Try to like decry the youth and mm-hmm. blah blah blah, and that's corny, man. That's make you look like a sucker. Yeah, sure, yeah some sure, sucker man. shit. I don't, sure, I don't. Man. I love new shit. I mean, I you got your shit, son, yeah. so you know. He schools me everything, yeah. And man. look at your son. Your son is like exactly the kind of kid I'm talking. About. He's like a cool ass kid, Thank right? You, and all these people are like, the kids suck. The kid, no, the kids Not don't suck. Not at all. I Not don't see that. Nah. I think some of the kids are fantastic. Yeah, you the know future. they know a lot of shit, mm-hmm. and that's the future. If we don't. If we don't adjust to what they're dealing with, then we're corny. We're the ones losing yes. out. Yeah, you know? I agree 100%. And, and when we talk about a I'll say this too. Diddy is the greatest hip-hop a of all time. He found Mason Biggie in the span of two years, the greatest rapper and the guy who changed it all at that time. He yeah. made it into like pop music. He did. So to bridge those yeah. gaps and find Mary J. Blige Ooh, yeah. and Craig Mack yeah. and then turn himself into an artist... And do all the other shit he did. To me, he's the greatest hip hop A&R ever. Did he is if I had the acumen and the calculatedness that he had, I'd be far more financially secure than I am. Yeah, but you paved the way for the ditties. You did because Maybe. I'm going to tell you right now. And and I w- I was having this meditation like I was having <laughs> this meditation last night like when I think of A&Rs who are some of the highest caliber A&Rs out there. And to be honest with you, yeah, you're absolutely right, but I'm going to tell you, as we're here at this table right now, there would be, Diddy wouldn't be as strong in his A&R approach if it wasn't for cats like you that paid the way. I mean, he, he would tell me that. Like, he's giving me my, my flowers Come many, on, many Dante, times. Come on, it's true. Like, whenever yeah. he sees me or whatever, like, you know, He's always giving me my flowers, and he also embraced Buster. And look, Puba mm-hmm. is on the Mary record. What's the floor yeah, Exactly. Uh, I mean, you know, so Come we... You know, incredible album, too, man. Ooh, real Incredible. Incredible. Uh, Mary J. Blige changed everything. I mean, you know, real recognized, real. There's some great A&R guys out there now. My boy worked at Loud. Matty C was always, oh, yeah, always to me, like yep. one of the legendary, yep. most For sure. you know, important dudes who did it. He was like... My my son kinda I mentored him and I saw him do great things too and there's a whole bunch of people I'm forgetting but you know Scott A&R, Free, A&R, Scott, Free, Scott, Scott Free, Free of yeah, course my yeah. brother you know and Faith Newman yeah Faith I, I love Faith you know like A R is a different thing now it's analytics driven we all have research we can all see exactly what everyone's doing yeah it's all metrics um and and the trick of that is. Within those metrics, can one of those people you find be a career artist? Mm. I mean, we could find Ugly God. Everyone could find one of those. But not everyone could find little Uzi Vert. Mm. Yeah. You know? That's so, true. My son loves him. That's true. Turn me on to him, yeah. I mean, he's like for the young kids. Yeah. He's the thing. Yeah. yeah. Little like, Yachty too, man. Yeah, yeah. Yachty, he, he sailed. But he's got some new, song, the new record came out. 
I so play it. me some new stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I like little Uzi Vert. Reminds me in a weird way, old dirty bastard, because he does outlandish, mm. outlandish yeah, shit. Yeah, he does. He had the diamond in yeah. his head. Yeah, that was. Yeah. He's just fucking yeah. outlandish. Like he's fucked yeah, up. Yeah, he's a, like he's I like a, his. He's a character. Yeah, <laughs> he is. And little Nas X too, man. Like, look, we, yo, we got. It's okay to be gay now for kids. How great mm-hmm. is that? Mm-hmm. How great is that that you yeah. could that that rap is like, it's cool. Like, man. That's the one thing that my generation, like, we were pretty open-minded, but we we, we had a, a modicum of homophobia attached yeah, to everything we time. did. Yeah, that big shit time. is out. Homophobia is so uncool with the kids now. I love it. Even yeah. the punks jump up lyric. I mean, yeah, right. Oh, yeah, so that, yeah, yeah, like, so that I, even I, talks about and that. And I put that record out, like, you know, would I do that now? Hell no. And, and it's increased all of our consciousness, right? But yeah. I love that the young kids... That's not part of their yeah, lexicon anymore. They don't yeah, care about that shit. And that shit is fresh. That's super yeah. cool. To me, like that's really punk rock in a way. Yeah. Totally, man. It's like time. super punk rock to think Who about. Who knows? X is super punk, man. Super, I love it, man. He's the ill he's like, I don't even care about his music. I just like he's so fucking pushing the buttons. Like yeah. he don't care. Like look. It's like I'm, David Bowie. Yeah, exactly. It's like exactly yeah. what it is. Yeah. Yo, it's funny you mentioned David Bowie, because before punk rock came out and I was a kid, I liked like, you know, I like funk and I like soul and I like disco some of it. And I like some rock stuff, but uh, the rock music I really liked was David Bowie. Come the on, who man. and David so, Bowie? Yeah, because it was like to me the predecessor to punk rock. Yeah, like it was so, it was like right. You know, I was that weird kid who thought he was super fresh. Mm-hmm. You know, and then punk rock came along because because I was really like in like 1978, 79, 77. I was waiting for Led Zeppelin to die. I wanted Pink Floyd to get the fuck out of here. I didn't. I didn't want to hear your 17-minute song. Yeah. I was not feeling Ted Nugent. Yeah. I was like, yo, you guys all like, and and you know, Pink Floyd has great music, and so does Zeppelin in parts. But I was like, then I was like, fuck Boston and Foreigner mm. and all this shit. I hate this shit. And then like this other thing came along, and hip hop was just an extension of that. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Fuck man, what a journey, man. It's a journey. It's still going. And, and we get to we get to go to fucking Green Table and watch umbrellas fly. Yo, do you have any um last couple of questions? Can can you do a top five? Is that hard for you? I can't really do a top five. I mean, there's I can name. How five. about top five influences in your life? Doesn't have to top be top five influences in my mm. life. Well, you know, punk rock, my parents, skateboarding, yes, hip hop, and New York City. Mm. That's great, man. Yeah, that's. A I good mean, top for sure, five. and like. Top five for artists, I could never it's really hard. like, you know, I it's just because I'll forget somebody, but like I know I can name guys I love. Like Rakim is always number one to me, right? And then we have yes. different different eras of rappers, but Rakim is always he did. Rakim is like he's like John Coltrane, yeah. he's like jazz, yeah. like you know he brought the sting to it, it's mysticism. Mm-hmm. So obviously Rakim and then we Ron, both did the same show together. We didn't know each did. other really. It was a shootout at Eric Bean, Eric Bean Rock. Yeah, that's so. We both did the same show. I was with Izak and these guys ran out the balcony with a fire fire escape. Fire escape. I was with Stretch. Did the Dude, same shooting thing. across the whole crowd, so running crazy. up the stairs. So crazy. And he has kid on stage. It was gnarly. So the little kid was on stage. Quan, the little kid from Microphone Fiend. You are correct. It was um, his son. It's not his son. It's Supreme Magnetic Son. Oh, it Supreme was, Magnetic Son. That's right. It was right. a gnarly show. And yeah, man. Yeah, and 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 um, who else was it? Rakim. There's obviously the the classic Three Kane. And, yeah, yeah. And Karis One. See, but I but mean, then all, then yeah. there's like you know Big is probably my favorite of all time. Mm-hmm. Outside of Rakim, it's Big, and Jay because mm-hmm. Jay has the biggest catalog. I don't care what anyone says. He got more songs I love and know all the lyrics to mm-hmm. than anyone. He is the combination of making hit records and being a fantastic rapper very entertaining mm-hmm. i love him 
Nas, because yeah. he's because yeah. Nas yeah. the most poetic. Come on, man. And Nas is the son of Ra. Like exactly. It's to Nas. Exactly. Um, I gotta put P in there because I love Prodigy because he's uh, the first one. He's uh, ever mentioned yes. He's the one who he he was really the master of not rapping on like yes. rap off beat. Don't rhyme. Yes. Don't rhyme on purpose. Non sequiturs. Yes. And and that's a heavy thing to do. People don't really know about Big that. Big time. Big time. Um. You know, the rest are like the obvious choices. Like, you know, I don't think there's any hidden gems there. Look, we talk about the new dudes. Kendrick. We talked about Pooba. Pooba. I yeah. mean, but Kendrick. I love Kendrick. Kendrick. Oh, yeah. Cole. The new guys, yeah. Kendrick and Cole. Love yeah. them, man. You know, I love Chance the Rapper. Mm-hmm. You know, those are guys who I think new cats who yeah. who are as good enough to have been sitting side by side with the guys I came up with yeah. and the guys I signed. Sure, I have a Griselda and those cats. Up I love them. Yeah. But yeah. It's, it's not quite at the same level, but I love yeah. them. I love Rock. I like Rock Marcy more than them, to be honest. Yeah, but Rock has been around for a minute. Though. Rock's the father of their yeah, style. Exactly. I don't care what anyone says. Exactly. But I, I like Badass. They know it, though. Joey Badass he is dope. Yeah. Griselda's dope. Yeah. I, I like Benny a lot. I love Rock Marcy. I mean, so, you know, these are these are the cats who are out there, you know, who rap and make good music. And, you know, there's a lot of other guys I'm forgetting. And look, I, I'm, if you, like, if I open my Spotify, I follow, like, I'm following, like, 200 people. Wow. And, like, and only, like, 10 of them are people who everyone knows. Yeah. And of, of that <laughs> yeah. 190 kids I'm following, there's, like, 20 kids I'm not mentioning who I really like. Mm. Who wow. I think are, like, yo, these dudes yeah. are really dope. Yeah. And there's cats all over the country who rap really dope like all these there's all these sons of earl sweatshirt now oh yeah you know, like, navy blue exactly yeah you know you know you yeah. tuned in all of it yeah. maxo and, yeah and diz and all these other kids who rap really really well and and one of those kids will figure out taking that great rapping and turning it to making great songs For sure and be one of the next great artists which is joey's trying to do that right now i mean look yeah. at tyler Benny. Yeah. Right, yeah, Tyler, man. Benny's yeah. trying to do that. Yeah. Pusha T is fucking dope as fuck. Oh, Pusha T. His newest record is incredible, man. Yeah. Yo, it's yeah. so good. Yeah. Yo, he raps song. so yeah. good. Like, he's like, look, it's coke rap, but he's like, so good at coke rap, it's okay. Exactly. Yeah. Only, the only person who coke rap better than him is Jay. Mm. Yeah. You no, know, and look, man, Jay is like, I'm just enamored by him as a rapper. Too, he man. always been my favorite. Like, from, from very early on, I was a huge fan. From probably the blueprint, I was one of people saying like, yo, he's the best. Like, you know, he just was really... He just, he has, he's just great. He got swag for days, man. Yeah. It's like, you know, he's, yeah. it's big in him, right? Big in him, very similar yeah. artist in a way. Big was just maybe made less music, so he, you like him more. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's funny because every time oh, I, I didn't hear say the M. M is a technical rapper. Yeah. I like him a lot, though. He dope. But he's, Who? You know, to M. 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 He's yeah. just so technical. Yeah. Like, he technically is like one of the greatest rappers ever. I, I, I think I don't enjoy listening to his music like I used to. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it's too much. I think we can all agree on that. It's giving. It's too much. It's too much. I feel like sensory overload. You're, yeah. G, what you were you going to say about Jay? You going to say something? No, I was going to say. You know, every it, that's the conversation that comes up a lot in hip hop circles. Jay, Biggie, and Nas, and and I love Jay, and I think Jay is cool. Do I love him as much as you two do? Mine, my, my, I I prefer Biggie and Nas. Gotcha. I'm going to be honest with you. I prefer Biggie and Nas. I get it. Um, I understand you're looking at more purist. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the guy that we didn't mention, and he's in the top, he's one of the greatest rappers ever, and they are, to me, the greatest rap group ever is Outkast. Oh, yeah. And Andre said sure. that, I said did, that too. I did say he that. And Andre 2000, because he's yeah. the greatest rapper. Like, he's, he's, Big time. He's extraterrestrially good. He's just the few and far between. He don't make a lot of music. His body so of work is very limited. Yeah, he don't have a yeah. lot of stuff. But, man, Outkast... 
they, I mean, every record, man, fucking their records, those records are fantastic. They're, to me, the greatest. Run DMC is the only other rap group that sits side by side with them. And I love Cypress Hill, but they, you know. You wouldn't put Wu-Tang? You wouldn't put Wu-Tang? Tribe. I put put Wu-Tang and Tribe right there. Yeah. I got to. Yeah, you got to. Yeah, I got to. And Tribe is. Incredible. I guess I probably sleep on Tribe a little because they're my friends and like, but fuck, man, they made the best music. They were my favorite. Oh, they were no my theory. Come on, no man. theory. Midnight, Midnight Marauders. Marauders. Those, those two albums are like two. They're the two best. They're like yeah. top, top of the food chain for that time period. Like they're, those records are beautiful, man, and they're like jazzy and they're like, man, Q-Tip. Like, let me tell you something. That's the most underrated producer in the history. No, he's not underrated. I, I don't think he's I underrated. Think, but, I think people who know will definitely give Q-Tip his flowers. Maybe I don't think they give him enough. He did get involved for I Raphael mean, Sadiq those too. Those three albums alone, the first three Jeez. albums alone, and he did are one masterpieces. Love and one love, yeah. Oh, nice one love. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, he's a he's just a bad motherfucker, man. He's, and he's a nice guy. I mean, I seen him make the Crooklyn Dodgers shit right in front of me, man. I've been with him in the studio when he made shit. He's, he's fucking, he's a gee, he's nasty, super Damn. nasty. Can I ask you a real quick question? Because I know we're we're yeah, it's like the longest podcast like in the history of ever, end, man. <laughs> to be a fly on the wall during '94 to like '97. I think it's I think it's earlier for me. Really? Yeah, because look, I was a fly on the wall for maybe like '87. To like, you know, to the late 90s when, I mean, even to now, but like, I saw the Beasties in the studio with Rick Rubin. Like, I was there for a couple a couple times. And, you know, like, um, shit, that shit is inspiring, man. And being a fly on the wall is great. There's also some rules and etiquette you got to learn. Like, don't talk. Like, mm-hmm. don't don't be the center of it. Don't yeah. get yourself involved in shit. Yeah. Play the back. Listen. Listen and learn. Like they say, listen to learn. Learn to listen. Mm. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm just thinking about, you know... When, when you think about when they would go to the ballroom, and I can't remember the infamous ballroom's name, but they would go to digger conventions and it'd be mm. large oh, yeah. pro. Yeah, yeah, we go to uh, there was a showbiz. couple. Of, I was at those Mark so, Bo, Mark Ballroom and, and yes. Ro- the Roosevelt Convention. Yes, the Roosevelt. Convention. That was the big one. I mean, that's you know we all went there. Like, you know, it it could get competitive even. Yeah, you might get mad at each other. Stop looking at what I'm, it was. Just, could be it was wild, but I bought a lot of shit at those things. Damn. Yeah, those, that that was amazing. That was amazing. I mean. To me, maybe it's more amazing watching Tribe in the studio or seeing like Buster in the studio, um, Dirty in the studio. Mm. Being in the studio to me, I'm like a studio rat. I like being in the studio. Yeah. Some, you know, yeah. the new modern A&R guys, they go to the studio and they order lunch and talk too much about social media mm. and they take mm. some shots for the gram. That's not yeah. how you do it. Yeah. Like I, I go to the studio and I, I'm quiet. I want to... Soak like, it in. Yeah, figure it out. And, mm. and if you ask me something, I might have something to tell you. And if you... Ask me something, something, or if I'm working with you and I think something's wrong, I might actually give you an arrangement idea. Because mm. I can sit at the Pro Tools rig and I could cut your song around and edit it around and say, yo, you might want to put the chorus here and make it longer. And the dude will be like, what? I'll be like, yo, let me sit behind the, the rig and I'll boom, boom, boom. I'll do the edit. And then he's like, oh shit, yeah, you might be right. You know, they might tell mm. me I'm fucking crazy, but you know, that's what, to me, that's what a real A&R does. And even if you don't know how to do it, the, you know, run a rig or something, you could explain it to the engineer and figure it exactly. out. And that's, to me, what A&R people do, for real. And, um, you know, like, the art of that is, is if you do that now, you're a producer. Back then, you wasn't a producer. And I feel like, um, mm. I don't know if the kids understand, you know, look, Tunji, who, who runs who runs Def Jam now, he knows. But I don't know if the mm. kids know. I don't know if they know that it's not about getting on the gram with you and this and that and the other. And the other thing is, 
as I, I you know, my, my NR career is pretty much over. Um, and the reason is because I'm not going to be on Instagram and be swagged out like that. Mm-hmm. And I can't relate to you like that because that's not who I am right now. Mm-hmm. If I was if I was that dude talking about the the gram and the <laughs> this and the that and mm-hmm. the, all that, mm-hmm. I'd be a fuck. I'd be a I'd be, you know, I'm, I'm not a grown man. I yeah. can't do that. So, you know, and I understand that I think young artists today, yeah. just like when I was young, they want to relate to someone who's like them. Yeah, you know? 100%. They want their peers. They don't want an old guy who's like, oh, my back hurts today. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not cool to them. Um, <laughs> last three questions. Do you have any major regrets in your life? Yeah, a couple. A couple, uh, a lot. I mean, <laughs> I, was, I was like a couple, like, so is that music or life? Does, I guess, that, yeah, either one, yeah. Uh, there's one woman that I, I let slip out of my hands that I always regret, um, and I'll never let it happen again. That's why I love my wife, yeah. who I'm with now, because she's um, the love of my life. So that's one. Um, I wish I'd gotten sober way, way earlier in life. Mm. And I watched my mom get sober and stay sober, and it would have been nice for my parents to see me sober, mm. and they never saw me sober. How long have you been sober for now? Uh, going on year 12. Awesome, man. Yeah. Awesome. So, you know, and look, sobriety in for everybody. And, you know, I'm not one of them dudes just like, AA dude like that. Mm -hmm. You know, like I did all that and and I'm part of that culture. But, but, you know, man, it's not for everyone. But if anyone hears this and they feel like they're struggling, they want to check out um, getting sober, like I'm here. You can find me on Instagram. My arm is always out to everyone. You know, part of it is part of the reason I wish I was sober earlier, I could have extended myself to more people and done more service mm. because in service, I see my connection to God and that mm. is the one tangible place. I know God exists, um, being selfless and being there for other people. This is the, the strongest action we can commit on earth. You know, mm. I say another yeah. regret of mine is I would have understood, uh, the power of kindness. Mm. Someone had said to me a few years back that kindness is, is the free is the greatest commodity on earth. It's free. So why not exercise it? So I wish I would have been understood that earlier in life so I could be more empathetic and kind mm. to people. Because, you know, like I, I do have, um, I am like an empathetic person, but, and I've always had a notion of that, but um, I'm very conscious of it now, being sober as long as I have. And I wasn't as conscious of that in my youth. I wish I was. I think it would have made my life a, a more interesting journey. It would have been even better mm. than this. And my life is like pretty fucking cool. Yeah. Um, those are a couple of regrets. And then musically, there's some things I didn't sign. Look, I really regret not being able to sign Megan Thee Stallion. I really mm, do. Wow. That's just a recent one yeah. because I think she's fucking dope. Yeah. Like, she's fucking, she got everything, right? Yeah. It's like, how do you not know that? Yeah. Like, you look at That's her, she's gorgeous, yeah. she's yeah. dope. Yeah. Um, Chance the Rapper was never doing a deal with anyone. I wish I could have signed him because mm. his early music I really loved. It really took me back to why I love music. Yeah. Mm. Um, You know, I wish I had met John Coltrane. You know, that's mm. not a regret, but that's yeah. a wish. Um. But you met Ozzy Osbourne. I met Ozzy Osbourne, and you know, <laughs> look, I got to work with Carlos Santana, and I'm it's friends. With, I'm friends with some like, yeah, pretty fucking cool ass people, like some OGs. Look, I, you know, not a regret, but I a wish. I wish I'd been like, you know, I could skate the way Olsen those guys did, <laughs> and I was around in that time period, yeah. right? You know, like, but regrets, man. Nah, that's probably, you know, look. I wish I'd been a regret is I just wish I'd been calmer and more conscious in my youth yeah. you know but that's the era of youth yeah. so you know and i don't i don't live my life in regret look i had a, a great life and when i'm lucky on a good day and look i battle depression like everyone else we all have these things that happen that affect us um but on a good day i can exercise gratitude mm, and like that, that connection yeah. to gratitude and the that's understanding it. of gratitude what that truly means 
that's what life's really about. You know, what my biggest regret is I don't have kids. Mm. You know, and it's not too late. The jury ain't out on that. It's not too late. No, it's not so, too you know, late. And you know, so, my brother had kids in his fifties. I mean, yeah. I'm looking at it right now. So awesome, you know, man. you know, that's a regret I, I hope to address. And and that's really it, man. Other than that, like life's a good journey. And and I've um, you know, like if you look at my hashtag a lot, it's OG gratitude. You know, yeah. I want to live my life like with with OG gratitude, and I get to give it back. And if I get to give some of it back, the way things were freely given to me, asking for nothing in return. And that's everything. Yeah. That's life. That's all of it. You, everything else is superfluous. I love that. You seem like you're in a good place. I know you meditate and stuff. What are some that. other like daily rituals you have? I meditate. Um, I try and do some twelve step stuff every day that connects me to my sobriety. Um, and I write every day. These days, I write every day. I try and get up and whether any of it's good every day, who knows? But yeah. I get up and I try and write every day. It's therapeutic too, it's probably. Very therapeutic, yeah. you know. And and those are the things I try to do every day. And you know, the other thing is like in sobriety, I, I was always a pretty honest person, but I learned how to be rigorously honest. Mm. And that's brutally honest. Yeah, mm. just rigorously honest. Like there's no place to bullshit. Um, so you know, that's the other thing. Like exercising a true deep level of honesty is something that that I, I try to do every day. You know, and and if I can help someone every day, the opportunity arises. Let me help someone every day, whether it's just opening the door for you, saying a kind word, or working with someone who's in rehab who who's trying to get sober. Love it. And you, you're an optimist, I can tell. I mean, what choice do we have? Yeah. Mm. You know, like I, you know, look like everyone. I can become cynical, and yeah. I can. But what does that do for me? It does nothing, nothing for me. Man. Nothing, man. So you know, you gotta. You always been like that? Nah, not really. No, I think I think I haven't been like that. But I've also. I've always had this ability, and this is like, I don't want this to come across arrogant. I've always had the ability to accomplish great things. Mm. I've always had to. Like, I've always had this ability where I could accomplish something great. I don't know how the fuck I could do it, <laughs> but I could always do Always believed in yourself. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. and I could always believe in, I could always do something that these my other friends couldn't do. I could make mm. a record. I could win a Grammy. Mm. I could get an A&R job. I could, I could like, ace that test. Yo, man, look, school... Like, I didn't care about school after a certain point. But, man, school was mad easy for me. Mm-hmm. That shit was dumb easy. I was always like, anytime I tried, I got a 90. You know, like, oh, wow. I'm going to learn I'm gonna learn this shit right now. Yeah. Watch. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I was that guy. So mm-hmm. I always had the ability to do shit that, that, you know, the regular person probably couldn't. The other thing is I think part of that comes from imagination. If you have an active mm-hmm. imagination, you can imagine things. And sure. therefore, you can almost, um, you know, like create a self-fulfilling positive prophecy mm-hmm. you know like the, the you know the power of positive thought mm-hmm. you know it's like a very important thing to to understand and if you can exercise the power of positive thought then you, you have a much better shot of accomplishing things that you're trying to do i agree you walk mm-hmm. into a feeling shitty and everyone sucks and this and that sucks the fuck are you gonna get you get yeah. a sucky result very true For sure you no know, that's it well dude this has been fucking it's like nine years long no four hours it's incredible are you gonna it's- chop it all up I don't know. Yeah, I might do two parter. I might split it in half. Yeah, I think it's the longest yeah. podcast was, ever done. But I could keep talking, dude. Incre- absolutely yeah, I, I, incredible. I mean, I mean, so me, many gems. I want to thank you honestly, like for all all the stuff you put into the world, all the music that you. inspired my life, and you being a part of that. And thank you. You know, I love your story, and it's, yeah, this is incredible, I mean, man. Me and you come from the same place. Like you know, we were in the same, we we're on the world. same same pavement right yeah, there. Man. You know, it's like I, I I'm surprised I didn't know you sooner earlier. Um, but I know you now, so yeah. we can go to Green Table and fucking you can listen to me and Steve make jokes and fucking chime in. <laughs> yeah, <totally. laughs> I mean, you well, know, it's, you know, it's cool about life. Sometimes you get to meet these guys who were your heroes when you're a kid, and they're fucking cool. 
Yeah, it's yeah. really cool. I happened since I moved to Christian Soy Cab to my home. I just got all my friends. Crazy, yeah, it's bro. like, yeah, like Olsen, like Hosoy when I was a kid, or Eric Hayes, or these other people I know. Like, I'm skating with them. It's, uh, it's wild, bro. It's amazing, it's, right? Well, I never thought that in a million years. I can say, because <laughs> I, I, can, I can honestly say, being a kid of 12, 13 years old, going to um, Parrot Records in Ipswich mm. or going to... Uh, you know, one of these record stores in Soho or Brixton or London and going to buy an import record, right? And studying these records and knowing that I'm sitting in front of the guy who literally found some of the greatest groups. I There would be no Hakim Tafari or Hakim Allah uh, if it wasn't for Brand Nubian, KMD, uh, you know, Queen Latifah, De La Soul and your primarily a direct response of where I'm at today. So I have to bow a thousand times in humility for you being on this earth and gracing us with When I was a kid, man, Jam Master J, Russell Simmons, even um, the Beasties, LL, like people were nice to me. Mm. You know, Mm. I was very lucky. I got given, you know, the keys to the kingdom and I, I exercised them, but I was lucky that I, right place, right time. And I managed to make something out of that. Mm. Yeah, it's an incredible journey. It's inc- everything. Incredible. Man. Absolutely incredible, mate. I think we should do a part two. We'll talk about more shit. <laughs> <laughs> part three more or four. Hip-hop part two. 19. Yeah, but thank, thank you for your time, man. I'm, thank you. It's been a long time coming. We, we crossed paths many yeah, times in like 20, 25 years. It. Yeah, man. And I was sitting down. It's great, man. And you mentioned Trevor, who's a good friend of mine, too. Yeah, man. So. Well, thank you. And Mike Sace. We got oh, shit. Shout out Mike, Mike Sace. Sace. <laughs> Bridge Runners. I, I'm oh, gonna have yeah. to DM him and tell him that your name, his name, came up I mean, constantly. Me and him have such an intricate relationship. It it'll be interesting to see his response. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, all right, well, Dante, thank you so much, man. Thanks for listening, to everybody. Peace. We out of here, bro. That's, Peace. We, we shut this off. Hang out. That was amazing. Oh, shut this off. I always ask my guests if they have any regrets. I personally don't have any regrets. Even when it comes to my tattoos, I have the silliest tattoos. Even my ET on my leg, it's still a childhood memory for me, and I love it. I've had tattoos on top of tattoos strictly because I wanted more tattoos. I started getting tattoos when I was 18. I'm 52 now, and I can't stop. I've had lazy treatment before on something on my arm. It's four tattoos on top of each other, and that experience at that place was pretty fast. It was pretty cold. It was in and out, swipe the credit card, don't really tell me much, didn't give me much details or anything was going to happen. So I never went back. So as of most recently, I'm so lucky enough to have had two sessions at Removery Tattoo Removal. My tattoo on my arm that looks like a big black blob is now super light. I've had two sessions. I have a long road ahead of me. None of this stuff happens overnight. You cannot take a tattoo up in one sitting. You have to be patient and it's painful. They ice you up, it's super fast. To me, it felt like a bunch of rubber bands. But what's more painful than that is looking at something on your body that you think you're stuck with for the rest of your life. That sucks. But now for me, I'm really happy I started this journey. I'm slowly gonna get this tattoo removed. I never thought in a million years I have any kind of real estate on my arm. I don't even know what I want, but it's exciting. I'm so honored to announce that One Life, One Chance podcast is now with Removery. I have a code. Use TobyH20 and get $100 off your first session. Call 866-934-4570 or go to removery.com. One of the most experienced tattoo remover companies in the world. Over 600,000 remover treatments done. 100 locations. U.S., Canada, and Australia. State-of-the-art Picoway laser technology. Cryo technology to reduce any discomfort. 
This is so exciting for me because all I do in these podcasts is talk about tattoos. From day one, if you've been listening to this podcast, we talk about tattoos, talk about getting removed, talk about getting covered up. So this is such a perfect fit for me. Once again, go to removery.com or call 866-934-4570. Use my code tobyh 2 and get $100 off. These guys are located everywhere. Try it out. Yo, people always ask me what kind of frames I'm rocking. I've been rocking Caddis for a couple years. They make amazing progressive readers, which I wear. Also, they make sunglass readers, anti-glare, anti-smudge coating, anti-scratch it, anti-aging. That's why I look mad young when I wear them. I'm just kidding. Um, but they make amazing frames. Caddis, so stoked to have you guys part of the podcast. You can go to caddislife.com slash Toby10 and get $10 off your first purchase. Stoked. Thank you, Caddis. Welcome to the fam. Yo, yo, Liquid Death. Thank you so much for hydrating all my guests taking care of me and my family and my friends. Love your water. Love your brand. Love what you stand for. Love you give back to the community. If you want to learn more about Liquid Death and how it started, listen to episode 115 with the co-founder, owner, and creator of Liquid Death, Mike Cesario. Just a punk rock skateboarding kid from Delaware with a dream. It's an incredible story, incredible journey. They have now blessed me with my own code. So if you go liquiddeath.com slash Toby, you get free shipping on any items you order from liquiddeath.com. Thank you so much, Liquid Death. Death to plastic, murder your thirst. Stay hydrated. You know H2O saves lives.